Welcome everyone to the Faded Connections Path of Exile podcast episode 100 or should I even say the Faded podcast as I'm pretty sure we're going to be dropping the connections post 100 we're just going to be faded because that's you know two syllables really easy stuff this is the beginning of the podcast this will not go onto the audio platforms we'll do the audio platform intro when Balor arrives and then do like a three four hour episode with Balor there in the first two hours or however long he wants to stay and then um, just cut it off at some point and make sure that we draw the attention to the other platforms and um, yeah that's that our plan is to have a variety of different guests. I talked to a lot of people, people who were on the podcast previously, people who uh, who I wanted to have on again. And before I talk uh, endlessly and I don't get anywhere, I want to bring in our first guest. And who who are we gonna pick? I'm gonna I'm gonna draw in the lovely Marion, guys. If you don't know Marion, well, I'll just bring her on here. All right, how does this work? Um, welcome, Marion. Are you here? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I should probably pre-warn people before I bring them on here. Uh, let, let's just get the other people on. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> See, I, I, got, I, I need to do one more audio setup thing because you're, you just came out of my speakers and no one can actually hear you right now. So that's one thing because the, the audio device was not set to the correct one. But other than that, everything is set up. So now speak again. Welcome, Marion. Hello, welcome. Awesome, awesome. And everyone can hear you now, finally. That's great. Uh, is Good my audio better this time than last time? Oh, I felt so bad about it in retrospective because I didn't want to say anything during the podcast because I was like, oh, this is fine. It's not that bad, right? And I don't want to diss the audio quality, but you were actually on the, on the wrong microphone and I was unaware. Uh, that felt so yeah. bad. Oh. I'm pretty sure it's fine now. Nice sweater, nice I bangs. Just, What's happening? Yeah. You you look changed. New, new person. New year. <laughs> Which means awesome. that you haven't been to my stream in a really long time. So, hmm. I've seen some highlight clips, but usually during the highlight clips, I'm AFK when I play the GFL and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I've, I've been very busy and not been catching up as much with content as I would have liked to. Very bad, very bad. You're missing such things as banging New Year. And stuff I, did like see that. Your, I did see your tweet about that, though. <laughs> they are the same ones <laughs> really okay that's good that's good so you're you're uh hyped for some pue podcasting let's go should we, we bring can, in yeah lots more to guests? talk about i guess there's tons of things to talk about but first we bring in more guests for the first hour let's uh, welcome lily licious from the bpl organization team hi what's up lily are you are you uh ready for uh, this podcasting thing. Welcome, welcome. I, I have never been more ready in my life, and I have a virtual camera now. Look at how fancy it is. Wow. Wait, I don't see anything. Oh, that's because, ah, I got locally this... I, oh, wait, I need to press that. Oh, wow, you got your avatar in the thing. Perfect. See, that's awesome. Then, uh, because for this specific episode, I, I can't do like an overlay for all the different numbers of guests, and you know how it is when you capture from like the screen and discord shifts around the positions of the different speakers as people enter and leave it would be too complicated yeah, exactly. i figured so i set it up for you so you have less work to do awesome awesome that's good to know well glad to have you here and but before uh, i forget about the fourth person because i'm very forgetful and i get really into these conversations let's get in the real 
not the fake, the absolutely real James Humphrey. Welcome, James. How are you doing? Are you are you ready to come on the show, or did I catch you off guard with this yeah, pull in? I've been uh, you know waiting. Hold on. Why is my camera off? There we go. My camera is back on. You know, I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm picked last, just like in gym class, all over again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you did the right thing, right? Because I, I, I'm not going to shut up. So. Well, I mean, my, some people may call it all data, but I thought ladies first, you know. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. gotcha, mm. gotcha. I got some ladies ginger shot. And Ladies and gender chaotic goblins first. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's how I uh, how I look at it. So we managed to start, and this is completely untypical for us for faded connections. We managed to start almost on time. I'm not even ten minutes too late. The timer says eight fifty five over time. That's perfectly fine. So a very special celebratory one hundred episode. We got tons of things to talk about. Uh, but before I go into the specific topics that I have in mind, let's just catch up with what we've all been up to because uh, we had Lily Licious on a couple of days ago for the episode 99, just before the Badger Private League. So we're all caught up there, except for some BPL talk that we're going to get into in a second. But I haven't talked to either Marion nor the real James this entire league. So what have you been up to, Marion? Let us, let us know. How, how have you been playing 320? Lots or little? Lots. I've been playing lots. I, I'm lots of fun. I replayed my last league's character at the beginning because uh, my league starter actually failed. That was sad. I was playing um, Vol Volcanic Fisher at league start. No, that didn't work <laughs> out for me. So I, after that, I played my Blade, Blade Trapper Trickster. Beautiful. Killed all Ubers. And then only thing was left was Sanctum. So I'm going full meta. I'm doing the Poison SRS uh, Necro and having oh, loads yeah. of fun. <laughs> yeah. Playing challenges totally as always. Yeah. I can totally relate. I started Blade Flurry and I thought, oh, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. But then I ran out of Copium at some point. <laughs> oh, I gave up really fast on the first character. So fast. Like I gave him to maps and it was level 70. And I was like, yeah, no. This is not working out for me. So I, I really ditched it too far. I Maybe too soon, but you need to establish your league, you know, at the beginning. Play something solid that you know how to play, how it works. But yeah, I'm at 39 out of 40 challenges already, and I'm still having loads of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree about that. Like, you, you can't, like, lose too much time in the beginning of the league. You need to get that economic setup. You need to get ahead of the curve, and you need to stay ahead. So, like, yeah. At a certain point, you got to realize you are, uh, how do you say, yeah. you're, you're backing uh, the metaphorical dead horse and you need to get off it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's another saying, but something like that, yeah. I mean, I, I, the whole time I thought, you know what, I will just grind some currency and I'm going to get back onto the dead horse and ride it into sunset, but it never happened. I just played you're just SRS replace Necro. Replace the insides of the dead horse with mechanical parts. Yeah, until no, it, it like, didn't work. Faster out. than any live horse. No, 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 it didn't work out. So now, only thing that's left in the league is completing the challenges and memeing. Memes is the only thing that's left. Sounds good. How how far, how deep are you into the challenges yet? I I've completed thirty nine out of forty. 
So, but mm. the last challenge is, uh, you know, that definitive deviations versus the sanctum challenge. That one, who knows how long it's going to take me. Uh, definitive deviate. Wait, I'm going to look at my challenge list. Where is it? Is the is relatively low, right? Is it the one that you need like 17 major afflictions and major boons or boons? And yeah, it's pretty RNG to get the ones you're missing. They're quite rare. Hmm. I see, I see. Yeah, but you got all the other ones already. I mean, I heard that, that challenges are easy this league. No, challenge so much easier than other leagues. The grinding grand goals? Honestly, one of the easier challenges. Hmm. Like, really easy, really easy this league. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. I like it when uh, it's a little bit easier for newer players to get into, so everyone can have their, their free MTX. That's great. So, let us hear from you, the real James Humphrey. What have you been up to? Uh, have you been playing a lot this league? Have you been uh, putting time yes. in? I know last league you were a little frustrated and, and stopped a little early. I thought I was going to kick my full addiction. I was ready to walk away. But this patch just needed to be a little bit terrible. That's all it needed to be. And then they kind of fixed the end game, and now I'm sucked back in. So I've been playing a lot. I haven't been you know, streaming or doing anything consistent. Kind of decided to take it back to more as a hobby where I produce content kind of only when I felt like it and share things when they're finished. Uh, less pressure on myself. And uh, but it's been going good. Got my first level 100 ever. Usually I stop at about 98 and a half and get bored, but uh, push my wave of conviction character to level 100. Got my first mirror drop. What? After you got a mirror nice. this league? Yes, I got a mirror drop. Clap, clap. First one in nine and a half years or whatever playing the game. So I was pretty. Uh, it was also the most uneventful mirror drop probably of anything you know um didn't have my headset on wasn't playing with sound oh uh didn't even realize it was a mirror drop <laughs> not sure if it came out of a harbinger that dropped a mirror shard and got upgraded or just a monster i don't know what happened it dropped like half off screen right and you didn't even hear the shring no oh. and then i saw the color and thought it was a divine orb and then I was like, well, that doesn't say divine. And then I picked it up and then just sat there in silence. Uh, and here I am. Like, I would hypothetically already be happy if I even, like, if I just dropped a full fracturing orb. I like, <laughs> the entire time of me running Harbinger in my, like, regular maps without, like, fully trying to juice Harbinger or doing the, the very lucrative memories. I just got, like, six fracturing shards, and I was like, oh, this is not enough. But then I heard, if you do the right strat, it gets more. But... Yeah, yeah, but the Harveys is a bit of a debate. It's like they <laughs> dangled that uh, fracturing orb carrot in your face, and you're like, yeah, 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 Harvey's so good, but no. Just the but there's a chance every time. There is a chance, but it's so minuscule. I mean, <laughs> but the chance so though. <laughs> I've been run I ran Harveys for so long this league. I didn't juice them, obviously. Al can go kind of situation, and I managed to grind out like one orb and six shards. I mean, one orb's worth of shards. But it was just one month of grinding. One month. It's too little, and no mirror shards, such. 
unbelievable. And then you always see these people that like go into betrayal and drop three mirrors or something like that on the Reddit, um, that unethical sort of stuff. I run a private league every league, and somehow this time around we have like two, 200, 300 players somewhere. I think we have two or three mirrors this league, and we do not understand how. <laughs> it's That's never insane. happened before. Huh. It's but you luck. Don't... You don't only run a private league, but you also run uh, the Badger private league that we had just recently. How's that been going? Have you uh, been it, able to catch up on some sleep afterwards? Uh, tonight, I finally managed to sleep. Uh, I had a lot of work things going on right after, so I didn't get as much sleep as I wanted. But now I've slept for like 24 hours straight, so that helped a lot. Um, Badger private league went very well. Uh, it was a really good event. Um, obviously there's things to improve for next time, but that's how it is every time with these kinds of events. So we're looking forward to making BPL 11 even better than 10 was. Well, I mean, that's also like generally people who are success driven always kind of look critical at their own work and there's always something that you could improve because that's just generally the, the more productive stance or like perspective to have than to be satisfied with what you do, right? Well, actually, I'm I'm perfect in every way and have no way to improve in anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know yeah, what this yeah. cat master guy is talking about. I've never doubted myself <laughs> or critiqued my own stuff because it's yeah. uh, just perfection. Of course. No, but yeah. we, we didn't have any major issues with the event. Um, everything ran relatively smoothly. Uh, there were some issues. But that's yeah. unavoidable with like a Ziri not dropping this do. favor for me. <laughs> I mean, that was intentional. We contacted GGG for that to make sure that you didn't get a disfavor. Yeah, that I don't get it in my like. What what did I do in that one stream? Like twenty thirty runs, and then I go offline, and Rice QT gets it in his next run right after I went offline and raided him. Unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was great work by GGG. Was was were you in the same team at least with Rice? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So his ah. success was my success, and yeah, our yeah. team did end up grabbing the win. So, wait, what do you win when you win? I never played BPL. You never played ever? No. There's been ten BPLs, and you didn't I play know. a single one. I'm, I'm very I'm disappointed in you, but you win clout basically. There's no. Ah, real nice, winner. nice. The best kind of reward. Yeah. Especially on I mean, the, the, the event is all about having fun and getting out of your comfort zone. So each team tends to have their own raffle. So items turned into the team leads at the end ah, of the okay, event okay. go out to members of that team uh, randomly. So that they share the well, so to speak. Because it's not about funneling currency to specific people. Although that does happen quite a lot because that's how you win the event. Uh, you get the uh, resources to the people that can use them the best. But at the end, we, we we try to make sure that we spread the wealth around. Right. So if somebody drops like one of these big drops like Nemes and all the other stuff, you raffle that off. Yes, oh. unless they want to keep it themselves. So when an oh. item drops, it belongs to that person. And if they turn it in to be scored, they can ask, please give this back to me at the end of the event. And we do. Right, um, right, 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 right. But most of the time... People just give it to the raffle because it's more fun that way. Like this time in Quirsets, we have this mage blood that's being raffled. That's just 
the most disgusting mage blood I've ever seen. Wait, what's well, disgusting? It is double corrupted with movement speed during flask effects and increased energy shield with four magic flasks. And it's just... That's nice. I, I, I can't imagine a better mage blood. <laughs> did it drop double corrupted or did you guys do it as a yeah. meme? I don't know. Do you know Mr. Corsairs? I have no idea. No, no. I would assume that it was from a diff card hand in. But... Doesn't even I, I know. hope so. Didn't get a copy of the GGG yeah. script? <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't, sadly. Okay. <gasps> that, that GGG keeping everything under wraps, you know? Yeah. All the script yeah. for whole leagues and all the events. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, yeah, they, exactly. they really went above and beyond hiring a whole new team. To write the scripts, like yeah, drops and such. All the RNG seeds for the different content creators, mm -hmm. for the streamer clients. Yeah, I mean that definitely feels more plausible than everything being randomly generated. Absolutely, yeah, no, putting no, no, in thousands and thousands of man hours on this seems way more plausible. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they have such a big team now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can't be. Uh, they're not even working on the game, you know. Everybody knows that. They're just writing scripts, stories, yeah. and all that <laughs> yeah. story. I mean, according lines. to Reddit, that, that's that's very true. Not exactly. All that PoE two footage, it's not an actual game. It's just pre-rendered. It's just they, exactly. they're actually pretending. They're showing us how the game will be when they're done working on it. Similar to that, you know, that self-driving demo from from uh, from Tesla, where they were faking the self-driving and pretending that that's what the car is actually capable of doing when the <laughs> entire map was hard-coded into the car. Yep. <laughs> and they still they still had to cut out things where the car went into like a like a um, wall or something like that, like a fence. Yeah. We yeah, have been informed like, by the chat that the mage blood was double corrupted as the event ended. Okay. Oh okay. Ooh, that wow, that's sense. some big bologists. I yes, guess. Very much so. It's an extra special though. That yeah. really but that's kind of the theme sense. of the BPL. It's it's not about getting the currency it's about the memes and having the fun so oh, yeah double corrupting mage but kind of a encapsulation of what the event's about well the good thing about double corrupting a mage blood as opposed to getting a double corrupted mage blood from the card is that you can put it in you can determine the role of the mage blood prior to the corruption so you won't yep. end up with a mage blood that will only make two flasks permanently active instead of four Which is the the saddest thing that can happen when you get a corrupted mage blood from a diff card hand in, is that yeah, it only has a two out of four flask rolls, a roll. Yeah, that'd be terrible. I mean, what's the worst thing there is not getting a mage blood at all. Some would say. Not getting Some a mage. Some would be wrong. Getting a bad <laughs> mage blood is, in my opinion, it's worse. Or worse than getting no mage blood. Oh yeah, no. Kind of I've never gotten it. a mage blood also. So. I mean, neither. I mean, oh, actually, I did borrow one for, from someone in my private league for like two days. Was it so fun? So I've used one. It was an experience. Okay. <laughs> Wait, that's very uh, uh, what's diplomatic way of saying uh, maybe you didn't enjoy it quite as much as you. Everybody says you should, I guess. That that is quite accurate. My, the, the problem with it is that it, it's great and you feel quite powerful, and then. You don't have a mage blood anymore, and you're like, okay. <laughs> what do I do this, now? This, yeah. this, this is fine. Yeah. 
that's what I always th thought uh, with Headhunter for myself. I was like, mm, I don't really want Headhunter because what if then I'd never get it again because I'm not the kind of player that will get Headhunter every league. And then you're just sad. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm not good enough to get those sorts of items because yep. I I don't I don't play enough I don't push enough and I I tend to make my own builds that aren't very good. Like this league, I a league started a Frozen Legion Inquisitor, and I used Frozen Legion for both single target and clear. And okay. It worked much better than you would expect. I, I, I did. mean, for single target, I thought that was kind of like a, that's the idea for that skill, more or less single target. It, 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 it was better than expected. It was fun to play. I got to T16s. I killed a bunch of bosses. It was probably like strong B-tier build, I'd say. But it wasn't fast at clearing maps. It was squishy. It didn't have the ability to push too far. So it's not something I would recommend to but players like you... that want a good build. But, if you were to invest more in it, if you put yeah, mage probably, blood on it, it. yeah, probably. I mean, there, there is a lot I could do to improve the tankiness, but I'm not really good enough to know how to do that properly. And I've moved on to other builds to try and uh, get tanky and not to die all the time. Yeah. A lot of times people discount that whole fun factor, right? And that's one of the, it's, it's a game at the end of the day. So it doesn't matter if you play a suboptimal build. What really matters, you're winning, in my opinion, at least, if you're having fun playing the game. Because a lot of people yeah, exactly. just grind the most optimal whatever thing, and are they really having fun for hours and that, hours? That's partly why I play in the privately I help run uh, every league start, because we're, we're basically communism BPL style, but in a longer league, that's not a competition. So trading, you, you give items to each other, and eventually you'll probably be given as much as you gave out uh, because everyone helps each other. So it becomes less about grinding currency efficiently and more about playing the game the way you enjoy it. That's yeah, cool. The, the last time I did BPL was the third or the fourth one, back when it was a whole week or 10 days or something, and it just burnt me out too much, but Overall, the experience with it was really, really good. Everyone was helping each other in groups, got to meet a lot of people. So I highly recommend that you check it out if you've never played in one. Yeah, since since then, we've reduced the duration to four days, which seems to be the sweet spot. Some people want it shorter, some people want it longer. Uh, but with four days, you can allow people to push for almost the entire event without sleep if they want to. We don't recommend it, but they can. Um, while at the same time having enough time that people who don't want to stay up for 24 hours straight can still contribute. Uh, so it, it's a happy balance. Oh, I'd feel, I'd feel awful staying up for four days in a row, and I, I'm yeah. really happy that the event is not like a full week anymore because, I don't know, I during the four days I played like for 18 hours, and the next one for 13, then for 15, and then for 13 hours again. And that's like, let me quickly do math. That's more than 60 hours and total four days is like 96 hours. Then you have to take it, it a week because you're just don't want to stream, don't want to play, <laughs> sleep and eat. Uh, 
You went yeah. really hard on one of the last gauntlets, right, Catmaster? Didn't you get to like 97, 98, like one or two gauntlets ago? How much did you play that one? I like think I... Today? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember which one specifically you mean. I think the one that you're talking about was where when I was playing Guardian Dominating Blow. Uh, no, not Dominating Blow, the other skill that works like that. The Absolution, Guardian Absolution. And I got rank 5 Guardian without any boss skills, just by virtue of being high level and uh, like having played a whole lot. And I think it was even the gauntlet where we had the global 100% increased damage. And I was doing like tier 16 maps with Beyond and all that. And my Guardian was like really tanky and survivable. I don't even remember. Oh no, in the, in the end I tried to do the, the poop boss. The, what's it called? The Unending Hunger? Yeah, exactly. Endless Hunger. And, uh, and I died to the underground phase because I actually like did something wrong there. I think I didn't bring my minions up before I started moving. And then like I got mediated down by the the ads there <laughs> well the i mean you can call him poop boss everybody knows who that is we do the sewer, sewer boss the poop boss yeah 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 the human mind's ability to make connections is incredible <laughs> i mean yeah, he kind of, of has a drain that you have to go back out from that that phase you have little islands <laughs> Yep. Diarrhea Islands. Di oh, no. Well, well, well uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about what I, what I is this guy? Is this a POE uh, <laughs> yeah. a podcast that I'm in? Or what is it, it's somewhat unclear, but let's pivot back to POE. Yeah. And to okay. completely clear of a pallet of this, I used the Sanctum Staff on my Frozen Legion Inquisitor, the one that you don't do damage on non-crits. And it actually worked. I mean, did you feel like there were times where you were doing no damage? Or you had 100% oh, crit? Absolutely. I mean, it limits you to 50% crit. Oh. So oh. half the time you do no damage, except with lucky crits, it's only 25% of the time. And Frozen Legion rules crit individually for each statue. So, in single target situations, when I had six statues, four and a half of them would do damage per hit. Which actually worked really well. That's uh, pretty nice. There were times I got unlucky and none of them did any damage, and it was a feels bad moment. But how, I mean, did you lower the cooldown in any way? Because you, you need to charge them up, right? Yeah. Uh, I had the cooldown reduction on helmet and on belt. And that gave you fifty percent uh, reduced cooldown, uh, or rather, fifty percent increased cooldown reduction rate, which is different. Um, which was enough to make it feel great for most content, but for really fast content like uh, sped up breaches, it just did not work because they spawned faster than I could. Trigger. Yeah. Yeah. What about the enchants for that skill? Any fun enchants? Yeah. The Two enchants are irrelevant. Like, there is the increased damage, of course, which no one should ever use. But the two relevant ones are plus two uses. So you can store Ooh. eight statues instead of six. That's yeah, nice. exactly. And plus one cooldown, or even plus two for Uber? Yeah, plus two for wow. Uber. Because I've only and, seen the plus one enchant. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is 20% uh, or 30% increased cooldown reduction rate for the skill. 
Mm. So the increased coolant reduction rate gives you higher DPS and better feel overall, whereas plus two uses gets you a large amount of burst. Mm. Uh, ridiculous amounts of burst. It's it's silly. And I wanted to know exactly how much, which is why I spent time, instead of playing the build in the early days, I spent time implementing it into powerful building, so it now tells you burst damage. Uh, which was a good time. Fun. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, that's part of playing PoE, is playing Path of Building, right? Exactly. And now, thanks to me, everyone can play Path of Building that way. Perfect. You've contributed. <laughs> everyone, can play. everyone can play Frozen Legion in Path of Building. Yeah, in Path of Building. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it the... might be a better experience than playing it in-game. <laughs> well, well. For example, right with that stuff, right, and crits are lucky. What about doing like cast on crit kind of build? Because they, if it rolls individually, so you would trigger six times potentially six times. You cannot, spells? you cannot uh, trigger frozen oh. legion. Oh, no, but and like trigger with frozen legion. Yeah, but you're not doing you... the attack crits. It's like the the summon yeah. oh. things that are not actual minions are attacking. Oh. You are casting a spell. Right. which spawns things that use your stats to use an attack. Right, right, right. Sad. And the spell and the attack are separate skills, uh, one of which you can't use. So they share links, but they're supported by different parts of the... Uh, by different types of gems. Right. So you can, you can link a gem to the skill that doesn't support the attack bit, but does support the spell bit. And you have to keep that in mind. Mm. What a weird skill. Does, yeah, it's yeah. a very weird skill, and I love it. <laughs> you love the w weird stuff. Wait, what other weird I, skills do we have? I once played a Wild Strike Inquisitor. And Was Wild Strike to one type, or did you... Uh, I did not limit to one type. I did it Trinity. Okay. Uh, oh, let's go. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You're that oh, kind it, of player. It, it it was not good, but it, it was fun. <laughs> was it with, was it after they changed elemental equilibrium to what it is now? I think so, yes. Uh, because that that would be really like good, right? With uh, two or three leagues ago, strike. maybe. Because the new elemental equilibrium does the it's thing trash. where it's trash. Well, no, is it's it? not. I'm just. Well, it's trash for what you previously used it for, yeah, right? But, yeah. but it's like the biggest yeah. exposure that you can get, right? Because it's minus 25 exposure rather than minus 15 or minus 20 that you can get from some other sources. But yeah, you really need to yeah, alternate but with like, your damages. It, it's just... No, it's... it's but, nah. It was used to be way better. I don't it, want... it used to be way better, but it yeah. also used to be very generic it didn't really have an identity it was just a thing you put yeah on it was also very mandatory yeah, yeah exactly. exactly you just use the skill that you would deal an element with that your main damage doesn't deal and then yeah it, it is way more niche now but i think it's better even though it's less useful for more builds well, it's because better design but it's like not better value like yeah exactly has more identity I don't yeah. like it. I don't like that it's also exposure. 
I, yeah. I want the old ways. I mean, it had identity in the old ways because you had to you had to plan around it to a certain extent. Yeah, but like it's so mandatory for every build that dealt elemental damage, especially dot builds. Yeah, that, like so everything needed to be out. balanced. Yeah, around it. For sure, but now it's just rolled into exposure. Are you really gonna travel? I don't know. Nah, I don't know. You can get like eighteen percent exposure pretty easy. And mm. then, and it doesn't gimp kind of, you don't have to work around getting another element to apply the bigger exposure. It's just nah, easier just to get the 18% exposure and just. I mean, it, get... it, it's very good specifically for the alternating builds like Elemental Hit and yeah. uh, Wild Strike, where you don't block every other element. So it's, it's, it's very good for those if you're already in the area. It's not something I can see people going out of the way for in no. any build except maybe Explosive Arrow, but you're anyway kind of in that area, so... Yeah. Probably an invocation of Elemental Equilibrium, also not very expensive. Probably. How do you like, guys like invocations? I keep Are forgetting you, about them. them. No, what? but the, the problem is but they like, the opportunity cost. Yeah, but I need to put them on a sanctified relic, and that means that I'm putting like I'm investing into a sanctified relic, but I don't have any good sanctified relics that like really I fully benefit with from my build. For and and like, what if I change it? Then like, I don't know the how much are the invocations? They're all several divine orbs, right? Like, why depends would I put several... on an invocation. You can get some really cheap ones. I mean, I don't know. You play trade. You play solo cell phone these days. I play softcore trade in this league. Oh, softcore trade! Oh, yeah. I mean something With the like boys. some and the girls. They they can range from ten chaos to ten divines, probably something like that. I play a small private league, and I'm too bad to get invocations myself, so I have not seen one. Um, but they look cool. It only just comes from up. the artifact. Yeah. There's an artifact yeah. that you have to put in, and it has special conditions. So I've never farmed one. I just bought one for yeah. one divine. I bought Call of Arms, put Enduring Cry, and left click as I move around. You down capitalists. Right and I was right in a spot for an extra endurance charge. So uh, yeah. for endurance charges and more recovery. So, I mean, like just like that amount of power, because I'm nowhere near Call of Arms, would be good. And then... Otherwise, it could save you one, two, three points or something like that. Or you can make some really funky builds with that. You play. Well, you can uh, get glancing blow on like just about any build. Yeah. And run around. Or with what, the what else is there? That's probably uh, the other good ones. Probably. Mage Bane. Are... Mage Bane is the number one chain chase thing for most people because that gives you so yeah. much suppression. Ma but, but it's really expensive. Yeah. yeah, there's the other one with the uh, evasion gives you energy shield back, and it, it can have three charges. What's oh that? yeah, ghost, ghost dance, shroud dance. or something. I don't know, whatever. It's, yeah. it's ghost dance. But, that, uh, but that one's good to just add into just about any build if you can get a little bit of energy shield and you already have an evasion. evasion or a block. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you really should have evasion or block unless you really want to die a billion times in a mm -hmm. map, right? One or the other. Yeah, I feel like the, the that's a very small niche though. Like builds that would want Ghost Reaver are not pathing passes in the tree. That's like, I guess maybe like some dualists builds. Oh, I don't sorry. don't go all the way up to Shadow. 
but no go ghost dance not reaver so it's down a little bit more yeah yeah that's it's what like i meant sorry I, did i say ghost reaver I say ghost yeah, yeah. I, I meant ghost that, dance. I don't know. The one that gives you ghost shrouds. The, well, the but for example, thing. if you were like an inquisitor, you didn't path towards you get some energy shield, but you don't path towards the witch, you uh, something like ghost reaver, even you make some weird builds. Just go or even see no see can you you can't get invocation of CI? No, no, CI doesn't appear no, on the invocation. There's like there's a list somewhere with all the things and CI is not on there, I believe. Sadly. Yeah, but well, maybe it's just weighted really, really low, and no one's gotten one yet. <laughs> maybe no, no, I'm pretty sure it's actually like P O E D B invocation. But um, yeah, that's I thought that could be kind of fun to make all kinds of weird builds with these because you don't have to path through unfavorable nodes, and you can get some weird stuff like even elemental overload. You can not pass to it, and you can play, I don't know, some elemental duelist something without crits. Yeah, I mean, it could work. It's just one of the issues with Path of Exile is that it's so hard to experiment sometimes that it really discourages you from trying the weird, crazy stuff because... Because it sucks most of the time. It sucks most of the time, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, and especially have, have, if you don't play that much, like for us, that may not matter that much because we're either content creators or like uh, insane uh, gaming addicts, degenerate gamers. Insane gamers yeah. here. <laughs> but like, if you have limited playtime, then obviously you don't want to put like the few eggs that you have all into the same basket that's about to fail. You want to have a solid basket to put your eggs in. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I may have played 3,500 hours, which I'm sure is way less than any of you, but I don't have that much time to play anymore, because I'm no longer a student, I have a full-time job, bunch of stuff happening, so I, I just don't have time to put hundreds of hours into each league. Yeah, that is the problem when you have a game that is a full-time job, kind of requires ish time requires a lot of time if you want to be top in poe i guess yeah pretty much it's a it's a, a commitment i mean I've, I've talked to other people a lot of people including myself when i i had a, a full-time job in, in 2016 I didn't play as much PoE, and then I just slowly played less and less because I felt like I, did, I don't have the time to put in the amount of hours that I need in order to have the enjoyment that I want to, like, you know, to be able to be at that point where I enjoy myself. And then I just lived vicariously through streamers and just watched. And then, you know, every once in a while when there was like a short event or something like that, I'd do like a, or on a league start, I'd play really hard for like two or three days and see how much I can accomplish in that time. But uh, other than that, I, I was like, oh, I'm not really that interested into playing because at the time I was also still very um, hardcore elitist. So I would refuse <laughs> to play softcore trade or softcore solo cell phone, which oh, would no, have been so a smart thing to do. Yeah, Softcore yeah, trade you... is the way to go. I feel like if you don't have much time, well, maybe yeah. especially if you maybe you have some friends and they will share some things with you. If you want to play and you just don't have a lot of time, that is. 
when I started playing, I, I was a student and had way too much time and a big masochistic streak. So I played hardcore solo self-found for the first 1,500 hours in Path of Exile. And I do not understand why. <laughs> hey, neither do I, okay? I yeah. was going to say it, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Nah, I know. I mean, some people just like the, you know, self-punishment. So it's all good. Yeah, I guess We're all so. friends here. You have here. to have a, a self-flagellation yeah. or something. Or, uh... I mean, it, it was a good way to learn because, sure, it took me a while to learn the endgame stuff. But every time I made a mistake, it was extremely obvious I made a mistake. So I didn't pick up many bad habits. Yeah, but doesn't this is always uh, my problem with hardcore? Why I wouldn't play hardcore is because it kind of discourages you to do things that that you've never done, but you have to spoil them for yourself. Then, if you wanted to do them in hardcore, because otherwise, going in blind in anything is just like it's almost like a death sentence unless you're literally unkillable, and that's not most of the builds. Or you yes, how much but... do you have to play to get an unkillable build in hardcore? So self that's crazy for me. To yeah, me, yeah, that's crazy. The, the, the fun part is failing at something when you're going blind and then pushing and getting to that point again and failing again and then doing it again and then failing again. And then the fourth time or the fifth time or the 15th time, you kill it. And that feeling is just exquisite. I mean, I bet it is pretty now, but oh, failing and getting your character deleted is oh, no, 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 no. When I got my first ascendancy point after 100 hours, that was a good feeling. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We definitely have different definitions of fun. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't do that stuff anymore because I I don't have the time. But it, it it was fun. It was a good time. And the first time I, I hit level nine, right around the point where I started hitting level 90 before dying, that's when I swapped over to software. I mean, I also feel like people who used to play hardcore, they remember it with a lot of fondness, but they don't play it anymore. It's like, oh, old PoE used to be so good. You know, people are like, oh... If we only had the old way PoE was, and it's just like, it's like the nostalgia. Maybe because you enjoyed the game more back then, or I don't know, you thought, oh, there was only, you know, that small community feeling with all like heapsters playing PoE when there's like a hundred people playing. It's, I don't know how many people. I'm just pulling numbers well, it, well, out of it. It was a whole, it was a whole culture war. You yeah. know, you were complete Diablo. Uh, dog, dog water unless you played hardcore, and only real gamers played hardcore back in the day. And now it's the other that. way around. Yeah, yeah, that's the other way around. Only hey, heapsters I, play hardcore now. Hardcore solos, oh, ruthless solo self on hardcore. Let's get out of here. It's like I five mean, people there. There's certain people in the audience of the podcast that like completely discredit my opinions based on the fact that I play only HCSSF. I mean, until like I started playing more softcore trade like a year ago or so, right? Like with Scourge or, or something like that. But there were like a whole host of people who were like just like disregard what Capmaster says. Balor is right. Capmaster has no clue what he's talking about. He doesn't know how the game is being played by 90% of players. I mean, sad. I mean, were they wrong? Yeah. No. I I came to fight today. Let's go. They they were wrong about the reasons. It's not because he played hardcore that you didn't know what you're talking about. You just... You you were bad, so you didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> oh. 
It's gonna be a long twenty-four hours. (laughs) (laughs) Burning Uh Catmaster stream. I think this is gonna be. You need to rename it. Yeah, it's the Catmaster roast. Yeah, Catmaster roast. It's okay. It's okay. I've been prepared for the for the. You put some aloe vera, some stuff like that, preemptively. I love that shit. (laughs) But it's it's completely (laughs) night and day from probably how I play the game and how you. Played the game when you're in solo cell phone hardcore. How do I yeah. play the game right now? Blast. You know those eater, those eater <laughs> altars? Picking up every single one. Puts me in negative resist. Don't care. I want loot. And yep. that's how I play the game. Yeah, do you <laughs> even you're read like, the downsides? I've been told by by professional oh, I, uh, softcore trade players that you don't read the downsides. You only read the upsides. Well, I'm playing yes. the, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm playing I'm playing the eater side. And I'm a fire build, so don't gotta worry about the resist. I kind of have a potion, so I'll be a little bit overcapped on the cold. So lightning things, yeah. So I read the the upsides mostly, and uh, that's that's what it's about, really. I the, the mostly just look at the loot. Yeah. yeah, it's about the like. You're not gonna grab. Let's say you actually get the jackpot divine one. You're not gonna grab it because of downsides. Are you yeah, serious? no. And imagine if you were a hardcore solo self found get the divine. Tra- well, I guess you can't trade, so it doesn't even matter. Exactly. Don't, don't do anything with divines. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Wait, divines are really cool because you use them for uh, multi mod and prefix locking now, right? I like Wait, you divines. unlock your unveil mods? What is this? Don't have time for that. Mm. Uh. No. <laughs> Well, but Wait, yeah, world, I mean, altars, they were clearly made to be clickable. So why wouldn't you click it? Also, six portals clearly were go. made to be used up. So clearly made to be clicked and used. Definitely. They're just so inviting. Just one. They pop up there. You can. It's just. Mm, yes. Click it. Click it. Don't. <laughs> yeah. If you die yeah. a few times, I mean, softcore. Who cares? Nothing happens. Don't no. don't think, just click, just exactly. Gamba. Reading is overrated. We know that. Just ask Zizeren. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm just uh, I'm a little bit upset because you let five portals go to waste on every map that you do, Catmaster. And <laughs> are you thinking of all? Well, the, I mean, I'm not. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not out right before I die. Right, like okay. obviously. So, you go oh, a little portals. bit log out. Go a little oh, bit yeah, log yeah. out. That's how you use them. Okay. I think yeah. that's a sacrifice of a portal. Just uh, so GGGs, uh, the RNG gods don't smite you down. Like log out. <laughs> you have to think about the portal economy. Yeah. Like you don't want to put all these portal crafters out of work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, right. they probably have like uh, you know, a whole conveyor system going on there. Yeah, and I, I hear they're coming out with PoE dot portal uh, pretty soon, so you can get the most for those NT no what's the NT no NFTs NFTs portals and portal NFTs yeah portal NFTs there you go boom <laughs> money easy money GGG mm. best ideas on this podcast right one one quick thing uh, before we get in our next uh, round of guests because we already f- completed the full uh, hour almost i mean you're you're of course welcome to stay i'm not saying like we're, we're rotating or anything i'm just saying we're gonna get some new people in and one thing i really want to know is do you do sanctum at all the real james humphrey are you a sanctum enjoyer because you say you're like a zoomy softcore player and from zoomy yeah, softcore I players just, I, i've heard like i've done varying like... opinions 
I've done probably 70 of them. 70? To completion. I've been playing a lot, okay? I just have been streaming it. Okay? Yeah, I, I, like, all, all I'm lot. saying is like it's I just have, so uh, diametrically opposed to the, the way that you play maps in softcore trade because in Sanctum yeah. you actually need to like pay attention, right? So I actually, I have like, I have a second build that was a int stacker claw build and I couldn't do Sanctum really on it on like the fourth floor I had issues, but my wave of conviction is like really strong. Uh, the last version, so I don't even have to do the last phase of the final boss. But I like doing the bosses and the challenging like once or twice or doing things, or if the loot's there, I'll do it. So, I mean, uh, farming, since it's a reward you can only get in that place, I'll do it. And that drops some divines. I think I've pulled 30 divines out of it. No, maybe it's 22. And then I've gotten 68 divine drops and then two gin drops. So I've been playing a lot this league, like a lot. So, unfortunately, I wish I didn't, right? Because then I'm not doing my other channel, the coding stuff that I'm supposed to do. But I've been <laughs> logging in daily, grinding about a sanctum a day. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm really fashion. happy you're enjoying the game again, but it sounds like you're yeah, not dude, happy I you're enjoying it. the game. No, I'm pretty happy because I wasn't <laughs> excited about it for a while that I felt whatever. But just stopping to produce content, going back to just enjoying the game. I've been loving the game. The explosions with the ignite. Oh, it's so good, dude. Oh, I love it so much. It's just cool to just log in. I mean, explosions are the best. Best explosions, never going back. So, But no, I, I don't know. I found a build that I really like. And... The problem is that they nerfed every single build that I like, so I didn't have, find one that I liked as much as stuff. So I used to play Carrion Golem, and I loved just running around on that. They nerfed that stuff like five freaking times, and then I didn't enjoy that anymore. Then I had a couple of other things that I really liked, and then they nerfed all those. But I found something I like a lot again, and then it feels rewarding enough in the mapping experience where I've been having a blast. I basically do Legion, uh, Breach, uh, expedition and harbinger on my maps and then i'm set up with pretty big aoe on my wave of conviction is that so like break 15 up. minute maps legion breach expedition and what what difference does harbinger. it make how long the, the maps are they're probably like six minute maps or something you, no, no, you it's pull, just like, it's you like do four mechanics that slow you down basically right yeah it does but you get something out of every map and it feels rewarding i mean like you know what I mean? Like I put X in and I get Y out and Y is significantly greater. This is the problem with the economy in the previous league. I put X in and I usually get Y out and then I got negative X returns. You know what I mean? Like I like to play Fortune Favors of the Brave every single one. I like to play with a little bit of Scarabs and I like to go in there and at least know that I broke even and then sometimes I get more or have a con consistent uh like return on every map something like that's very enjoyable to me in mm -hmm. the previous league i couldn't even sustain like fortune favors the brave like it was that bad for the play style that i had i know there's lots of mixed feelings and how it was last league and also ggg i think they shot themselves in the foot i still don't uh okay let's go controversy here <laughs> yeah. why did chris gaslight us and say quote unquote in the ziggy d thing he said no the loot is unchanged it was fine we have the numbers he said that 
on the Ziggy D interview for this last league. I can for tell you right now. You mean? No, for this one. Yeah, for this for one. 320. Whatever, what are we? 320. He said that in the Ziggy D thing on the release, which I almost didn't even try the league out at all because he said this. And I'm like, okay, they're delusional or whatever. The loot is like 13 times as much and pretty consistent, probably, than yeah, the last also. league. So I don't understand why he does. Like, I'm beginning to wonder a couple of things here. Like, did they mess up the loot and they don't want to tell him so he doesn't know? And someone's protecting their job? Like, what's going on here? But I'm like, dude, you killed all the hype for the league by that. If he would have hyped it up and go, look, we screwed up last league. We know it. We looked at it. Loot's way better. Trust me. Please give it a chance. Blah, blah, blah. That's what I would have done. Okay. Do you know the numbers? If he would have just did that in a Ziggy D interview compared to like the amount of concurrent players that they got for this league. Like I seriously almost didn't play the league and I'm having a blast. So anyways, if you're on the, the fence there, the end game's really good, really consistent. A lot of fun stuff. All right. I'll stop. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, I also I, I don't remember the specific quote that you're talking about. I don't re recall exactly what you mean, what Chris said. But if he said that the loot is unchanged from 319 to 320, then I I'd probably subject from my subjective experience, it feels different. It feels like I got even like just while leveling, I got better uniques. I got more rares and and all that. But, you know, okay. I. I it's hard to tell. I can't can't really tell the difference, honestly. But it's he he didn't say it was unchanged between free nineteen and free twenty. He said that it was fine in free nineteen. Which implied Which... that it was that they did nothing and that it was fine in three nineteen, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. So if he thinks it's fine, then they're not changing it, but they did change it. So well, I don't know. I, mean... I guess technically he could have meant that he thought it was fine in 319, but it was changed. But wouldn't you communicate that to people? Like, hey, but we changed it a lot, so try it out again. Well, I it. mean, it's only it, you would only need this kind of clarification if you thought that the loot was in such a bad place. And maybe they didn't think it was in such a bad place because he clearly said, well, we thought that loot was fine, but may who knows? I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I play the same every league. I'll can go chisel. I'll can go maps. I don't use scarabs most of the time, or I don't put fortune favor. And I don't. I sustain everything the same. I get currency drops. I don't see a difference. Honestly, I feel like I get more currency drops this league because of how they changed this hidden. You know those loot goblins that we had before. Mm -hmm. Not like I would ever hire somebody to get my loot goblin and get like insane divines, but I feel like I'm getting more in, in that capacity from mon monsters, like big drops of a bunch of like scarabs or something like that than before. But other than that, everything normal drops, like sustained maps, sustained chisels, algs, chaos, get chaos, drops random divines just as before. So I, but again, ov obviously people had problems with juicing last league. It didn't feel worth it. Maybe this league it feels worth it. Maybe in that sense, they did yeah. buff it. So my my experience is like, I have tons of chaos orbs. I have I'm dropping actual divines a lot of times out of the league mechanics itself. But I didn't. I couldn't even sustain the chaos to pay for the fortune favors the brave. I had to keep breaking divines over and over and over. 
in this league, I don't have to do that at all. I can pay every single map for it to favor the brave, and I'll get more chaos out of every single map. Plus, I'll get other bubblegum currencies, you know, two, three of different types, sometimes even up to 10 when the altars hit. Um, I just didn't have that experience at all. Most of the currency came from pretty much the altars, and I tried like 12 different strategies last week. So I don't know. I feel to like me, it's like night and day between the. I feel like a chat is a really good point in that maybe the average loot isn't all that much higher this time. But it's way more consistent. Uh, hmm. that, that's one possibility. So yeah. you don't go super dry and get unlucky and not get enough to sustain your juicing until you get that one giant loot goblin that gives you enough currency to go for weeks. Um, yeah, and it's possible hmm. that they took the average and all the average of all the other groups that were doing the goblin farming and saying, well, as an average, it drops the same amount of loot. Okay. Maybe, but the the difference for me, like I said, was I spend X on the map and I get more than that out of every single map. And up until they made the arch nemesis changes, that was true in every league that I've played for nine years. If I put juice in, I at least broke even every time I juice. And the more you juice, the more you get. I didn't feel like that was the case last league. I can go for very long dry streaks and then maybe I hit the loot goblin so it didn't seem worth it and i'm generally just happy as long as i put x in and then i'm getting at least that return may i interject well, we're, we're glad that yeah. oh yeah no please finish your your sentence but then i got at, at, at least we're very glad that things have improved this league and yeah. we can just hope that it keeps going in the same trend yep all right. If you guys are all ready, we're going to bring on another guest to the show. And this is one I'm, I'm super hyped about. Please welcome with us Mr. Tarky Cat, coffee aficionado, ruthless enjoyer, and uh, pioneer of PoE podcasting. Uh, I think we got Tarky here. Hi. Hi. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. You're going to grace us with your, uh, with your visual appearance. Uh, I'm, how, how do I do that in a voice thing? What do I do? <laughs> I think you can switch off the camera. There's like, there's a button where you can switch on the camera. Switch on right the above your left. name in, on the left side, left hand oh. side. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think there I did we it. go. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. Cool. But you were still camera muted for me. Perfect. Awesome. I still, one thing I need to find out is like how I can make these labels on like with the names appear because people are watching the podcast or listening and like, who are these guests? Who is that? Because there's no names under the things. But when I hover like with, with the mouse, then we got, we got name labels. Maybe there's a discord setting that you could switch on where like there's always I names. Know, I, can, I can fix that. Give me a minute. <laughs> well, I, I think like a, you're the person. For you're the person for which the name label is le least needed. No, no, yeah. no, bitch! I'm fixing this. Hang on, one sec. Well, I mean, you <laughs> changed your appearance quite a bit, and you've disappeared for a while. So maybe people are like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm go. probably the least known out of everyone here. Uh, yeah. I haven't streamed in years. Yeah. Um, so, but but I, I'm also not using a camera, so I can't really put up a name label. I could put it in the picture. That's a good idea. Yeah, you could you could put it on the virtual camera. That's true, but like no, I just I think that the way Discord works is perfect for this with the labels. It's just like if I stop hovering my mouse, then Discord just makes everything disappear. But I'll I'll look in the settings. Maybe I'll find something. Taiki, do you want to like 
give us a little bit of an intro and talk about how how have you been, how have you been experiencing this league so far? Um, I'm not in maps yet. Yeah, <laughs> I am a uh, yeah ruthless SSF ruthless enjoyer. Um, I play a, probably about ten minutes a week, if that. Uh, no, so I, I started the league. Uh, I think I started ten days late, and I play maybe at most three hours a week since then. So I'm currently Act Nine Two Link Gamer. Um, I was a One Link Fire Trap Gamer, but then I got Multi Trap Drop in Act uh, Seven. I saw that. Yeah, and now I am officially doing crazy damage. I actually got a Culling Strike Gem Drop, which was quite a big deal. But I didn't have a triple green, so I'm still only on a two link. But if I get a three link green item, I'm gonna have culling, and that's gonna be uh, mad deeps. Big, big. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so filter you're... is not needed for, I guess. Filter item filter is not needed for ruthless. I, you I, I haven't been using an item filter now. Um, I should have an item filter so that. I hear a ding when, like, uh, so I've been uploading all of my uh, full one-hour streams onto YouTube, and in episode four, at 37 minutes, apparently I missed an alteration, um, and that was, like, a really big deal. So people like, Taki, you need a loot filter, because, like, you can't keep affording to miss, like, one alteration orb every, like, six hours. That's yeah. so crazy! You need that text-to-speech yeah. filter that tells you yeah. alteration. Yeah. So you um, Alteration. Yeah, so I've said that I'm going to be uh, filterless until maps, and then I'm going to do a special uh, episode, which is just me making a ruthless loot filter, which is basically the default no loot filter, but it makes noises. Uh, it's going to be very exciting content. It's going to be good. Mm. Have you already... Something for the those ruthless uh, v viewers uh, to look forward to, you know? Mm -hmm. Have you already, like, I don't know whether they changed it from the alpha, but when I wanted to implement a, an, a loot filter in the ruthless alpha, it worked a little bit different, but then I also couldn't put the loot filter that I wanted because ruthless filters are not allowed to hide anything. <laughs> like, you can't hide items from the ground in, in ruthless, apparently. Um, so I didn't actually play the Hello? alpha... Um, so, I, I don't know. Uh, hello? Mar said hello, I think. Are we doing Lionel Richie, or...? Oh, uh, no, everybody's frozen in Discord. Everyone's frozen Richie. in Discord? Oh. Wait. Not on my end. I think it's your, it's your Discord. My, my conversation looks fine, everything looks fine on stream, and I think everyone else okay. is also not... I think we're okay. Um, but yeah, so I didn't actually play the the Ruthless Alpha, which um, was quite funny because, so I wasn't expecting to play, is it 8.20 or is it 7? I am so out of the loop with Path of Exile, you could tell me any patch number, I, I would believe you. But yeah, so um, I was given an, an early invite for it and they were like, oh, Taki, you know, you've been like the one Path of Exile streamer who said like you'd be excited for hard mode, it's finally coming out, would you like to stream the Alpha? And I'm like... I'm busy. Thanks, though. Um, <laughs> so apparently they were quite annoyed a bit about that. Because, um, yeah, I didn't think I was going to cover this league at all, but no, I have been doing a little bit. So um, uh, one thing I have also been doing, which I'm slightly ruining by doing this uh, podcast, is I've muted every single Path of Exile content creator on uh, Twitter. 
I've unsubscribed from everyone. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> and I've been doing this league entirely blind. So as far as I know, um, Viper Strike is like the number one meta skill. I have no idea what people are playing or what's going on or anything. Um, have you so, been yeah. trying Sanctum at all in Ruthless or...? Well, Not so good. the problem is, is that in Ruthless we don't have movement skills, and uh, while I am at the dizzying heights of Act 9, I've only got 15% movement speed boots, and um, two link Forbidden Sanctum 15% movement speed gameplay with no movement skill is, is kind of terrible. What do you um, mean? You didn't use your, your skill gem tokens for uh, Hydrosphere Chainhook? Wait, you have a Chainhook and a Hydrosphere? No, no, no. <laughs> Turkey, no. I'm, I'm spoilers sorry to spoil are, things for you. Uh, spoilers. I'm, I'm sorry to spoil things, but Chad's already done so. Uh, actually, Conversion Trap and Bear Trap are the number one skills right now. Oh. Okay. Okay. I can see that, the PvP. You get, like, the big Guardian dude to a cheeky little Conversion Trap on him. He, he kills all the other guys. Yeah? Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Bear From... Trap is one hard-hitting hitting skill. I mean, uh, you I, can I... fail with Bear Trap. Alt quality, let's go. Alt quality gems in Rufus. Okay, these guys clearly play way too much trade league. Um, I yeah, I've seen a... like the second floor that's boss. Um, that's how far I've gotten. Um, yeah, it's so, pretty yeah. good. Um, kind of a big or, deal. For a tooling gamer. No, that was when I was still on a one link. That was I got to the second floor boss. I think by Act Five or Act Six. And then I've been skipping for Bing Sanctum until I get 20% movement speed boots. And then once I get 20%, I'm going to go back to Sanctum. And I'm yeah, going to like, dominate. Yeah, but like, you get currency. You're guaranteed to get currency for Sanctums, right? Yeah, but like... But even if you... Let's say even if in, you fail... Okay, so failing. no, no, no. no in, in Ruthless, it's like, if you make it to the end of this floor, you get a orb of augmentation. Like, that's the big reward. Like... I think the biggest oh drop I've had um, was uh, for completing the second boss, I got one fusing orb, which was pretty big because I only had three fusing orbs before that. So, like. 25%. For... Yeah, so like big gains. But um, yeah. Dang. I mm. thought there would be like similar rewards as in Softcore, so you kind of incentivized to play it. No. Even in. No. Wow. Yeah, never playing that. <clears throat> Second floor, huh? You just got I mean, uh, more floors to go. I mean, you'll get there. Yep. Uh, I'm tempted to try Ruthless at some point. It, it's, it seems like it could be fun. So, the thing is, is like, obviously we have a very different relationship to Path of Exile to most people. Um, anything for me at this point, after playing it, um, this is my 10th year, I think, like, next week or something since my account was created. Anything which just changes the experience slightly, it just makes it interesting, you know? Um, so even if you did it for, like, a week and was like, that's an experience, I think it's kind of akin to, like, if you've ever gone on, like, a holiday where everything has gone wrong, it's like, your plane got delayed for three days, they've lost your baggage, you've lost your credit cards, you had no money, and at the time it's absolute hell, but the end, there is this slight fondness with the memory of it. Or like if you ever like did a marathon, running the marathon, awful. But at the end, you're like, I can't believe I did that marathon. I think mm. anything which changes the experience of Path of Exile, um, just for the memory of it short term or long term, I think is positive. 
Yeah, I think Ziz said something like that last league where he was like, like any, doesn't matter whether it's Lake of Calandra or even just the vanilla league, like anything that is like a fresh league start with like a new rule set or something that changed is exciting enough to play for two weeks. It's still PoE, right? But then with Ruthless, I feel like, and with you and maybe Ziz and myself at least, like it has this sort of nostalgia feeling with the gem scarcity. It just does really feel... It's not the same game as back then. There's too many things that changed in between. But just like looking forward to get a useful gem drop, you know, not being able to get the gems that you want just from the act quest progression. I mean, I think like a really good example of that is so in Act 3, I dropped MAME. And I was like, holy fuck, I just dropped MAME. Like, like, do I remake my character so that I can use MAME? I'm like, this is, this is big. Um, and then I think it was in Act 4, I dropped the AoE damage melee support gem. I can't remember what, what it's called. Um, not Shockwave. Something akin to, like, Shockwave. Oh, something. I'm eyes. like, oh, I've, I've now got this and MAME. Like, that's a three-link. And I had this serious thing, like, do I make a new build? Because I, I can have a three-link. This is ridiculous. Um, and I committed to doing... Um, the full Act 10 on my first character because I wanted to have, like, the um, ethical experience, the the true ruthless experience, because I think it'd be cheating to be, like, playing with a three-link off, off the get-go. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so I'm, like, really looking forward to making my second build. And it sounds stupid, but it's the same reason why I've always enjoyed just standard SSF compared to doing trade leagues, because it's, like, you get a random uh, unique drop in SSF, which you would never look at twice. A really good example, I got a Mind Spiral drop, um, which is actually, like, pretty huge, because in Ruthless, you don't have any auras, so you have a fuck ton of mana. Um, <laughs> and then Mind Spiral is a really good... Pulverize was the gem that dropped, thank you, chat. Um, Mind Spiral is a helmet, which makes you recoup damage taken as mana. And I'm like, shit, do I play play a MOM build? Because I can't reserve any fucking mana because I haven't got an aura drop yet. And I've got mana recoup. And like that's something that I would never plan around um at all um in a trade league or even just like a normal SSF experience. Because in normal SSF, like I've done everything by the end of the first week. So yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, what does the, the flavor text of Shackles of the Wretched say? I, I like to quote that one. It's, uh, captivity breeds creativity. And, yeah, you're, you're very captive and ruthless. I mean, my ruthless experience was limited to two characters so far. The first one was a Sunder Berserker that didn't see Act 5. I completed Act 4, but I died on the like tiny little thing between Act 4 and Act 5 because there's so many flicker strike slappers. And yeah, I, actually, I didn't die to the slappers. I died to goats. Goats chain stunned me while leaping on me, and I couldn't I couldn't dash away, and I had depleted my potions beforehand because I was talking to chat and like auto-flasking. And uh, yeah, it was, was not good. And uh, yeah, it was hardcore. And then I made hardcore an Hardcore ruthless. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, because it was Ruthless Alpha, I thought, we're, we're all going to play uh, Softcore Trade, right? Because it's it's alpha testing. We're doing this for testing purposes. We actually want to continue when we die. And then I think Zizrin and, like, a bunch of people started the trend that they were going Hardcore Trade instead. Because, yeah. And then no one was in Softcore Trade in the Ruthless Alpha. And I was like, oh, I, I can't. 
I can't just play softcore trade. Have to play hardcore trade. Felt yeah. I felt bullied into the hardcore play very much so. Yeah. And so then, you guys are all scrubs because you're not even SSF rates. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of casuals. Yeah, we're just talking. Oh, there you go. Go back to the old. Let's league. go. You're let's bypassing go. all the challenges. Didn't even yeah. make it to Axe Nine. Jesus, what a noob. <laughs> Get on my level, Catmaster. Well, I did make it to maps with the SOS character. All right, calm down. Right, yeah, no need to brag, right? I, I didn't do any oh, maps. I just made it there. I beat Kitava and then I was like, oh, I beat Kitava. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember what support gems I had for SOS. I think I had a faster attacks and that was about it. Listen but look, doesn't even care what supports he had. He was so good. He could just flexing. Didn't even matter what supports he was using. Mm -hmm. Elitism, that's what that is. Isn't this like ruthless? Honestly, people who try ruthless, it's kind of opens your eyes. Not like I would do it, but I feel like maybe it opens your, your eyes a little bit of how little you actually need to complete. Because everybody's like, well, Tabula Rasa, I need the six link already in Act 1. It's like, dude, no. It's like, if you get four link by, by, to kill Kitawa, it's plenty. I so. was, um, on that note, I was really surprised by how well just a one link fire trap held up. Um, because it was all the way, I didn't get multi-trap until, yeah, it was like Act 8 or whatever. And none of my bosses felt slow. Like, people, whenever I would go into bosses, they'd go, oh, Turkey, you're going to spend 50 minutes on this. And like, wait, you killed that faster than I kill that in Trade League. What's going on? It's like, I took some damage nodes, and Fire Trap is a good skill. You know, it was literally, you, know. you probably also over-leveled tons, right? Like No, no, not, not really, no. I think I was actually under-leveled for the most part. The only time I was over-leveled was when I was doing Forbidden Sanctum, but because I started skipping Sanctum entirely during the Axe, I was then basically on par, maybe like one or two over the zone, but no, I was pretty much on it, yeah. Yeah, but like if you'd want to do Sanctum without movement skill and, and stuff like that, you also want to be over-leveled because you don't want to be dancing around the guards for like half an hour before they drop dead. Dude, just do damage, what? No, they, they die, like, <laughs> fire traps OP. Yeah, but like the base damage on Fire Trap goes up by like, you know, between 10 and 14% per level. So what I'm trying to say is if you just overlevel two levels, that's the equivalent of uh, support gem, right? You also need to remember that the gems uh, level a lot slower in Ruthless. True, you have that huge penalty on your gem experience. Wait, yeah. does it? For real? Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't even get ahead of the game like that. Wow. They really no, well, you can. Everything. It just takes longer. <laughs> the yeah, one thing, but... actually, um, which this is a, this is a ruthless spoiler. This was the one spoiler I got from chat. Is I was like, oh, it's interesting how rare they've made Val side areas. Because I was like, I said if I picked up a Val Corsica, I'd make a Corsica character. And um, Carve was in my chat, and he said, dude, Val side areas don't exist in Ruthless. So the only way that you can get Val gems um in ruthless is either if you get a val orb drop which i mean getting a val orb drop that's not going to happen um so the best way of getting it is to um farm temples and double corrupt so if you want to get like a, a val corsicaro you need to level a bunch of corsicaros to 20 which takes a million years in ruthless because there's massive gem penalty and then double corrupt them praying that you hit the val um and don't lose level and ideally get the 21 val ca but yeah what yeah so, so don't plan on using a val skill yeah yeah a wonderfully relaxing time yeah 
Look, let's, so many less things to worry about, you know? I'm not gonna get Val skill, eh. So there's literally no Val side, not even in maps or just in the acts, there's no Val side area? I, I, as far as, they might be in maps, but as far as I know, they don't exist. Again, I am a blind ethical gamer. Um, well, they at least yeah. must exist when you pop a fragment into the map device, right? I mean, uh -huh. I mean, where do you get the fragment from? Ritual. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Tujin? is there ritual in the game? <laughs> Are there divination cards in the game? Who knows? I don't no, know. No, I actually no Have I seen a divination card? I don't know if I no, have. No, no, they, they don't exist. They, they specifically don't exist. Which I think is oh, like well. a daring step to do because like divination cards are such a big part of the identity of the game. Well, also they're made by supporters, so... <clears throat> yeah, they, they couldn't do that in the regular game, no. They, they would be no, 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 no. spitting in the faces of uh, the past supporters. Speaking of uh, diff cards and supporter uniques and all that stuff, what do you think of the new Voidborn Reliquary key? Have you heard of that, what's Turkey, that? at all? What the, what's, what's the spoiler? What's this? Well, it's not a spoiler because it's like... It's a, it's you... a supporter pack reward. Have what you checked out the new supporter specs? He demands no. that we all cater to him, not spoiling anything. No, you can, what, what, like is what, 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 what is the thing? I don't know what... Uh, well, there's I, a new reliquary I went. League. I went into this league. I didn't, I didn't watch the trailers. I haven't read anything. You didn't I watch the announcement like, thing, no? No. I thought you did I, like a reaction stream to it, but never mind. No, I did a reaction to the announcement like after the league started. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but after I, you I, already went in blind, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you haven't seen the new supporter packs for what the is, year. What is the for void forbidden? Uh, well, well, there's a the, new. Yeah, please do go. No. You explain it. Well, there is uh, the top tier supporter pack has yeah. a reward that you can put the unique. Towards this, like reliquary keys, you remember they give you foiled uniques. The silly well, they ones, can, yeah, yeah. yeah they cho choose. You choose your unique, and you choose. Uh, you can put flavor text what you want, and you choose the foil, and you put it towards this uh, voidborn reliquary key that randomly drops, and people can find random uniques that people have submitted and get the foil and get. Uh, you can read the flavor text basically that people it's have. It's a message. Written. You don't change the message. flavor text on. No, the no, unique, no, not the, like, not the flavor you... text. Yeah. Of the when... item, but like a little message. Right. And so like and everyone who bought that supporter pack gets to put one item, gets to decide on one item in the pool. And depending on which items are in the pool, that determines the rarity of the key. Every item is equally weighted, or like every spot in the reliquary key is equally weighted. But if like three people put in Mageblood, then obviously Mageblood is three times as common from the reliquary key as other items that are only in there once. So it's like really cool because people obviously put in very Is rare it cool? things. Sounds pretty shit. I don't know. Well, or because other um, people put in like worms molt or something like that. To, to yeah, ruin. like I don't know. The so uh, as I have a um, divination supporter card thing that's been like being made for I think like three years now. Um, so. I don't know what the prices are on that and whatever, but like to me that just sounds like a whole bunch of support time. And that just seems like a massive headache. And then there's people out like adding their own like little notes or whatever. That's something which has to be sub support then has to go through and do all of that or make no? sure that there's no abusive messages well, and all that. Yeah, but they have like an automated system where they submit all these things. You choose from a drop down menu, I think, to right, unique. Okay. And then you choose the color of the foil. And then you write the message. Obviously, they need to read the messages, I suppose. 
But other than that, I think everything else is automated. And does and it cost they... the normal as the normal amount as like the old big supporter? Well, packs no, you get it as part. So... You get it part of the support. It's like four hundred eighty dollars, I think, the supporter pack, and you get I mean, it as part of the supporter. Yeah, pack. it's probably making them some money because I'm sure there'll be people who will buy multiple of the four eighty pack to like put multiple in. You'll have someone like um, Rich J Money. He's the guy who made the Chimera's Mall um unique and the only reason he made that was because mjolnir used to be the best and he personally made it to make a bad mjolnir to like bait people when um a mallet dropped yeah i don't know um it's probably good for them from a money making point of view i i'm not a massive fan of stuff like that um but yeah cool i guess yeah well i mean it's in terms of like letting people leave their mark on the game and letting people like put something in there it's probably the the easiest thing that they've done so far like the the one that l generates the least amount of work hours for them so that it's easier for them to offer it because previously with the the divination cards that is probably a little bit more back and a bit more artist work and all that and before that with the the uniques the i mean uniques. They, they even went on record and said that they weren't even making money with the unique designs yeah no it, for it's super time dollars. i don't know like it, it depends on um everyone's gonna have different views on this again i've got no skin in the game someone who's put their money in it might feel differently but it's like I, I thought the where they'd gotten to, where they were doing like the um, boss kill rewards, people were designing uniques, and that was like a very small pool of designed uniques every couple of leagues. I thought that was a really cool system to reward certain things, and I would probably want to do more like community-based things that way, and um, people leaving their mark on the game, because it's like, yeah, I suppose if you throw like five hundred dollars at it and you're like, "Oh, I've made a silly fall unique," you might be like, "Oh, I've done a thing." Eh, eh, I don't know. Um, saying that though, um, I've got my name in the credits, like somewhere in the middle of that special thanks thing, because I bought a random pack or something back in the day. Like everyone who was playing back in the betas, there's after Dominus, they used to get the credit screen. If you sat and you wait, you'll have your account name in the special thanks and whatever, like Crip and all that lot are in there. Um, and yeah, people would wait and watch it once, but like, that's me, cool, I helped, and then they probably never look at it again. I don't know. Um, if they're making money for it and it's helping their development, great, but personally, I'm kind of eh on it. I think the foils look really cool. Yeah. Well, do are, are the colors of the foils represented when you wear the item? Because, like, what let's say there's... The 3D like, art, like a, or...? Yeah, like Tabula Rasa. Does it change color when you wear it also? No, not the 3D art. I can't imagine. Oh. I mean, I haven't seen it. I, could, I can't tell you either way. But I... That would be kind of nice for a Tabula at least. Because it's just... You can have like a rainbow. You can choose from a rainbow colors. I think there's so many people who submitted the Tabulas. Yeah, I guess. Or like at least like to skin transfer then... And have like a pink shirt, fun. Pink boots, pink shirt, go all pink, pink panther, running around the break class. That does sound like pretty dope. But I, I don't think it works that way. I haven't. I have found one reliquary key, and I got. I don't even remember. It was so mean. Was so non-impactful for me. What I got. Dude, that, that sounds like such a cool system. 
yo, someone paid like $500 and I got this really cool thing. It was so special. I can't even remember what it was. Sick. <laughs> but it could have been a mage blood or a <laughs> But it was, it was just, I think it might, it was, what is the helm that makes your resistance a zero? I think that's, that's the thing. Which was. So you got a veil of the night. Yep. Dude, sick system. That sounds awesome. So yeah, fun. Fun. Yeah. That was totally worth it. Uh, I mean, just for me. definitely the target demographic for yeah. these things, as you guys can all tell. Yeah. You can so, take like, the Veil of the Night and put it on in maps where you click all the Eater Altars with minus resists, and then instead of minus 300 fire resist, you actually have zero. I, I think like a way cooler way of doing like a similar kind of system, this is something that we spoke to Chris about years and years ago on Baycast. Um, yeah, I think, I can't remember if it was the delve league one or the one like after delve but we were saying like if a unique drops in delve it would say what floor it dropped and who it dropped for and i think adding small silly little notes like that into uniques whatever is a really cool thing or likewise if like you have a a unique drop from like uber uber elder or whatever it could say like was kept defeated by this person i think silly little things like that to like add your touch onto the game um, is a much cooler thing, and it like rewards an achievement, and um, that's more the way I kind of want to go with it, rather than like someone threw five hundred dollars at a thing, and then you open a unique that you can't even remember because it was so kind of like whatever. But you know, I mean, I mean from, from a funding perspective, I feel like this is probably one of your more successful. Ones. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think so easy. Not only because the supported pack was maybe pretty. But everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to get my unique in, or, and I'm going to troll these people, and so and that's yeah, how you a, get from a, from a financing point of view, I'm sure it's very good. I think they, even in the last update we had to the game, they, they might have said how many uniques they added to the drop pool. I think it was like 1,500, maybe? If I, I don't think remember. we're over 2,100 somewhere now. Oh, okay. Well, 2100 right now. So that's a lot of $500 supporter packs. they got to pay for Exocon too. The first one yep. ran out a loss. I'm sure the second one's probably going to be even bigger. So, like, you know. Yep, yep. You going? Anybody's going to Exocon? Um, I should be going. I don't actually know if I'm going or not. Um, so GGG's offered to fly me out. So I've got like the three flights and everything, which is cool. Um, but I'm also looking after a lot of sick family, so I don't know if I can actually make it, and that's also why I didn't know if I was going to be covering this league at all or not, so hopefully I'll be there, um, but who knows, yeah. I'm going to be there, even though it's going to be like a 30-hour 30 30 flight one way. Um, got my ticket and everything, got my two-week vacation in New Zealand booked. Nice, good job. Gonna, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go on a road trip in a camper van. Uh, oh, that'd be like that's the way to do like it. That. You'll enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take lots I mean, of it, pictures. It obviously, will. It will be in the middle of winter, so it's not going to be the like a sunny vacation, but it's, it's going to be great anyway. Well, does it even get that cold in New Zealand? Yep. Yep. Oh, mm -hmm. cold. I mean, it cold, cold your... How much? <laughs> how cold? It's, it kind of depends whereabouts you're going. Like, if, if he's doing the whole camper van thing, and if you want to, like, go to the mountains and whatever, uh, like, you know. Yeah, no, my, mountains, I guess, yeah. It depends where you're at. Lord of the Rings vacation, yeah. Go to Hobbiton, sure. eat some whatever 
drink some those beers, smoke some pipe weed. There you go, pipe weed. Sounds like a wonderful time. But I mean, from my Swedish perspective, I don't expect it to be as cold as it might get sometimes here. But I'm going to bring a coat and some sweaters and I'll be fine. Probably. We don't plan on going into any mountains because we don't trust ourselves driving on narrow roads in that poor conditions. That sounds very sensible. That sounds very sensible. Yeah. It's a really beautiful country. I really enjoyed going last time, so no, you'll definitely enjoy it. Um, yeah. I highly recommend anyone at any point, if you can, um, go to, New regardless of XCON or not, New Zealand's just a really beautiful country, and the culture and everything is amazing out there. I'd love to go, yeah. but like, it's like, even if I save up the money until then, it's, it's the difference between buying a new, like, state-of-the-art computer and, uh, and not doing so, so it's like, at the moment... Probably not going to happen. Even though last ExileCon I was like <sighs> staring through the window with glossy eyes and thinking next time I'm going to go there. But like, nah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. The thing is, we, we didn't know that the economy was going to take uh, that that direction and that we'd have this pandemic thing and everything. I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting the trip to ExileCon to be that much more expensive than it would have been uh, years ago. Like, what, I mean, when The was only the reason I'm able to go is because my one of my parents is bringing me on vacation like my mother is paying for the trip there otherwise i would not be able to afford to go yeah yeah she 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 actually went on a vacation on her own to new zealand but had to cut it short for health reasons so it's kind of her chance to go back by bringing me to exile call oh that'd be nice for both of you that'd be really yeah. cool yeah especially if she she already went once because she wanted to visit. So, yeah, exactly. Nice. She she wanted to visit, but uh, ended up in the hospital instead in New Zealand. <laughs> so it it wasn't the best vacation. So it's yeah, a no. Make uh, re remake the memories. Redcon. Exactly. Redcon no, the memories. don't remake the memories. No, no. no. <laughs> we're we're not going to remaking the memories the in this context. Would be her going back into hospital. Do <laughs> not do that again. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> No, no, no. You mean like overwrite the memories? Yeah, overwrite. Memories, exactly. Memories, yeah. Overwrite, overwrite. Not to um, yeah, 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 yeah. So someone said something in chat, which was uh, the issue is it's very far away. I actually like, even though it is very inconvenient, the fact that it is in New Zealand um, and everything, I'm actually really glad that there is something there because one of the things which was really cool about when I went is the amount of people I spoke to from Australia and New Zealand who said they never normally get to go to any conventions because everything's either in like Berlin or America. Um, so I think it's really cool that there is something there. Obviously it sucks that everyone not in that part of the world, but I do think it was really cool and really exciting. And I think it, it definitely, um, while ExileCon was really cool when I went because it was a GGG thing, it's so much of it was tied into the fact that it was in New Zealand. Like I remember having a conversation with Chris um, after the first one, he was talking to a couple of the streams and stuff. He's like, if we do another one, we're thinking about maybe doing it in America. And we were like, no, don't keep it as a New Zealand thing. Yes, if you did it in America, more people could go and this, that and the other. But like, keep it as this thing. It's what kind of makes it special. It keeps it on home turf. And the other thing which is really cool about that is like with a lot of these big conventions like GDC or whatever, um, if you put it in America or you put it in Europe, they can't have all their staff there. Because they they can't afford to fly the entire company out because then 
one, that's really expensive, but two, it means they can't be working at all. And the fact that it is in New Zealand means that their entire office can kind of have like a celebration for themselves. Everyone can get involved. Um, and I think that's really cool um, for, yeah, the gamers from that part of the world having something they can go to, but also for the GGG staff themselves having that celebration being about them rather than shoving it in Vegas and it's like just Chris who gets to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really good point. It, yeah. it does suck for all of the perfect fans that can't go. But yeah. come on, you, you got to give New Zealand something. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I've I've looked into um, container container ship travel or whatever. Like instead of flying down, you could go like by ship for like one or two weeks. I don't know how long it takes, but like, um, isn't that illegal? This whole uh, let's shove people in containers. No, 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 no and... not the not you as a con in a container. Like you on a ship. Like you're you're helping out there. I don't know what you're doing during the the time that it takes to go down there. I haven't researched in depth, but like you know, similar to how I'm thinking. You know, if I want to if I want to visit Tarky Cat, it would probably not be the wisest thing to go to Berlin and then to fly with the plane over to uh, to London. But instead, I would uh, probably go with a Flix bus. Right, I could go here from Cologne and I'd stay like. 16 hours in the bus and go through the tunnel and uh why that's, how that I sounds awful no it's awful but it's cheap what? as fuck in comparison to travel it's get a two-hour it, it plane may... what <laughs> 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 i uh, feel like i mean is it really that much cheaper because 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 you can get plane, some planes plane, are a lot plane. cheaper than they should be that's the problem right so no 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 okay really but if we're talking from like uh uh like a ecological point of view i haven't run the numbers but probably a two-hour flight is probably better than like a 16-hour truck and all these random stops and this that, and that if it was a train fair train more countries need trains actually um on that note um james why the fuck can't america just build a train just trains dude why can't we have cities structured in a reasonable way where you can walk to things? Okay. Yes. A lot of questions here. Yeah. Walkable you know, cities. Build a fucking the, the train. The mysteries of the world mm -hmm. right now are being discussed here. Money. Everything Thanks. goes down to money. The people who made the decisions had the money and it would have affected their bottom line. So now we can't have nice things. Okay, but what what, what about, hang on, hang on, what if we added, like, another lane to the motorway, yeah? <laughs> Who's gonna pay for that, you? Sounds good, man. Get on that. No, that's all that you guys fucking do. It's like, alright, we've got really bad congestion. What we'll do is we'll just add another fucking lane, because that will fix congestion. Dude, no. Fucking more bicycle paths. Get some public transport going. You got me on to talk about public bicycle. transport, right, Catmaster? Bicycle, bicycle paths? What's that? Yeah. No. Actually, my... My town, uh, you know, finally is getting some of those, but they're not very wide and it's like a super sketch whether you're going to run someone off the road or not. It's like a, you know, like a, well, I would say like a foot, but that doesn't mean anything to you. So never mind. <laughs> we use feet. Oh, you do? Two yeah, of them. I, I think two the of them, no? That was very good. That was very good. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of feet. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I've been uh, talking to a lot of people in uh, other countries and constantly reminded of all these things. We're like, America, we don't use those other things, guys. Okay. James, James, I don't want to scare you. 
but I'm able to walk to both the post office and the grocery store, and it takes one minute. Nice. What, do you live above of them, or what is happening? Basically, yes. <laughs> Dude, I'm shaking right now. Do you guys see the... <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a panic attack. That's too convenient. Too convenient, <laughs> yeah. Since, since we're be... talking about walking... Um, would anyone? This is this is how cool I am. This is what I've been brought. On. Would anyone want to guess what my average steps for the week is? For the week, hundred fifty thousand. What? No, my average daily steps. Oh, daily fifteen thousand, maybe. Not so more. Your how much gaming have you been doing? Very little gaming. We know I've that. Only, <laughs> I've only done one ruthless episode this week. One ruthless. Okay. So okay. How much okay. More POE than that. Is that? 20k? How much POE is that? Um, More. How many oh. did you play? Rookie oh, numbers. 30k. Right, damn walking? little bit. My, 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 average, my average for the week is 24,020. 24,020. Nice. Go get it, man. Wait, 24,000. That's just like 4,000 per day if you're doing a six-day week. What? Oh, 24,000 <laughs> is easier to divide by six than by seven. Wait, you do six Wait, day it's weeks? it's 24k a day, no? Yeah, a day. Also, you said yeah. you played one day of Ruthless, so you didn't walk that day. No, 24k no, a I day. No, I played one funny. hour of Ruthless this week, Catmaster. <laughs> okay. So today, I've walked 26,087 steps. Yesterday, uh, I did uh, 22,319 steps. Wednesday... Are you saying you're walking outside of your apartment? I, I'm not finished going through. Let's not interrupt me going through my steps. This is peak <laughs> content. Wednesday, I did 29,933 steps. That's Tuesday, like walking a marathon, no? I haven't finished. Let's stop interrupt. This is good content. Tuesday, I did 26,052 steps. And Monday, I was slacking. Monday, I did 21,242 steps. Come on, that Taki. was the day where you, you played those one Monday hour numbers. Monday, Monday was numbers. when I did that one hour of Ruthless. That's what that was. Oh, Could have been 5,000 steps, man. Could have been 5,000 steps. So how large are your steps on average? Are you, like, taking really tiny steps to get the maximum number of steps? Or no, I've got quite steps? a big stride. Um, okay. Because I'm just over six feet. I To put it in center... So this confuses me, because I whenever I say that I'm six foot one... Americans ask me to put that in centimeters, but do you guys use centimeters and feet? Wait, who? What? Americans Which ask American to put asks... it in centimeters? Yeah, I never heard of any American. Yeah, asking. yeah, no, no, no. We use wait. Who? Feet. So like, who what? uses centimeters? I don't know. But you, they've been lying to you this whole time. I mean, about that they're American because no American is going to ask you for some metric. No, no, sir. Well, it's 185 centimeters, so whoever asks you for centimeters. I think, you know, I think what the problem is, is I just assume everyone on the internet is American. Yeah. Maybe mm. that's what that is. Maybe some I, of the I always call it freedom in units. You just assume everyone's American. True! Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why everybody in, speaks need, English, obviously. Well, you need to keep in mind that most people I interact with on Twitch chat aren't very well-educated. So it just makes sense for me to assume they're all American. <laughs> Gotcha. I assume they're all American too. Yeah, they're so, poorly educated. You know, I'm glad English. that we have you trained. You know uh, that that you think we're all just American or something. Are we really going to gloss over the fact that Catmaster just said there's six days in a week? I want to know what. No, that's I about. said. Yeah, I was I confused watched, by that too. That yeah, was weird. Yeah, and we're just gonna we're just gonna let that. If go. you live in a six day week, you know that other calendar 
not the one most people use, but the other Cutmaster calendar, six days a week. It's a pay, you know. Well, it's the, not the an trick odd number. is that you you only sleep six times per week. So you take the seventh day and you divide that by six, and you put the four hours into each of the other six days. So you have one week with six twenty-eight hour days rather than than seven twenty-four hour days. And that have you way... been watching some like Hustlers University <laughs> grind course shit? This sounds like some stupid motivation. Okay, like, I have twenty-eight. Uh, days in a week therefore you know the amount i achieve over a 10 year period is so much more than someone else because i live 500 have you seen that short because i actually actually a viral short like that he's like you know what i've i have six hour days zero to whatever day one blah blah blah. yeah three days per day three days Mm. per day put that over time i've worked three more days per day than you and in a whole month i have 90 days think how much i accomplished i literally saw that and as soon as he said the six days i'm like you've been watching this shit hasn't he i bet that guy has a shit step count because you can't get that many (laughs) steps in these short days yeah Yeah, Yeah, that guy has shit nutrition okay you should step it up. He has yeah. Ricky numbers, step step counts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he probably got a poor kitchen game, right? Like he, he's probably not like really caring for himself all that well. You know. Well, he only I mean, eats every sixth day. Yeah. Which is I mean, whatever the he, hell that. Means. To be fair, though, he's really good at intermittent fasting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Imagine. Like, okay, I'm just really confused because how, how are you getting so many steps? Without leaving your apartment, because you're a gamer, right? You you stay at home all the time. I mean, I've literally played an hour of video games this week. This is my second time sat at the computer. Uh, I, I do not understand what you are telling me. It makes no sense. He has the treadmill under his ta- table, obviously. No, oh, okay, I, yeah, I, that, okay. That controversial opinion. I think treadmills are fucking stupid. Unless you're in, like, a war-torn country... And you can't leave the house. Fair. But just go outside. It's like people who drive to go to the gym to exercise. It's like, or you could just, like, leave the house and, like, walk around. But Uh, but there's people out there. Um, But no, the way I'm getting so many steps in is I'm caring for my mother and my grandmother. So that's a lot of walking back and forth, doing all their food shopping. And uh, I've been taking up dog training and walking. Um, so I'm just doing a lot of like looking after things. And that involves a lot of walking around. Do you listen yeah. to music while you're doing it? Or do you do it in like complete silence and just think about things? Uh, it depends. So if I'm uh, dog walking, I think that's irresponsible to have headphones in. I think you should be focused on the task at hand. So for that, no. Um, otherwise, audiobooks. Uh, I'm big in my reading, as you can see from the books that I have behind me. Um, and it would be irresponsible to be walking and reading a physical book because you wouldn't know where you're going. Um, so, yeah. What's your latest book? Um, so, Terry Pratchett is and always will be my favorite author. Um, so, I've just been going through all the Discworld books again and again and again and again and again and again. Um, and I'm currently on the Rinse Winds, Rinse Wind series again. But yeah, 
Cool, cool, cool. If you haven't gone through Discworld yet, go through Discworld. It's amazing. And it also has, I think it's got 41 books in the series. I mean, I would read Discworld, but the only thing I read is fan fiction. So I, I do not have time for Discworld. What sort of fan fiction? Like, I was playing Ruthless Hardcore and uh, I dropped a fusing. Exactly. That, 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 the latest fan fiction. <laughs> That's literally about... fiction because you wouldn't drop a fusing, obviously. <laughs> literally fan fiction, yeah. yeah. Yep. I was going to say, I know this German uh, YouTuber who on his Twitch streams, he, he walks on a treadmill and reacts to videos. So I think for like live streaming, if you want to do reaction content or if you just want to binge watch stuff, but you don't want to like be lazy on the couch, that would be the the moment where I would say a treadmill is okay. Although personally, I'd probably use a home trainer bike kind of thing. Preferably. I just don't like walking that much. I mean, I like walking outside and like as a means of like getting going forward. But like if, I, if I'm actually staying at home and just on the spot, then I don't know why I wouldn't be on a on an actual like home trainer sitting and, and going easy on my joints rather than, than actually walking. Wait, okay, this is... See, I feel like I've really contributed a lot to this Pathfacts of Podcast. Walking yes. isn't easy on your joints. Walking is the most joint-friendly exercise. Swimming is. Yeah, I suppose it would be swimming, yes. Okay, swimming, but is then walking? Mm, I think biking is still better than walking, because walking... No! Is... Maybe, Cycling maybe... has to be worse for your knees, surely. No, because you don't have the um, the shock of the impact. Sure, then walk, when you walk, you roll off with your feet and stuff like that. It's not like How jogging. hard are you walking? He's speed hard. walking. He's like, I had to be places, places. Yeah. On which, on which day of uh, day one, you know, day one, two, or three. You know, day one of day one. Yes. Yeah, walking. Okay, some Which people tell me that, that is... cycling is better for your... I can't... Hang on. Ha walking isn't an impact exercise. If you said jogging or running, sure. But, like, walking... There's no impact with walking. Does walking mean something different in German? I mean, there, there, there is an impact. It's just a very small impact. But there's a I lot of I think it's them. still a little bit smaller with cycling like a little bit more controlled like walking is basically falling from one leg onto the other right what falling i mean yeah falling i mean falling onto what what is going on here I, welcome to a fitness podcast all, with gamers who know nothing about yes. fitness all bipedal episode motion one is, all bipedal motion is controlled falling there well there that sounds smart yeah mm. can we get tricked on because he's like actually knows this shit uh, yeah, I mean that that's the plan. Trix is, is planned. I, I don't see him in the onboarding what, channel. What what time what time is he coming on? Uh he marked a whole lot of different times. Let me see. You know, a lot of actually... gamers uh mark things and then don't show up. I'm sure you don't know anything about that, Tarky, about well, uh, like trying to wrangle gamers to show up at assigned times. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so pain. like okay, no, someone is making a very good point in chat that obviously with with biking, you know, the whole thing is that you're not having to support your own weight, and yes, obviously you're having to support, which is why walking good for strengthening your core. I'm just saying I I, I don't think I would call walking like an impact. You know, like come on now. Get well, if, you, if you have I'm good knees tell us. If you have good knees, you don't feel it, but when you have bad knees, maybe you feel biking less. 
But so walking's, you just... walking's a really good way to strengthen bad knees. I My right knee is a bad knee, and that's why I walk. I'm just really surprised that you fell 26,000 times a day this week. Yeah, it yeah. was controlled falling, though. Controlled yeah. falling, yeah, yeah. All that core strength is helping you to control it. Yeah. So yeah, Trix just planned to come on, but like, Trix, like many other people, put himself on into like nine different slots, and I don't think he wants to be on for the entirety of the nine hours. You don't know that. Into... Don't... I mean, he's yeah. welcome to, but like... Do you just yeah. assume what time he wants to be on? I assume he wants to be on for a subset of the times that he entered there, yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't know which specific subset. But I do know that we have uh, someone uh, else coming in at the full hour. We will be joined by, I think, Palstron? How many steps has he done? Mm. That's, that's the I think that's that the first ask. question we have to do for every... to gauge their gamerness. Ah, uh, okay. No, this is a good bit in chat. This is good. So if your cartilage is thin, walking is bad. If your support muscles are weak, walking is good. So that's a really good point. So Master the reason... Muscles? The reason why my right knee is my bad knee is because I was bedridden for a year, so I had really bad um, muscle wastage in my knees um, when I was 18. Um, so I then ha have had to stay on top of it and rebuild, but that would make sense because it wasn't my cartilage that was fucked, it was my supporting muscles. So no, I, I do concede that point, I do concede that point. There you go. Yeah. We got the bottom of this. We yeah. got to the bone. Yeah. Ruthless. Do, uh, scarcity of support Hang on, muscles. hang on, hang on. Actually, speaking of bottoms, what would be better for toning your bottom, cycling or walking? I feel like with cycling, you could put more pressure onto, like, you could definitely, like... If you clench really hard the seat, maybe. I, I think walking <laughs> you could do with, like, a weighted vest or with, like, a heavy uh, backpack, and then you would... Uh, you would... The thing is, if you want to, like... If you want to juice your muscles, if you want your muscles to grow, right, then you need to be pushing the boundaries, right? You need to, like, be uh, be doing heavy lifting and stuff like that. What's well, about so how that's... you activate? Like, you can act... I mean, you could activate doing that silly little walk thing, you know? Mm. It's like you should be activating your core if you're if you're trying to walk and strengthen your core. You know, can you yeah. shoulders yeah. back, the do the silly, silly little walk thing for us? Um, our motion. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, according to chat, it's fast walking. I guess if you do lunges while you're walking, it would it would also depend on if you're going uphill or downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Because you uphill, use different let's go. going. I think actually probably downhill for your bum because you're using different muscles to support yourself. I heard walking downhill is really not all that good for your uh, hmm. for your walking apparatus. I don't know what part exactly, but presumably the joints. Something is bad about the like. It's longer falling. It's, lo yeah. fall. <laughs> it's faster to fall downhill than it is to fall uphill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> think how many uphill more is more glute engaging. Per yeah, yeah. Yeah. Glute downhill, engaging. just like this conversation. You got to uh, clench your butt cheeks when you're walking, and then that'll just, you know, when you walk around. Well, that's why playing POE hardcore. Is so good because you're yeah, clenching your all ball. the time. There you go. So. Yeah, that, that's why I got such a beautifully toned ass. It's all that <laughs> HCSSF butt clenching. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so when do I, I guess... get to talk about Battle Brothers, by the way? 
<laughs> I came I came here to talk about walking and Battle Brothers. Well, first you can bash me for saying that I'll play Battle Brothers next month, like six months ago. I mean, this is a Cutmaster roast uh, podcast, so yeah, you roast, away. roast away, roast away. Speaking yeah. of um, roasts, I'm doing my first stand-up set on next Wednesday. Wait, really? Yeah. Ooh. In like Whoa. a public location, or are you doing? Yeah. Like a... No, no, I'm just doing it at home to the cat. No, but like you could yeah. stream uh, it for your grandma. Are you gonna stream it? Are you gonna set up a live stream? <laughs> no, I think so that'd be a bit weird. Because it's a comedy club. I think it'd be a bit weird for me to go to a comedy club and be like, by the way, I'm streaming this event. Well, no, just have well. someone in the audience stream with the phone on your stream key. No, no, not, not this event, but like for yourself, for your own. I don't know how long it lasts, actually. How long is it? Okay, I've got record a, I've, it. I've got, yeah, I could record. I've got a 10 minute set. Yeah, so record it. Boom, yeah. easy. Yeah. So you're just doing like stand up? Can, can we get like a sample from your set? No, spoilers. <laughs> for all I know, one of the no, people we're not be might audience. be watching this. You know, only if you upload it to your YouTube. No, one of the people watching this very successful twenty-four hour, they could be there, and they'd be like, "Oh fuck, I've already seen this set. This is dog shit." Yeah, that's um, why I'm asking for a sample, not I mean... for the entire ten minutes set. Yeah, just just one basically, joke. Basically, okay, no. So basically, this is the premise. So because I've been doing the dog training and the dog walking, um, I've been trying to think of good ways to advertise. And most ways to advertise cost money. Um, and I noticed, because I've been going to this regular uh, comedy club, a lot of people go there are quite affluent, and they look like they have dogs. So I'm going to do a 10-minute <laughs> set basically just advertising my how business. Good how good you are. How good I am, yeah. Um, then you can't so... talk shit about your previous customers. You can't, like... No, you know, no, no, no. Like the comedy no, business. so basically... Uh, okay, I can give you I can give you a little sample. I can give you a little sample. So basically, what I'm gonna do is um, I'm gonna have there are th okay there are three main ways of motivating um, dogs. You either use treats, right? You use praise or you use toys. Um, so I have got a treat pouch that I use for the normal job, um, but I'm gonna fill that with little like chocolates. Um, which I'm going to throw at the audience. Um, so if they like laugh at my jokes, I will treat them with treats. Um, at some point, I will probably throw a ball at someone and say, sorry, you look like the kind of person who enjoy playing with balls. Very highbrow. Very highbrow. Hey, um, you gotta, st gotta start small. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I mean, that's, and that's then... typical PoE player, the balls jokes. Playing yeah, balls. yeah. So that's... Um, and then for is the it praise be a beach bit, ball or like uh, like like what kind of ball are you gonna? Use? I, I could get the ball. Yeah, do do something really soft and light. Yeah. No, don't don't hit them with yeah, the, that's with the medicine like, ball. <laughs> he he warns no one. I'm just picking. He's like, hey, that was pretty funny, huh? Um, and then everyone's like, what? Like nervous laughter. And he's like pegging people with chocolate. And then he's like, ha! You look like the type of person who could use a ball. And Dude, there was this baffling like, horrified. There was this baffling scene in the latest uh, <laughs> Disney Star. I don't want to talk about Star Wars a lot, but there's this new animated series, which is like the sequel to The Clone Wars. And in that episode, there was like a racetrack where they did like Mario Kart racing, where the racers shoot each other with lasers and stuff like that. And then someone in the audience just randomly gets shot in this animated episode of like, it's like a kid's show. And like someone in the audience just gets shot by a laser from the racetrack and like drops dead. And the audience just looks at him and then just goes on to cheer. 
<laughs> and it's like it's completely disconnected from the, what happened there. I'm, I'm so. Uh, anyway. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. So please, please don't don't kill anyone don't in your audience by throwing heavy balls. Yeah. I was gonna be. I'm not like doing a cricket thing. It's just like a a light underarm throw to someone maybe like five foot away. You know, it's just like a little like you know. Um. And then for the praise bit, because the only reason people ever do stand-up is because they seek attention. The guy who goes in front of me, I'm just going in a really patronise me like, good job, that joke about our Prime Minister really landed. Your parents are proud of you. Good, you know, <laughs> and just really like just go in like that, you know. So that that's basically a small sample. But, but basically it's just a way to advertise the dog training. Yeah, it's very, very good. And they, they have, have to listen to me. Are you gonna have somebody who, who knows you, but they pretend they don't know you to laugh at your jokes to keep it, no, you know, kind of no, start? No, no, because if it goes terribly, I okay, the, the way I'm opening, um, because I am going to announce the fact that it's my first time doing stand up, is that if it goes terribly, it doesn't matter because I've not done this before, and if this goes well, then I'm a genius. Um, but yeah, I don't want anyone who knows me to go because if it does go terribly. Then I don't want them to know that. <laughs> right. But then if you record it and upload it on the internet, we will. People will see. No, it, but that's it? assuming that I uploaded it. Like, oh, I mean, you're not. Uh, yeah. We didn't establish that you will do it. Ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. No, no. Okay. I think okay. we should pressure him into like recording this <laughs> and uploading it. That's, that's what I'm leaning towards right now. I just really want to see him accidentally peg people with balls and just accidentally just... what <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna pick the person in neck brace and get the most frail looking person <laughs> yeah. stop you know yeah um mm -hmm. find nice someone thing. with a nut allergy throw a snickers at them that sort of thing you know i mean maybe it doesn't make it so well you get a little bit upset violence comes out i don't know man yeah i'll get a slip lead out um I really like that idea, of, like promoting the the dog walking thing, because everyone's gonna think that it's part of the part of the set, right? Like everyone's no, gonna think no, it's a joking. real thing. <laughs> yeah, but everyone in the audience yeah. is gonna be like, yeah, that guy's just, you know, he's he's making a joke out of like trying to promote his little dog walking business here. Oh, and I'm gonna give, I'm gonna do like cards and stuff, and I'm gonna like, I'm gonna give a read to my number a couple of times throughout. No, it's it's I'm literally just because they can't leave, they're stuck there. <laughs> Wait, the doors are closed. They're locked in. Well, no, but like, it's not like they can leave and come back when someone else's set is there. There's basically, it's 10 minutes if they have to listen to me. Um, well, I mean, that I mean, they can really leave if they want. It's not my evening they've ruined. You know, it's yeah, their that's... evening. Uh, yeah, but it would be very terrible if they left in the middle of one of those. Yeah, that would feel uh, bad, man. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Because also that would be good as well. Because let's say, okay, let's say it was absolutely terrible. If it, let's say it went so badly that people you can left. do like they hate dogs. Come on, no, 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 no. If it goes no? so badly that, that people left, they're gonna tell people about that. They're gonna be like, dude, you won't believe, right? So I thought it was gonna be like a really nice date night with the wife and whatever. And um, we went to this set, and this guy just kept talking about his dog training business. Over, they're getting the word out. <laughs> They're doing the job for me. That's advertising 101 right there. Yeah, they'll be like, well, what was it? What, 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 what was the numbers that he kept saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And literally, like, all he did, just again and again, his website, his URL, they, he just kept pushing it, you know. Hashtag Tarki walking dogs, no? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, on that lovely note, I hope it goes well for you. I'm going to head out. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, so I'll see you guys on. next time. For more sure. soon, soon for fun. an in-depth uh, discussion of your experiences. This is just the celebratory 100th episode. And I'm very happy that you were here for the first uh, two, two hours, was it? Yeah. Th- thanks for uh, for being here with us. It was awesome. Bye. 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 Nice Bye. I will also be stepping out. I might be back later in the stream if you need more company at some point. But for right now, there are cats to feed and sleeps to get. All right. So I hope you have a good time without me. I know you're going to miss me. <laughs> I, yeah, I th- hope you and your mum have a nice, pleasant time in New Zealand. Thank you very much, Tarki. Same. I, I, I uh, agree with that. And Oh, I thanks. thought you were leaving. What? Me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're like, same here, <laughs> leaving. Like 24 yeah. hours. Good luck, These Tarky. people just want to do my podcast without me. <laughs> exactly. I'll yeah, leave it running. Just, Good luck, guys. The same step bit over and over again for 24 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Lilylicious, yep. thank you so much for, for uh, coming on and uh, sharing your views and everything. After you probably still haven't fully recovered from BPL, just like myself. So I wish you all the best, uh, a good sleep. And um, if you want to come on later, just, just let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to have you on again. Will do. Thank you very much and goodbye. Bye-bye. And so that we're not alone with the three of us, we got someone new coming in and is none else than the one and only Palsteron. Let's see. We got we got Palsteron in here. And he's echoing. And he's yeah, yeah. echoing just a little bit. And the webcam auto uh, turns off when you change channels or drags. So you got to turn it back on Palsteron. Let me check. Yeah, yeah, you just need to press the webcam button. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one more time. Uh... Yeah. One sec. No worries. Okay. It's all uh, all fun and games here. And uh, this right. is the first time I'm doing this in an actual voice channel instead of in a in a, in a Discord good. call. So that's pretty cool. Yo, yeah, um, we got it. Not to interject. I think you fixed it, pal. How how many steps you done this week, my boy? Steps. Yeah, steps. Uh, I'm playing torch, dude. I'm playing torchlight. Why would I do steps? Do you mean like outside? Are you getting, are you getting some good pennies for playing the torchlight? They're giving you some moolahs. No, it's really good, dude. They're not paying you to play it. I had ads, yeah, but I'm still oh, playing it, and I'm not getting, I'm not being added anymore. So yeah, it's really good. It's probably the second best RPG on the market right now, by far. What after Titan Quest? Uh, yeah, like. In in terms of like new games, like in, in terms of I guess ARPGs that are gonna be ongoing, this is number two. This was Diablo three. Wish it was basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's incredible, but it it's gonna fight a lot of stigmas. So <laughs> it's fine. How's everybody mm-hmm. doing? <laughs> We've Got been it. talking a lot about fitness. Oh yeah, fitness. Yeah, I used to do that a lot, but I'm I'm getting a little bit lazy. Being we a content creator and uh, fitness is a little bit place. weird. Sorry, what? We derailed all over the place. Uh, yeah, we've we've learned things. Uh, 
Catmaster lives on a six-day week. Um, walking is the same as falling. Uh, a lot of uh, things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sick. <laughs> yeah, I heard the cycling discussion. Uh, cycling versus walking a little bit, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a cycling boy. I have it right here behind me. So yeah, that's the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Ah, but, wait, uh, like this next to it. Like you can see it a little bit in the frame, I guess. Yeah. That's a, a handlebar. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Say my bicycle's just really tall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. You got a you got a bigger one. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So I just got a new hanging? mountain bike. Sorry, what? Where's your bike, James? I have elliptical in the other room, but I mostly just walk inside because you know I don't understand. He kept saying this thing like leave your house. Or leave your area that you're living. I don't understand what that means. So maybe someone could explain that to me at some point. I'm sure. I'm man, sure this just can... what? What the Palstron? You killed our vibe, man. What did you I? Just, what did I get? Into? I don't I know, know, man. We they, had vibes. We had all sorts we play, of crazy. Are we talking about here? No, 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 like, to be, to be no fair, silence, to be fair, no I think Taki killed the vibe. Like <laughs> I derailed the PUE discussion. I briefly tuned in, and you guys were talking about Path of Exile, and I'm like, look, I've played a grand total of, like, three hours of Path of Exile this last year. So, I just came in hot with walking, dog walking. Yeah, that's about it, really. That's yeah. That's not true. You have, like, eight or nine episodes of your Ruthless run already, right? Yeah, that's true. I've got, like, nine hours of Path of Exile in. Let's go. One you're, hour you're just working. Act. You're just working on your stand-up special, right? You get some Netflix deal coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Think of how many dogs he can walk if he uh, advertises himself during the whole bit on Netflix. Big. Well, actually, I have the problem that I'm going to be fully booked, so that's that's an issue because I don't have I don't really have time for any of this. It's just it's literally. So the reason why I started doing it is because I really enjoy walking. And I'm having to do the whole full-time carer thing for my mom and my grandmother, but it's like, hang on, I really enjoy walking, and I make a point of walking a shit ton every single day, so I could be walking a dog right now while I'm walking anyway, and I, I, I'm getting the pennies. It was... Yeah. yeah Diversifying true. your time. I think I'm echoing a little bit, right? One sec. Yeah, yeah you, got, you got us on the speakers, right? Yeah. All right. It's hard, but there's also like I think there's a Discord option that you could use. There's a Discord inbuilt noise suppression in the. I options. tried everything. Yeah, it doesn't work for some reason. I think the yeah. mic is just really, I don't know, picks up basically everything. It's fine. Well, I mean, you could put like I, a, a minimum, like a noise gate, right? Like where where things. Don't I have everything set up, they... dude. Don't worry, it's everything set up. It usually works. It just doesn't work on Discord for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Well, yep. uh, since when have you been playing Torchlight? No PoE uh, in the last uh, two weeks or what? Yeah, last league, I mean, I got like a two-hour sponsorship and I was like, Lake of Kalandra kind of sucks. So I tried it out and I was like, I'm going to play two hours and I'm going to dip out because this looks kind of weird. Like a mobile yeah. game, right? And then I played it and I was like, this is fucking insane. <laughs> it's actually really, really good. So, yeah. That's... What's like the end game and stuff for it then? Uh, sorry, what do you mean? End game support? Like mapping, what or... do you, like what what do you do? Like what is because I know nothing. Oh, it's about like mapping right now. Yeah, it's like oh, league okay. mechanics, like in PUE. Like it has a lot of stuff from PUE. Like a lot. There's even cast on crit, right? Cast while channeling. 
there's just a lot of copied stuff but yeah it's just it's just like i don't know a vacation from poe that's how mm. I, I see it yeah it's not as like serious or whatever like nobody's cool. gonna gonna i don't know dm you on discord uh how much your build sucked or whatever it's just like cool fun right so yeah have you played also... much um last epoch yeah yeah i've played it as well um, and you think it's better than epoch I have like 800, 900 hours in, in Last Epoch, actually. I've played it forever. But the thing with Last Epoch is, like, after they said that they don't, won't have trade, um, I'm not sure they can support themselves over time with that uh, model. Um, can so actually I'm, someone fill yeah. me in on that no trade decision thing? Because I haven't kept up with LE at all, but we've all been waiting for, like, a trade patch to come in. And then they said that you won't be able to... Like, what was the exact statement? Or... That you're referring uh, to right now where they said like what is their decision with trade in the game i would have to pull I, it up again but it's basically gonna have, have like a d3 kind of model where you can trade with your party members and stuff like that and i just yeah i'm just i was just kind of sad about it because i think uh for longevity like having a economy is just so important i don't know like for people to feel like they're powerful in the game is really important i don't know people are always talking about this it's so nice to pick up items from the ground and have something that you can actually use but on the other hand like if you have a trading house or like an auction house or whatever or a trading system even an economy every item you find is potentially like something you can sell so it, it goes the other way as well i don't know yeah exactly because that's what chris always talks about with yeah. with with item design philosophy uh, where basically you want items to be tradable so that they are valuable because if you can't trade something to someone else like it it could be worthless to you right yeah i mean if you find like an item that you can only use on a cold uh summoner sort of character but you're playing like a fire melee then it's completely useless to you unless you re-roll I yep. mean, it, it's two different methodologies, and obviously they appeal to different people. So, it, like, it just it depends which way you lean to it. So, like, saying that, like, oh, this cold item is worthless. There are a lot of people who, um, in a trade-based economy, they got a really cool items. Like, oh, cool, I'll just sell this to someone else. Whereas if that's, like, a super rare thing, you know, that is the best cold item in the game, you're like, oh, shit, I might actually play that now. Um, and I think uh, that's the one thing where... Uh, D3 is kind of, the two minute window where uh, Diablo 3 is actually fun to play is like when you're first getting that new character online and you're changing your new skills constantly based on like what, that unique. That is such a cool experience. It's just that lasts for like all of 10 seconds. Um, I, so the most fun I had with D3 is when I played with friends. Like that's yeah, so much fun. Yeah. Like then it actually makes sense, right? The group fun kind of stuff. But mm. if that's not the case, then I just I just can't get into it. Like and, and it's not because it's not like, I like single-player ARPGs as well. I like Grim Dawn. I fucking love Grim Dawn, right? But it's just, if you want to be supported over time, like, I, I just don't see how it works, right? And their post makes sense, right? They bring up some stuff, why they do it, um, that they can support it over time. It has, has so much balancing issues, right? But still, at the end of the day, I'm just not sure it's it can work out. But then again, I'm still going to, like, participate in everything that Last Epoch is doing because I still think that uh, PewDiePie needs some competition. So I think that's awesome, yeah. Right now, I would say that when it comes to competition for PoE, um, Torchlight Infinite is good in terms of gameplay. It can be there, but the problem is they fucked up their marketing big time at the start, and they don't know what's going on in the West with monetization and stuff, so they overstepped, and now they're they're rolling the pay-to-win back to like almost zero, but the damage is done, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. 
Well, don't you also alienate like a whole lot of players that have already like paid to win when you like remove their pay to win benefits? No, no, they're still in beta technically. They're okay, releasing right. in like in like two leagues, but yeah, they never released with what they wanted to do um, initially. Um, yeah, but they have a, a, a partnership with Maxwell basically. Uh, that's how I got into the game as well. And um, they kind of told them how it goes in the West, and you can't do this, you can't do that, and stuff like that. So they're kind of yeah, they're kind of negotiating a little bit. See, it would that be marketing a... thing Sorry. is interesting. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, that marketing yeah. is interesting because I looked into it. So I enjoyed Torchlight 1 and Torchlight 2. Torchlight 2 and I loved, yeah. They yeah. did that whole weird mobile thing and all this random rubbish and weird. Crash, yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, this series is dead. And I re- I've been uh, approached for Torchlight sponsorships. And because I've just been like, oh, that's that pay to win trash. I've not even looked at it twice. And I think, yeah, yeah, if they have actually walked that stuff back, they have really failed to market the fact that it's like, actually, no, we're going in this direction. This is good, you know? Yeah, there's still there's still aspects of it. And I'm not here to defend them. Like, I'm not a fucking spokesperson for them. They can defend themselves. I, I don't, gonna, I'm not going to put my name on that, right? But um, they're trying to make it better, which I appreciate. Mm. And the game is just really fun. It It's just, it's just, uh, it would be a pity if it, um, fails because uh because of those concerns because yeah. the gameplay actually, is really fun yeah actually in the, like a little bit tanky is going to join us and tanky has been doing a lot of torchlight content and has worked closely together with the torchlight developers and he's mm-hmm. been telling me that that they are really dedicated to making the best possible game that they can make and that like he really enjoys working with them and uh Tanky is someone who I value for his high integrity and for, you know, he, he doesn't do sketchy things. He, he doesn't want to do things that, that don't benefit his viewers or that, that don't enable him to make the best possible content. So um, if he's, like, hyped about Torchlight Infinite, then uh, I think there's good reasons for that. And seeing that I don't have a lot of hands-on experience with Torchlight, actually none, I've watched a little bit of the, the initial race on the most recent season launch, but uh, but I think Tanky is going to be able to share some knowledge about that and to um, you know maybe enrich the conversation with that. Pelstron, did your strength stacker shockwave character get inspired kind of by Torchlight because it looks very similar to a lot of the cast on Grit stuff that you're playing on the Torchlight Infinite? Uh, not really, no, but yeah, okay. it is, uh, yeah, both were a blast or a wave or whatever you want to call it, right? So, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Which that's a really sick MTX that you used on that, the shockwave. I mean, it's sick at the start, but once, I don't know, if you're 40 and you need glasses, it's probably not the, the best, I would say, but yeah. Did you just call me 40? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet, Pelstron, okay? I got like right. three and a little bit. In change years, okay. Actually, at this point, how old are you, pal? Thirty. Mm. Mm. How old are you, Turkey? I'm thirty next month. I'm twenty-nine. Oh yeah, Damn. young buck. I just what turned thirty-five. You? Gotcha. Damn. Yep. I'm thirty-six, and I'll be thirty-seven in March. Damn. Time flies. Yeah. Da- damn. Damn old, old <laughs> Thanks, <fuck>. buddy. <laughs> hey, like a good friend of mine just turned forty, so like you oh, know, okay. it's like, and then you always have like I'm always hanging out with my younger sister. She's like twenty seven or twenty six. I actually don't know. I think she might be twenty seven this year. Uh, I have to I have to check the calendar or do some math. But um, 
what I'm trying to say is like she always points out to me how old my friends actually are because she's like, "What? That guy already turned 40? Damn!" <laughs> yeah. And I'm don't like, get, oh, shit, I'm going to be there in a couple of years." That was actually yeah. um, one thing I wanted to ask you, pal. So, since you're doing the max roll stuff, are you going to be doing a lot of stuff for like D4 when that comes out? Or uh no, I'm like. Since I'm now, now I'm, I'm basically involved with PoE. It's enough work as is. Like That's we don't fine. get any alpha access, we don't get any anything from GG. So it's like basically, we got like a few days before leak like, start to figure everything out, update the guides. We don't want to like uh, put out guides that aren't updated, right? So it's it's so yeah, much course, work. Yeah. I'm not even gonna do anything for Torchlight probably. It's just yeah, it's it's a one game kind of thing probably. Yeah. Maybe in the future, who knows? But do you, you will have, have any people. Interest? Oh, sorry. No, go I was just wondering, you, have, you will have people in Maxwell that will fill that role, right? Like, because you're yeah, working close together with Torchlight. So there's going to be other people who dedicate all their time to Torchlight well, guides. Yeah, Maxwell is already, ha has already a branch here yeah, for Torchlight. Yeah. Yeah, please, Tarky. Um, you wanted to no, I was going to say, since you're like, yeah, Torchlight, you think it's like the number two right now. Do you have like much hope for Diablo 4 when that comes out? Because that's pretty soon, isn't it? Um, I think... I've heard mixed reactions from people who've played it and tested it, and I think it's going to be. I, I no, I actually I, I can't say it's like I would I would say I'm cautiously optimistic, but I don't think it's going to be any any PUE killer. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's going to be a PUE killer. See, it's interesting you say that. So I I've not played it. I know a couple of people who have played it, and. I either hear like this is the best shit ever or like this is fucking yeah, trash. Same. And there's same. like there's no longevity and like so yeah. from what I've heard it yeah. seems like it might be like a good fifty hours, like you enjoy going through the story and whatever, but like I don't know what holding power, if any, it has, which will be interesting to see. I, I will say this, I think nowadays gamers are super demanding, right? So getting a game to a stage where uh you can actually put hundreds of hours into that's crazy, right? Like PoE has a formula that just kind of works. It's like an evergreen formula, um, but even they can slip, right? As you saw in Lake of Calandra, like it's it's a lot of uh, it's pretty rough. So I think even even if it's like the worst game of all time, I'm still gonna get it. So and I'm still gonna play it because it's Diablo. So we'll see, we'll see when it comes out. Um, but but like the problem is that I don't have any hopes that it's gonna be like a D two or something, right? Because obviously they're Diablo in name only, right? So yeah. Mm. I'm curious, what do you two think about the whole thing? I don't know how much you guys even looked into D4. I think D4 is going to be good at what D3 is good at, but it's not going to be realistic competition for PoE. I mean, I, I'm sort of parroting a mix of other people's takes on this because I really haven't looked into it all that much. But I think it's going to have a great release. It's going to get a lot of people interested in ARPGs, and it's going to leave a lot of people who want a more in-depth game disappointed and looking for other games and that's where it plays into the hands of Path of Exile and other games that, that have just been around longer or are just a little bit more specialized into delivering a more sophisticated in-depth system as an experience rather than uh, having a, uh, a, a smooth and mass compatible um, mass appealing product which Diablo 4 no doubt is going to be it's going to be great to play in party it's going to be great to play with your friends the Blizzard has the, the technology down they know what they're doing with the art uh, you got to give praise where praise is due and, and they really know some things that they're doing well 
but after Diablo Immortal, I have very little faith left that they're going to that they're actually ever going to be real competition for like real game developers. They're too much into the making money business at this point. And yeah, yeah like exactly right. Like Diablo two felt like a passion project, and then Diablo three, and probably also Diablo four are more like I don't know how can we use this brand to extract money. I hope I'm wrong, but like I'm um, I'm just very jaded after Diablo Immortal. I don't know. I mean, it's completely different development teams. Like that's the thing. It is yeah, you but, know, it's Blizzard and name only. You know, but the, but the problem is like development teams don't make those kind of decisions, right? Like you can have the best of intentions. Like I'm I'm sure the Diablo Immortal team that made the core game had the best of intentions, right? Mm. But but those people are not the they don't make the decisions that put a bad light onto the game, right? No, of course no. What I was what I was saying with that though is like because Diablo 1 and Diablo 2, it was Blizzard North, you know, like, it, it's mm-hmm. such a completely different apples and or It'd be, you know, I would say it's a similar situation to GGG. It's like the GGG that made Path of Exile in, like, 2013 is completely different to the GGG that made Path of Exile now. The only difference being, at least with GGG, they still have the same founding members. I don't oh, think yeah, there's yeah, sure. anyone from Blizzard North even left at Blizzard, is there? Yeah, yeah no, I, I guess what I meant more is that people are expecting D2, right, when in yeah. reality that's completely separated from w- yeah. what we're getting now, right? Yeah. 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 My uh, experience from it is only my best friend that I usually play with, uh, you know, grew up with and stuff, that have played all the Diablo games. He got the beta, so I know from his experience, he was really excited at the start, thought it was really cool, but then he said it got pretty repetitive as he reached the end game, and it was just mostly reskin dungeons with the same couple bosses. So I definitely will play it. I'll probably play with real-life friends. Hopefully, if I can convince them, you know, old timers, people have kids and stuff. Will they get some uh, time off and uh, kids get off my lawn? But um, yeah, so hopefully I could rally a couple of uh, my old school friends that we used to play with. We'll probably have fun for a certain amount of time and then that'll be that. Uh, Let me quickly interject here. Because we got a, a, another person waiting to join the discussion, and I'm curious about his takes on this. And here for our 100th celebratory episode, just like these gentlemen that we have on the cast right now, is the one and only Neversink, the creator of the the eponymous item filter and of the uh, epic website filterblade.xyz. So uh, w- welcome, Neversink. Do you have any experience? with uh with diablo games <laughs> blizzard games well hey guys uh thanks for the invitation really glad to be here uh hey to all of the others all the people here and hello uh-huh. to the chat um sorry just trying to catch your breath at a wild wild work day with a ton of different meetings and problems and random stuff that kind of delayed the whole day but yeah happy for it to be over um and successful over. Diablo, Diablo, Diablo. Um, absolutely. So I'm definitely a huge Diablo fan. I think Diablo has shaped my Blitz life in many ways. I've so learned uh, a lot of stuff. I learned how to... Uh, it was one of my most important teenage year games. Um, I played it a ton. It was one of the first games where I tried out multiplayer. I've played so many seasons in Diablo 2. I got Diablo 3 and released the collector's edition that you can see behind me and was actually very, very disappointed by it, despite playing it like for 
days upon launch and um i actually Diablo 3 turned out to be a very decent game after its expansion for kind of like a couch console game. I really liked it on the Switch, but it was just not the spiritual successor that people were hoping for, I think. Um, and I do think Diablo 4 will be successful. In fact, I hope it will be successful. I think we can use more good ARPGs, but I believe uh, Diablo or Blizzard just has a different methodology. For GG, PoE has been from the start designed to a game that has been that was and will be supported for years. And I think this is their bread and butter. They've designed their whole business, their payment model, everything around that. Blizzard doesn't work this way. They don't um, have development teams like that. They don't have plans like that. They get more money out of circulation, out of rotations, out of uh, certain aspects and the way that they just design the games nowadays, I think it will be really good on release. It will be really nice. Um, and I think it will have limited amounts of microtransactions and similar things like that. But I think it won't last its hype for... Oh, it will be successful. It will be played quite a bit during the first years, but I think it will then slowly scale down so that they can also announce the next product or something like that. So I, I see it as... a strong competition to PoE that will leech a part of their players away, but at the same time it might also bring new players into the genre and over time they might migrate back to PoE. I don't think it will kill PoE or something, but I think it will be reasonably successful and ideally it will be a good game so that it's just another good ARPG on the market to enjoy. I want a good ARPG to play, not just PoE or the other ones out there. Thanks. I'd say the best success for D4 would actually be kind of what James was saying. And it's the thing that Path of Exile is really shit at, is just like just hanging out and playing with friends. Because mm. if you're going to do anything group-based in Path of Exile, it's like a ridiculous level of min-max. It's very difficult to just get like a casual friend to like, oh, let's play together. <laughs> it's nearly always just like yeah, one I'll... guy running ahead yes. and another person desperately trying to pick up items and then falling further and further behind. Yeah, mm. I'll send you a catalog of videos to watch before we can uh, play through the campaign, all right? Yeah. Oh, what's that? No, your build breaks my build because of this interaction. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Oh, this doesn't work. Uh, da, 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 da. Lag, um, yeah. No, yeah. you haven't set up, up an item that, filter. Or that, or that, or that, or yeah. that. <laughs> I think PoE has, in general, I completely agree. I think PoE has technically potentially one of the worst gameplays out there just the general gameplay the amount of knowledge you need to have to enjoy the game on a higher level and the or to enjoy the game in a long term way and just the gameplay itself it mostly comes down to one button meshing and being able to detect on on death effects and being clever about your meta strategy but the actual gameplay is usually one to two button gameplay it's not really super exciting the boss fights are amazing like shaper and uber elder is exceptionally well done but the grinding gameplay is supposed to be as simple as possible with nice loot explosion and that's something that people enjoy but i think diablo and i hope diablo covers a different niche like this really hack and slay action type of gameplay where you're just enjoying slashing monsters you don't think about too much about your meta but you don't think about how to get that damn three last dexterity points so that you can equip your uh, super important items that you can so that everything works out and then how do you get all of your strengths and dexterity to work at the same point so that your uh, weird amulet works for you and there's like a whole bunch of things that are just not appealing and sometimes a bit tiresome uh, but it's something that you can come back to so PoE is designed about knowledge that you can feel like oh well I'm tired this league but this feels like really cool 
next decom would play that. And, and this is nice. But yeah, I think there's just a lot of different stuff you can enjoy in other games. I mean, I think if D4 even catches like half of the complexity of PoE or even like a third while not having to have like 10 tabs open while playing or like PoB to make your builds and being more intuitive, I think uh, I think it's going to have great success. Yeah, mm. I'm just I'm a little bit concerned about Blizzard, what they do to their IPs over time, as you said, right? Um, and I, I also have the feeling that they're just going to work. Like usually um, in, in games like this, where there's like Diablo 2, Diablo 3, Diablo 4, I don't really want to put that much time in. I know if it's just me because I know there's going to be the next one down the road, right? It's 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 going to be a new skill set again and again and again. And in PoE, it just feels like when you put time in, like it's just rewarding, right? Like knowing knowing stuff in that game is just rewarding, even over long periods of time. And um, yeah, but like you said, if if they can make a smooth multiplayer, I think it's going to be huge. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Funnily enough, the biggest problem they're gonna have probably is gonna be all the shit they're having with NetEase at the moment. I don't know if you guys have been following that at all. A little bit. Very long... release in China or something? Was that yeah, it? very yeah. long story short. If you, it's why there's the whole uh, Tencent deal with GGG. If you want to release a game in China, <laughs> you need to partner with the Chinese publisher, and that's nearly always either Tencent or NetEase. Very long story short. WoW had a long-running thing with NetEase. They tried to renege. They've now gone apart on it. Um, so all the Chinese WoW players have lost complete access to the game. NetEase is so Wait, pissed. That already happened? Yeah. Oh, wow. NetEase is so pissed. They've been demolishing and, like, live-streaming them, like, destroying their Blizzard statues and stuff. They've been, like, throwing loads of shade. Like, it's, like, gotten really, really heated in, like, the last, uh, like, I think wow. 48 hours even. Um, so it's gotten to the point where it's so heated that it's like, this is going to affect basically all of Blizzard's stuff over there by the looks of it. Um, so that's going to be a massive hit for Diablo 4 if they lose access to China, because that is a lot of players. And it kind of throws their mobile mentality in the trash as well, right? Like they want to put more out on mobile. I mean, you start in China. So that's, that's crazy. I I wonder, I wonder what happened there. Do we know anything? It's it's all really weird. So like, there's been lots of stuff where it, it's hard to tell what's really true and what's not because it's like you can't really trust anything that comes Rumors. out of Blizzard because it's, yeah. it's Blizzard, and you can't really trust anything that's coming out of NetEase, and it's all this weird stuff. But it seems like basically what was happening is they were trying to renege on a deal, they were hitting a deadline, and then NetEase said that apparently Blizzard wanted to extend their contract for six months while offering other companies like Tencent three-year deals. And they're basically mm-hmm. like, fuck you, why are you giving us six months that you're giving them three years? And now it's all just like blown up into this massive thing. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. And there was a thing that, yeah, so Blizzard then told all the Chinese WoW players to back up their characters on the servers to like secure it while the things go offline. And Netty said, no, don't do that. And a bunch of players who did the backup that actually deleted their characters. Um, so can you imagine if you went to like backup and you deleted your entire WoW account? Like if you've someone who's been playing for years and years and years, losing that is like, oof. Yeah. Oof. I mean, even if they get if even if they get it back, like the trust is kind of gone then, right? For these yeah. people, like, fuck. It's like um, my best friend. So we both used to play WoW in school, and he still plays WoW now. Um, so he's been playing it basically nonstop for like 15, 16 years. I 
cannot imagine how he would react if his entire account was deleted like that. Mm. Yeah. Might even have a path of math moment. What happened? I know he got like banned, but like, fuck it. Let's we talk about Path of Exile. Oh, that's tangentially related. So I I saw a thing. I I always avoid him because I think he's a bit of a tosser. But anyway, I saw a thing where he was like he was going to still support the game, but get other people to do it. But did he end up doing that, or did he just disappear, or like what happened there? Um, I think he went into day trading or something, and then I don't know. <laughs> I think his I think his Twitter isn't there anymore, so I don't I don't really see any updates. I used to uh, I used to follow the news. I've been trying I, I, to step away from any of that stuff and worry less about what other people are doing, basically. And you know what? I've been quite a bit happier. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I might have to take the Tarky method and look at mute nothing. everything. Is great. And then just yeah, just mute everything. Go in blind. Show up on the stream and. I have no idea what's going. James, what's good? Up, oh, don't know, don't care. We're playing this. Sounds Apparently, strength free. stacking shockwave is a thing. That's new to me. Yeah, yep, that was spoiling a, all sorts of things. Certain thing. Mm. But yeah, it uh, was a, a little bit of a. I mean, uh, it made three point nineteen hype again, right? The whole path of math thing. So that was pretty cool for a second. Wait, how, how did it make it hype again? Just because it drew so much attention? or Because something happened. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was dude. like looking... Dude, I was looking for patch notes, F5ing for patch notes, and the oh, real content late was there all update along. when. Yeah. yeah. That could have been a really cool league. Yep, I think so yep. too. Yep. I wonder, like, with Lake looking back, if it was just more rewarding... I wonder this often. Could the league be fun if you get more rewards? Yeah. Like, is there? I think so, right? Because people were like saying, "Oh, mineral pools layout, all oh, this, all oh, that." Honestly, I think at a certain point, if you just make it rewarding for people, they still like it, right? I mean, it was the whole thing. I remember having loads of conversations um, with Grimrow and Captain Lance when they were like doing silly things, throwing all this money at like making cool duplicated jewelry and everything. And it's like that could have been such a cool system if they made that really accessible and whatever. Yeah. And that was like the special thing for one league only, and they yeah. didn't. And it was now like... that you say that, it, it's crazy to think about it. I mean, I tried, I tried making stuff for several builds. I, I, I blew like several hundred divines without any outcome, right? For accuracy stacker, for I don't know. I wanted to do some mana shenanigans. Never hit what I wanted. Like there were so many weird builds that could have come out of this, like increased mana costs, stuff like that, right? Like all the inverted stuff and all we saw was like a little bit of reduced projectile speed right like John Grown with his spectral helix and stuff like that but i feel like the the league was so weird that nobody even tried like i, I feel like there was way more to do in that league than what what the build creators or, or we all did everybody yeah. was just kind of like eh. if they would have made it the same level as like recombinators which i thought that's what they're going to do they made it sound like they're going to introduce like crazy game-changing things just for one league so imagine if you had the rate of recombinators on that jewelry of the ones where you actually put the jewelry in instead of getting random jewelry all the time then i think yeah. it would have been a really interesting league just on its own for that and if not then they should have made it really 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 rewarding for me just... it's always about is my time valued if i spend a long period of time collecting the thing and then i go in and i get nothing hype gone 
it was also like, just really fucking it. hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. you got, like, a distance 18 group of rogue exiles, and you're like, fuck. Instantly yeah. one tap from shield charges. It was, like, hard content. I, I don't think also... they have to, like, worry about, like, the... Like, just make it overly rewarding for League. Like, who cares? At least it's not, like, standard, right? And then nerf it next League. Everybody will understand, right? Like, um... I mean, Sentry, yeah. Sentinel was that way, right? Buff I mean, it now, nerf it later. Yeah. And they, they should just they set that ru- and say They've ruined standards so many times. And also, when they did the whole, like, Exalted Divine flip, like, you cannot oh. say we're trying to protect, like, the standard economy or whatever. It's like, fuck off. I'm like, nah. No. I, I've said the same thing about the uh, the voided mayhem event or something like that, where like if you're making a ma- voided event, then at least make it like really worth the void, right? Why should I play something where I can't like keep the things afterwards? So I'm basically taking time out of my league to do something else that's not benefiting my progress in the league, and then it's not even like overly rewarding to justify. Yeah, I think it's like this league is, I think, the perfect example of that. We started out, nobody had like um, any relics. Everybody was like, oh, this is way too hard. We got a few relics. Everybody was like, oh, this is actually pretty nice. And then everybody, then then they released like the one hit challenge, uh, the no hit challenge and stuff like that. I think um, like this league, I saw people who I know are crazy about currency, right? All they care about is currency, currency, currency. Completely neglecting that just to do like one hit challenges and like trying out stuff with the league mechanic. That's crazy. I've never seen them do that, right? So, so, um, what they did with account bout items and all of that stuff that you can't trade for, right? These people who usually just buy everything they need have to actually engage with the league mechanic, stuff like that. Like, I, I think this league was just an absolute home run, and I think they should take a lot of clues from what they did. And, uh, yeah. It's remarkable that, how many yeah. people who are normally like actual blasters and who don't enjoy this yeah. sort of mechanical gameplay. Like even Balor is all about the sanctum, right? <laughs> yeah. It's because the the relic throws everything off, right? It's like I think about this often, but for example, let's say somebody who has a decked out character, what would you guys pay for one passive notebook in terms of divines if you have a decked out character? Would the what would that be worth to you? Like straight up a quest reward, like you can buy it on the on the trade house, on a trading website. Fifty. Fifty, right? Like the the stronger your build is a hundred, right? Two hundred. Like you can't really put a price on it because it's like permanent power. It's crazy. So the same is with the relic. If you don't farm for the relic, well, you're missing a piece, right? Sure, you're making currency and you can kind of like make that up with like mirrored gear, or whatever. But certain relics you can't make up for. You can't make up for plus one power charge or something, right? So it's like, yeah, it's it's just fascinating how that turned the economy so upside down for people who usually only think about currency per hour, right? I don't quite agree. I think mm-hmm. the Relic is an amazing uh, piece of content. I think it appeals to a very certain, albeit fairly small user group. I think some people are fascinated, but them are definitely a cool addition. I wouldn't mind them staying. I wouldn't mind something like that existing in the future. But I think what pretty much made this league so good first of all it's a recovery league so they've done a lot of changes they reverted a lot of things that people hated they introduced back multiple strategies they improved certain things in general the loot got better and the amount of random or fairly random was random ish let's call them hard to predict deaths were removed and that league itself was unique I think the main problem with Lake of Calandra wasn't actually the 
rewards or the fact that the mechanic was kind of meh. Um, I think if Leif Kulandra would drop the relics, it wouldn't have been much better. A bit, maybe, but not much better. I think the problem of Lake of Kulandra was the actual gameplay, the time you spent there, it wasn't very motivating. You were basically doing a little bit more of the same thing you were doing before that. Um, it was dropping fair, pretty much the same rewards as you were getting before. Um, it didn't have any major impact on the mapping, and the mapping experience wasn't great in general during that league. While with um, Sanctuary, you have a much more refined and much more fun mapping experience, and you are actually looking forward to the league mechanic itself, and the league mechanic is actually done in a way that it's always a little bit unique. It's a little bit of different run. It's a very different gameplay mechanic. I mean, I remember the first days, and I think a lot of people absolutely hated the league. I remember the Reddit post during the first days. Yeah. Now, it could have been the um, spent negativity from the previous state of Reddit. could be that. I think it's kind of like an echo chamber that grows into extreme one direction, extreme another direction. But um, after people started understanding it, hey, this is something completely different. It's a different type of gameplay, and you can actually enjoy that. Uh, and they didn't try to compare it with the previous state. I think people just started enjoying it because it's something completely unique and fun. And this happened in a lot of cases. Harvest was initially absolutely hated, but then suddenly everyone who remained absolutely loved it. The same happened to Delve. And I think this is the same case with Sanctuary. Now, you could make the point that a lot of people just left who didn't like it. But I think what actually happened is that if they introduced something new that initially scared the people off, but once they got used to that, the long-term gameplay enjoyment is just really high. And with Calandra, it's just, okay, you farm for a bit. And essentially with Sentinel as well, so Sentinel had really cool recombinators, um, after a while, it was just monotonous. And now that one of the top reasons why I look back in, in PoE here and there is because I just enjoy playing Sanctuary and the mapping experience in between is good enough to make the weight be worth it. But yeah, relics are good. I just think the relics are not the key point that is defining here. I think they're just a nice cherry on top. Yeah, sure. The, the base gameplay is obviously the thing that holds everything together, right? Like if you removed, um, mm -hmm. if you remove both leagues, three point twenty is so much better than three point nineteen, right? Of course. So I, I guess Sanctuary has a better time, like an easier time being good because the foundation is better, right? Sure. Um, but I, I guess what I wanted to say is that um, when we talk about trade, this this relic dynamic is just like I think that's something they should maybe do from here on on always because it kind of makes people. I don't know how to say uh, it. it. It gets people out of this. Should they do every league like the giving uh, uh, something one account bound item of some sort because it gets people out of this spreadsheet mindset of only thinking about currency per hour, yes. right? It's like there's another variable in there that you cannot buy, and that's that makes people crazy. Like I saw people like absolute blasters on Twitter, like, "Hey, can we make this finally trade?" No, you have to engage with it. Do it, or like you just don't have your eleventh item, right? It's it's fascinating. I love it. I fucking love it. Basically, you guys. It's funny because we talk about this whole like SSF kind of mindset, but it's basically just the SSF mindset because you can't buy any of this shit. The things that you guys are like really long for is the long term progression, which is but, why a lot of people enjoy SSF. But it's the equivalent yeah, but it's for just, trade league. It's just a small thing, right? It's not everything. It's not I have to pick up chromatic orbs and I have to I don't know like no, of course, but yeah. it, it's it's that same gameplay. Of course, loop. it's, it's yeah, the exact totally. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. No, I, that it makes sense to why that. Especially because that's the big problem I have um, when I talk to people like Grim a lot, and uh, me and Grim have the amount of times like, I don't understand why would you ever play um, 
SSF talking. I'm like, yeah, but Grim, how many times have you done the thing where like you get your headhunter or your mate or whatever by day three, and then if you weren't a content creator, you wouldn't keep playing because you do the content, you get a couple of weeks or a month or so of guides out of it. And yeah, I can understand where if you're at that level of you like to blast and do the big group thing, having a reason to continue once you've gotten that goal, you know, I think I can 100% understand why those people would need that. And I think that if GGG wants to continue making content that caters um, to that demographic, I think that is a far healthier thing to focus on rather than like constantly going for like uber, uber, uber bosses. Because I think the problem with something like that is that only caters to such an in teeny tiny portion of the player base whereas yeah. having like a long-term progression for all trade league players that's something that anyone can aspire to regardless of where they are in terms of content 100 percent agreed i think this this and also the idea that something as special about that is you also get to be a little bit unique and to in the case i've made a few guides and sometimes i've been wondering people manage to craft exactly the same item as i had like 100 percent the same and and one it's somewhat funny, but at the same time, it's also somewhat sad. So I think it's really nice when they introduce something that you can't exactly duplicate. Something like, for instance, I love Timeless Jews exactly because of that. Every time you get a Timeless Jew, they change your build a little bit. You have a slightly different node, slightly different stats, maybe one or two different large Jew. And I think the same happens with the relics, just in a much more predictable and much less uh, volatile way. So you get to be a little bit more unique and you can say that, hey, this is my build. I kind of farmed it up due to investment or maybe I found something cool and now I'm creating something based on that. So I think on top of the self-found progression, which and self-found definitely has a better progression curve in my experience, you on top of that, you get this uniqueness and the creativity you also get from self-found that, hey, you found something specifically cool that inspires you to make a new build. So maybe you have your uh, strength stacking or dexterity stacking or a power charge relic or something like that. Or for some reason, your uh, I think your fire spell snow shock or something like that. And you're inspired to try it out. I think this is just really, really cool to give players some motivation to build a second build. Definitely worked for me because I absolutely hate releveling. So usually one big character per league, I get it like level 97 or 100, give a few uber bosses and then I'm done with the league. And relics definitely were a big boost for me in this case. Uh, on yep. the topic of timeless jewels, if I may quickly hook in and uh, and offer a little bit of a of a sidetrack topic, mm -hmm. uh, people have told me that they don't enjoy timeless jewels as much anymore because it's harder now to divine them because of the divine exalt change, right? And divines are so expensive where previously they were available in abundancy and you'd be able to just get a couple of timeless jewels, spam your divines on them until you get the timeless jewel that you want. Uh, and now it's much more set in stone what a timeless jewel is and there's, there's very little incentive to actually keep divining them because the, the chance that you get something useful in just a couple of divines is very small and you quickly spend a lot of currency doing it do you think timeless jewels are actually better as a consequence like in the design spot or are they worse or do you, they're just different they're better in the design spot that they're now doing their intended function. Like, the intended function for them originally wasn't meant to be like, oh, well, you just throw, like, a thousand divines until you force the thing you want. And I think what Neversync was saying earlier is also something that Path of XR really struggles with, and it kind of goes back to what Power was saying earlier about, like, oh, watch a million guides. The thing which is good about this sort of content is it's almost guide-proof in a way, because you can't just one-for-one -one copy, like, oh... 
Jane's made an awesome build, or Halstrom made an awesome build. I'm just going to copy that exactly. It forces people to think a little bit. And mm. you could be someone who knows absolutely nothing about the game, but you get something someone said, like, your fire damage now shocks. You're like, oh, and that makes you think, even if you know nothing. And obviously, there might be a really weird, unique interaction that someone with more knowledge might realize over someone else. But whenever you don't have instantly solved things, and this is the best way to go, it makes the game so much more interesting. Yes. Um, and that's why GGG, for the longest time, tried to force people away from unique items, because they didn't like the fact that this, like, this was the best way to do it. And I think these kinds of systems are far healthier. Um, and a way that you can still have something like Uniques be interesting and have a real place and not just be like, why would you ever use Unique when this rare will always be better? You know, I think it's a much healthy way of designing the video game long term. I personally like it way more than before because I can literally go to POB, type in, I want three times strength and then let's see, maybe a double damage node or maybe life or whatever. Uh, I, I can just figure out what it is on POB. I go to trade. I have like three, four thing, three or four timeless jewels that I could theoretically pick, right? One is maybe a little bit better than the other. I go through trade. It's like, oh, this is one divine. This is three divine. This is five divine. Done. So for me, it's actually a lot easier than earlier. And it took, I don't know. Like, I don't see how divines really takes away from that. Um, and th the next thing is why I don't think there's a problem is the difference between a GG timeless jewel and a almost GG is not that big. It's like, okay, so you don't have 20% strength. You have 15% strength and 4% life. Okay. I mean, sure. Is that like the end of the world? I don't think so. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't well, really see the problem. It's it's only because it's it's only in trade and because it's been solved, right? And now there's tools out there to actually be able to search. So, so, uh, so we're talking solo self found or? Well, I think well, Taki's play solo self found, so he's gonna view everything through that lens to a certain extent, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So okay. so for them, case, it would be a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Huge, sure. right? So yeah. there's like two factors that went on. One, it's divining them, which is non-existent now. But at the same time, it got solved. So it's way easier to know exactly what you're getting and then just search for them from a trade perspective. So it's never been better from a trade perspective. From a trade perspective. Yeah, I know. From it. Uh, divining yeah. it. And that was the only way. And then you just yellowed it and hope you got a good one. From that, it's completely different, right? I, get, I guess from a solo cell phone perspective, I would just say there's so many restrictions already that I don't think that's going to like break anybody who wants to play solo cell phone. Right? I mean, this is the SSF perspective of it is you would, if you wanted a specific timeless jewel before, you wouldn't be throwing loads of divines in it. Yeah. You'd just run Legion for a bit. Um, the way I approach it hasn't changed at all in SSF. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would just like put Legion on my Atlas and also, if you're an SSF person, you're going more so for like a specific keystone, or maybe if you're doing like a strength stack or an int stack or whatever, you might be like, oh, I'm just looking for one which gives me like five percent or ten percent, and it's the exact same thing. You just run yeah, a different of five expectations. Ways. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you wouldn't divine spam an SSF, but previously no. it was so easy to just farm tabulas and to just rack up a, a bunch of divines. It, it depends on your build. It's just like I would have so many things. I would ra I'd rather be like divining weapons or whatever. Like, well, my experience with timeless jewels is 
rather limited to glorious vanity on my uh, on my occultist builds with the Cap Chaos Res, where mm -hmm. the, the Zibakwa thing gives you the Divine Flesh Notable that makes it so that 50% of elemental damage is taken as chaos damage, and it raises your maximum chaos resist. And for that one, I would totally, like, if I was playing this build in, in SSF, I would totally, like, have one that I use, and then I'd have at least one or two more, and then I'd spam those with Divines until I get Zibakwa, then pop them in and see are the notes that I actually pick in the tree, like, do they actually give me decent effects i mean I've, I've done that like before i don't know it's it depends what you want how desperate you are and also like i enjoy legion and i enjoy doing five ways like i do a lot of playing builds like lightning trap whatever with really Fair good enough. coverage so it's like i enjoy spamming that content anyway so it's kind of a different thing you know hmm. yeah yeah no that's fair i i just okay I have to uh, run, so. Oh right, Sorry, guys, it's another full but, hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's almost a full another. How, full how fast hour do you run? Time. How fast do you run? Try not to. You know, fall I uh, gracefully fall about seven thousand to ten thousand times a day. Damn. Oh fuck! Hang on, before you go quickly, um, never sink. How many steps have you done this week? I forgot to ask you earlier. Sorry. Steps. Steps. Yeah. Real life steps? Well, how, how yeah. many? Yeah, yeah, steps? yeah. How many steps? How many steps have you done? Uh, <laughs> I love how it like stumps people. Like you mean like uh, you mean outside? What? Uh, let me you let me like crafting outside. steps. You mean groceries or <laughs> yeah. what? You, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm not familiar with I, that I, item in Poe. <laughs> I have not counted, but definitely more than average. I mean, yesterday. Mm. And on Monday and on Tuesday, these were the days where I've been doing some longer works, usually to work-related stuff or uh, meeting some friends. So I would say in these days, it was more than 5,000. And today and I think the other day, I think it was Wednesday or something, it was probably like less than 500 since I was just working around the apartment. So I would average it out in around 20,000. That's good. That's good. Right, you can go now, James. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I have your permission to leave, Tarky. Yes, yeah, so you can leave now. Oh. Well, thank you so much, sir. You're right. welcome. <laughs> thanks for having me on, Catmaster. And uh, hey, thanks for coming guys. on. Enjoy the band. It's great. Team man, bye bye. Bye. But finally, yeah. he's gone. Oh my god. Yeah. Now, now we can have all the elitist takes because we're we're the true PUE elite players here. Not that tech tech channel guy. Who plays PoE as a side hustle? <laughs> no, we love TR TRJH here. I think. Can I speak for you guys? Anyway. Yep. Sure. I mean, again, I'm in Act Nine. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm going for maps this league, dude. You're going full ruthless this league, right? Yeah, yeah, full SSF ruthless, doing everything blind. Yeah, good vibes, good vibes. You guys probably already talked about it, but how do you like? How do you do you like it? Is it refreshing or is it like tedious or? Um, it is refreshing. One thing I didn't actually mention earlier that I wanted to, so because I've literally only been playing like an hour or two a week, I don't know if a lot of the positive sentiment I may be falsely attributing to Ruthless, it could just be this is such a different way for me to play Path of Exile. So... Or you haven't played I... in a long time, maybe, and you're coming back, and no. Well, yeah. it's, it's not so much that, it's just I'm having a very different relationship. Normally, when I play Path of Exile, I'm treating it as a job. But because I don't have the time right now, because I'm having to care for some sick family, 
I'm playing it like how just a normal person who only has a handful of hours to game. Like yeah. the only time I ever sit at the computer at the moment is this podcast and then like the one hour that I do like my Path of Exile stream. And it's mm. literally just like one hour of content. So that's been really fun and really refreshing um, because I just haven't played video games like that. I don't know if ever, because it's like, I think the last time I played games like this was when I was in school, but even then it's like, I would do my homework and then just play RuneScape all night and all morning and then go back to school, you know? So it's like, I've never really played games like this before, so that is very fun and very refreshing. Um, that in the combination of Ruthless, Path of Exile feels exceptionally different right now, but I imagine if I was playing my normal SSF stuff, I'd feel the same, and probably even if I was playing Trade, I'd be like, dude, this is really cool, but I think a lot of that is just because I'm just playing Path of Excel like an actual human being and not a mm. content creator. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, if you, it, it's different if you stream than when you can just like chill, put on a podcast or something. That's yeah. totally different, yeah. For sure. I did enjoy Ruthless, but I only played it during the alpha phase. And afterwards, I am a bit of a challenge motivated player so i do like those uh shiny mtx so i do like i don't didn't like the aspect that i would pretty much spend a lot of time on ruthless and get no challenges so but something i really enjoyed about it was the party play i think this is something it does exceptionally well especially if you do something like a small private or a group found league you don't actually have all of these support mechanics you get in a normal game so it's not it doesn't uh, devolve or degenerate itself to the point where you just have an insane aura board that basically gives you all the survival of all the damage and another guy who zooms through the map and maybe you have a magic find color if you're going for a more advanced setup. But instead you kind of go into this slightly more old schoolish gameplay of, hey, you're slowly farming maps, you're trading gems, you're excited that something drops that someone else can use, you're trading your rare item and I just excited about getting something interesting out of that. And when I played Roosters during Alpha, it truly made me experience some of the best moments that I completely forgot about PoE. It felt like one of those very first days when I was running through the ledge and getting killed on the ruthless difficulty, on the merciless difficulty by some rare skeletons because I've been trying to build Flicker Strike or something. My very first character didn't understand how friendly charges work. And this is something it has been bringing back. I've been running with like two or three links and generally just enjoying going slow instead of thinking, oh my god, if I level a new character now, I will be inefficient or if i'll be doing this with my currency it won't be exactly right and thinking about dps's and thinking about investing into some uh, atlas points or pursuing some sort of crazy strategies or trying to be i think i've spent so much time thinking about efficiency you just it's really nice to get hammered by the game so much that you're much more thinking about the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay and just enjoying your drops and not thinking about in terms, well, if I use my crafting items, I won't be afford to buy a whatever. So I think it just is a very nice, fresh breath of air, and I really look forward to playing it with friends in the coming weeks because you want to do like a three, four-man run um, to see how that goes. I think that's really cool. Hmm. I would agree with that 100%, even from an SSF perspective. So normally when I'm doing like SSF at a league start, um, it will be, 
I rush through the Atlas, I'll be making my content, whatever, and then at the end of the day, I'll be looking at Peewee Ninja to see, oh, what are some of the people doing, how are they doing, and let's do some messing around in Path of Building. And I had some people say, like, oh, you'll be using Path of Building in your Ruthless gameplay? I'm like, what the fuck am I going to put in Path of Building? I'm on a one link, dude. <laughs> so, like, not having to think, and I enjoy that whole theory crafting thing, but not having any of that is is a very refreshing and it's a very relaxed way to play um, PoE. Um, because I think a really good example of that actually is um, there's a lot of choices that in some ways before you would hyper-focus, but now there's choices you would never normally make you would. So, for example, I've, I'm doing a fire trap thing um, and I spent like a good hour like, oh, actually... Should I be building towards crit? Should I maybe be going towards Ellie Overload? You know, if I did drop like an efficacy, maybe I should make more of a generic skill tree because then I'm more like flexible based on what's sort of going on and this and the other. And it was just really fun just kind of having these like silly little conversations as my stream. And I would never normally do that in a situation because I know that I know enough about Path of Exile that I can force pretty much anything mm. even in an SSF environment. Sure. Or like seeking out resistances on the tree because you exactly. know you're not going to get it on exactly. gear and stuff. Yeah, it, it's definitely. I I had a really long conversation, um, just about which bandit I was going to help in Act Two, and yeah, everyone's like, "Dude, go Alira, help Alira, dude, go Alira, go Alira." Because even you if you're not resist. crit, right? Probably. Yeah, they're like, "You yeah. need that resistance." I'm like, "Yeah, but dude, yeah. how long is it going to take me to get twenty regrets if I want to respect this?" <laughs> oh yeah. And no, that, was, that was yeah. the deciding factor. So in the end, I went for the skill points. So I'm like, I can probably get that resistance through those two skill points. Um, and just silly little things like that were really cool. And it's like that thing I mentioned earlier. It's like when I dropped a maim and a pulverize, I'm like, oh, do I make a whole new character? Like, what do I do here? And um, it's, it's cool, you know. It has like a... Sorry, no, go for it. I was just going to say true thing, and I'm looking forward to some more Ruthless, but I didn't play Ruthless after the alpha, because just what you guys already said from the challenge perspective, from the like league progression perspective, obviously, if I want to make content about the league, if I want to podcast about the league, I'm in a much better position if I ex experienced a lot of the content, right? And so I wouldn't want to put myself into that position where I'm handicapped by, by Ruthless slowing down my progression and my experience of the new additions to the league. But uh, if, if Ziggy D's Ruthless League, I don't know whether, you, because you said you unfollowed everyone and you don't follow other people's content, uh, Taki, Ziggy made like a private Ruthless League around Christmas cool. where he specifically got GGG to deactivate the trade API for that league. <laughs> cool. So people weren't nice. able to list things and it was like a, you know, hand nice. trade barter economy sort of thing. I would have loved to play that, but it was just too early in the league for me. It was the, the time of the year where like all my community plays in software trade and I wanted to play with them. And uh, so That's I mean, cool. if you get if you get Crip to make a Path of Exile video after all this time, you you won. So I'm definitely gonna try it out eventually. I'm, I'm, but I'm similar to you. Like, um, I also don't like the restrictions. For me, um, what Ruthless gives is usually something that I get off from different games, right? Like, I don't know RPGs, like open world RPGs, old school RPGs, stuff like that. Um, feels more natural to me. And Pee Wee is just kind of like the sandbox where the crazier the better. Um, but I guess yeah, I'll try it out eventually, for sure. I think also another thing as well is um. It kind of goes back to what I was saying. This is also the first league in, I think, Baycast has been going for like five or six years because I didn't know if I was going to be able to cover the secret tour. I haven't organized any podcasts. So this is my first league 
not having to be following every single fucking news post, having to read every Reddit thread, and having to constantly be informed. And it has been so amazing. Um, like, um, going into the 320 cycle before I decided I was going to block everyone do the stuff blind, because I knew that I didn't have the time to cover it, it would be like, GGG has dropped a manifesto. I'm like, I don't need to fucking read this. That felt so nice to know I don't need to read this. I don't need to see what Reddit has to think about this. I don't need to go through all the fucking discourse and make a video. And that felt Hatch so notes. refreshing. It yeah. felt so good. It felt so good. Um, and everything that I've engaged with has been purely just because of like I've chosen to engage it. Um, and a big inspiration for this, which a lot of people won't know about, is I did tweet about it, but I was at a party, um, I think it was in like November or something, and I was talking to a guy who plays WoW, and he'd been playing WoW for over 10 years, and this expansion, Dragonflight, was the first time he'd ever looked up a guide, and he was really excited about the fact that he now knows what like a DPS meter is, because he'd never had a DPS meter before. And this blew my mind, that someone could have played WoW for 10 years without doing anything, and his relationship with that game was so amazingly different. Um, and people always say, like, oh, you're so out of touch. You know, you never talk to people who don't watch content creators. Like, yeah, because they don't know I exist. How am I meant to contact someone who doesn't consume any Path of Exile content? How are we meant to be aware of each other? You know, it's this weird oxymoron. Um, so, yeah. Treating Path of Exile like a video game. Can you imagine treating a video game like a fucking video game and not a job? <laughs> I absolutely agree. This is yeah. something I've been thinking about really a lot, that Path of Exile, it feels like I'm held back by some sort of invisible chains of my own expectations. I'm expecting that my build will perform well. I don't even create video guides, so I barely do one, maybe one once a league, maybe once to every two leagues. And still I feel like, hey, you've been playing PoE for like nearly 10 years or something. You should know how the game works. You need to check out your patch notes. You need to perform well. You need to have a decent build that can kill uh, now Uber, Uber Elder or whatever there is out there. You want to have a proper strategy for the first days. Screw the sleep. You get some economy farming done, get your own, uh, set yourself up with a divine economy. And this feels, while there's some really nice anticipation to that, that where you test yourself, and it's kind of cool. At the same time, you forget that this is no longer exactly fun. And this is why Roosters and Cell Phone also sometimes feel much better to me because you say, screw all of that. I just want to have fun. I just want to enjoy the game. And I just want to play the game the way I want. And uh yeah i i i agree i completely agree i saw your tweet about that Taki. i think this was a very interesting moment mm. it also it's something i think about a lot even outside of path of exile and i'm sure you guys have experienced that before it's like a new game will come out and it's like really fun gameplay but it has no long-term meta progression maybe it's just like a deathmatch sort of thing and you're like, oh, that was really fun. And then you're like, should I queue into another game? And you're like, oh, what? what's the point? Because I'm just going to, I've played for five hours, but I've not achieved or I've not unlocked anything. So you never play it again. Even though the time that you were playing it was fun, you feel like it's wasted time. And I feel like a lot of modern day video games have this weird sort of thing built into them. And obviously that, I don't think that was a thing so much when we were younger. And I think that's very much like a new game system. And I think that's something that a lot of, new games are struggling with like every game has to be a live service and that's why 
outside of Path of Exile, the games I enjoy the most are generally like super linear, once and done sort of things or very specific niche indie experiences. Um, yeah, because also that's the thing. There's loads of live service games I would like to play, but I can't play all of them because it's impossible. So there's so many yeah. game experiences that you know you're going to miss out on. It's like you can't be playing whatever World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, Path of Exile, a million other new things that are coming out. You just can't do it, you know? I think that uh, this is just basically because games have gotten so good at, at escapism that we're having way higher expectations nowadays. It's not just um, you play the game, you have fun, right? You explore new a new world. No, it's also this has an economy, right? Um, here are websites where you can look up guides. Here is how you can be faster, right? Um, hundred YouTube videos about how to be more efficient, right? So it's it goes way more in depth, also because of the internet, obviously. And every game becomes a little bit competitive to some point. So the games that have more depth will just really suck you in, right? It's like um, I still know to to contrast what you just said. I still know a lot of people who just wait for uh, for single player RPG to come out. For example, like Hogwarts Legacy, or they're like Witcher Three or whatever, right? Um, it's just I, I think a different vibe, right? But uh, to your point. I do have that problem sometimes when I think about games I used to love to play is they have an ending and that's kind of like a turnoff for me. Even if I play Grim Dawn, it's like, well, I can play but it, but there's end. no economy. Yeah, but but there's no economy and um, other people could just like copy paste some text in and they would have a better item than I would farm naturally. And it's like, I, I always come back to this competitive sense where you're comparing yourself to others. And that's just, I think, uh, a social media slash internet kind of thing right i don't know i think um you mentioned the witcher 3 i was talking about this the other day i've had the weirdest relationship with the witcher 3 so they finally released like the next gen update but like it was meant to come out for two years there have been multiple times over the last two years where i'm like i really want to replay the witch 3 but it'd be a waste to play it now i'll wait for this update and i have wanted to play it and i've thought about wanting to play it for months and there's been multiple periods where it's like I've been in between work, I've got nothing going on, and I want to just, like, get lost in the world. But I purposely not done it because I've been waiting for this thing to maybe come out. Mm. Um, and I think that's also another big problem you have with games right now, um, and especially with, like, games where it's like, oh, but I know there's going to be a DLC for that, so there's no point in me playing that now, I'll wait for the DLC. And then by the time that DLC finally has come out, you've moved on to something else. You're doing this with 10 other different video games. It is, I think our relationship has very much changed, yeah. Haki, I, I think I have a very... Uh, I have some very sad news for you. I think this is the general consensus of what happens when you're growing older. I think everyone experiences that. You become more... Your time becomes valuable. You start valuing things like family, money, time, relationship, and so forth. And you keep telling yourself, oh, I'm going to play this thing when it's at the most peak content. But then something else overtakes it. Some real-life problem. Some in the family is sick. Or uh, something else came out. You need to take care of it. And this is genuinely disturbing on a kind of on a deeper level. But I think everyone slowly experience that and it's also at the same time it's really good when you can kind of manage to just force yourself into doing something silly and sometimes inefficient i mean um i've been kind of been thinking about that oh well i want to play a new rimworld run but I, there's some mods coming out and there's this new patch coming out and i think it should wait until it's super efficient and i had the same relationship with which is we exactly the same i've been putting off re replaying it because why would i do it there's a new big uh, hd rework coming up and 
I think I would have exactly the same thing if I've done it when I just had time and now I don't have time to do it. And it's silly. It's silly. It's it's a problem. I think uh, learning to relax is very important. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not good at it. I'm like absolutely the example you shouldn't follow there. Um, but yeah, you are speaking. You're very much speaking to me there. Yeah. I, I think... I think even deeper, what also happens is we're creating patterns when we get older, right? We played games for like, I don't know, a decade more. Um, and we have these patterns. And whenever we, at least that's how I am, whenever I'm in a game, especially in the single player game, I just can't help but see what they did kind of in the game and kind of like um, see through the world, I guess. And, oh, this is the gameplay loop they want me to follow. Oh, this is why this side character is here. This is why this is there. And if you're younger, you don't think about that. You just have your silly fun, right? And and I kind of feel like that might also might also play into it. At least for me, it kind of demystifies the whole experience a little bit. It's harder to concentrate on just the fantasy, right? At least for I me. I think um, Elden Ring is a really good example of this. I so I played a lot of Elden Ring at launch, and I purposely did that blind, and I purposely didn't mm. look up any guides or fucking anything. And the amount of people who ruined that game for themselves because like, what's the best build? Where do I get this weapon? Where do I get that? And it's just like, yeah. The whole thing that made that game special, and I think one of the things which is really interesting about Elden Ring is your second playthrough will never be as good as your first. There are a lot of other games, even the other Dark Souls games, like you can go through the second time and experience new things, but you'll never experience that world again. You will only go through that exploration once. And I think the best thing about that game was the fact that if anyone hadn't played it, played it it had basically no map markers no nothing you could mm. put your own map markers down and i actually really enjoyed making my own map and putting down my own custom map markers i've had loads of conversations um with devs and stuff i've always really liked the idea of video games based around cartography and exploration yes. of actually having to like make your own map and doing that and putting down custom markers for eldering i think is the closest i've ever gotten to that experience and sadly, I can't have that experience again with Elden Ring because I've I've already experienced that world. But yeah, that, that's what I like. Th- these quest, these question marks, ARPG, like RPGs, right? Like Skyrim, even Skyrim does this, right? Like Skyrim and even Witcher, right? Like always yeah. these question marks, and you just go from A to B, and you're you're never really looking at what's around you, right? You're just like, oh, I'm on my horse. All right, let's go to the question mark. It, it takes away so much, and I just I, I kind of look back to some of the like old school RPGs that didn't do that. And it's just magical because you're forced mm. to kind of explore everything. And every second is like, even though you don't get from A to B as fast or you don't know where to go, so you're going to waste a lot of time. It's not really wasted. It's just, I don't know. There was some kind of magic there, but yeah, kind of lost. Um, it's also why Ghost of Tsushima was my game of the year when that came out. That wasn't a particularly special game, but for anyone who played it, that had a really interesting open world formula. A lot of people said, oh, it's just like a Ubisoft game. So with that, it didn't have any markers or anything. Um, and the way that you got guided in that is if you select, you did have like a quest menu, so you could pick like, do you want to do your main quest or your side quest? Um, instead of getting like a compass that goes says go there, the entire island would react to it. So the direction of the wind would change. So all the trees would start blowing slightly mm. to the right. <laughs> so if you're like, oh, I've got, I've selected a main quest, which goes right. You just start, the wind starts blowing all the trees. So, so it doesn't point you direct to go, but it puts you roughly in the right sort of direction. Um, if there was like a random cave or like a collectible sword or something, a little like bird would maybe chirp and you'd be like, oh, there's a bird chirping. I, maybe I should go over here. So you start walking over that way. And it was a really interesting way of moving a lot of those little like silly question marks or whatever markers into diegetic in-game systems. 
And even though you're still sort of being guided roughly in the right sort of direction, it completely changed the experience. And because it was a relatively short game, that gimmick didn't make itself um, old. It's like it ended and like, okay, I got the most fun out of that. Um, I think a really good example, um, there's a YouTuber called SkillUp. I'm sure a lot of people know him. He does game reviews. Um, And he did an amazing review of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I I played like the first two Assassin's Creed, then went back to the series, and he was like, okay, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it was fun for like the first 10 hours. This game is like fucking 100 hours long. This isn't fucking fun. And it's like, you're playing it, and you're just like, please fucking end. I've had that a couple (laughs) of times with RPGs, where it's like, I'm like, please end in the next hour, because it's like, I've stopped having fun now. Like, there's better fucking that, end now. But that's also a problem with the question marks. Like, where do the question mark g- games come from, right? They come from being too big. It's like, yeah. open world, sure. But, like, at some point, the scale of the map is so big that you can't tell people to just remember this tree, right? Also, the tree is copy-pasted, so you don't even know where to go, right? But some of the old RPGs, like, for example, I always bring up the Gothic series, right? It's like, people tell you where to go, and this they're just like... Yo, you know this barn on the left? It's like, if you go left there, you're going to see some snappers. You have, have to go around that, and it's going to be over there. Or it's like a, a house in the middle of the woods, and you just have to find it yourself. It's like, that's part of the experience. It's not just XP, uh, what skills you use. That is part of it, right? And that that's just something. And it didn't have, like, that big of a world as well. It's like, at some point, it just it's just filler, right? Like, even Witcher 3, which I love, there was a lot of filler. Yeah. I don't think it started like that. I think it's just a case of, hey, it started out with completely empty maps and people were enjoying that. But then someone put, started putting minimap markets on that and that felt good and didn't feel like it was too much. I think it was Oblivion and Morrowind both had their own markets here and there. And then at some point it became more and more. And at the same time, developers were afraid, well, what if I want? put a marker there maybe someone won't find the past people have reviewed my games previously because not my but i mean theoretically people would review games previously and they did because they couldn't find the way and they would get frustrated or maybe developers put in a ton of content but players don't get to experience it in theory this is a waste of time if a lot of people don't experience the content so i think it's more of a defensive actions that was just taking way too far as it very often happens don't you think it has to do with how that they wanted to overdo themselves over and over and make bigger and bigger and bigger worlds? Because, for example, no. if you look at like Elder Scrolls or anything like that, like that that seems to kind of be the case at some point. One thousand planets in Starfield. Like, yeah, like um, <laughs> this map is bigger than this map. This map is bigger than this map. And at some point, like, how are you going to guide people other than like actually putting it on the minimap, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe this is really the case. I think it's kind of a mixed experience. Partially, it's because of that, but I also think it was just giving people kind of a way to help them explore this huge world because they were afraid that they weren't experiencing enough. I'm not exactly sure. I think potentially Elden Ring. So I've played Elden Ring as well, and. I wouldn't call it my game of the year. It was certainly incredibly refreshing. I should also say it was my first Dark Souls game and it got utterly and completely destroyed. Like to a point that I didn't imagine that it would get destroyed. I was like, okay, I heard magic is cheesing. I'm not going to use magic. And I, I actually regretted this at some point because I was just getting... I remember this one spot where it was getting slapped like all the time by this double gargoyles and every single crucible night would like give me nightmares for three hours so i was basically and i also went in blind and it kind of was a mix of super enjoyable and super not enjoyable but at the same time i'm very biased so i can't give 
exactly. My question would be if you would be playing, let's say, 10 games like that in a row, where the minimap and everything needs to be explored. I don't think this is the trick to it. I think the trick is that the things you experience are unique. Maybe the fact that you explore is also a big part of that. But the problem is with many games where you have these locations on the map, it's not just you know where to go, which takes away from the exploration. The places you get to are genuinely the same. I mean, if I think about Skyrim, Skyrim is an awesome game. And it, it's no, nice. It's There's a lot of places. <laughs> I fucking hate Skyrim. Let's just <laughs> copy-paste it. I, I do, yeah, I do agree. But I, I guess the way that I, I feel about it is... Um, Let's say the difference is there's mm -hmm. a really cool thing down down there, right? Which mm -hmm. you want to travel to. Okay, if you have a question mark on there, you're just going to go there mm -hmm. and then you're at the event. But that's very different. Let's say it's like a, a barn or something. Like a barn that has like an aura around it. I don't know. Something weird's happening. You can see it. Like what if you have to find it yourself and you see it like from afar already? And you're like, what the hell is going on, right? And on the way, there's already signs that something's happening, right? That's a very different experience, right? You're leading up to it and you're kind of like, figuring out it like oh on the way there oh there's something on the left there's like a, a blood splatter what the hell is this let's let's go go to there that's pretty cool okay there's some kind of cave all right um let's follow the trail again so th that's a very different experience in my opinion than going from a to b like just going to the i don't know i don't know how to explain it better but no it's just, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right i completely agree to you i think just think it's something else that elden ring did that was oh yeah, yeah. For, for elden ring i mean yeah it was just Elden I think yeah. was the whole package, yeah. Yeah, sure. so I think it, yeah. there's oh sorry, there's a bunch of really interesting GDC talks um about the design of Fallout New Vegas. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to the joke I made earlier about Starfield 1000 Planets. So before the kind of Ubisoft map marker thing became super prevalent, um that's how you pronounce it, but yeah, it became that became super ubiquitous with everything. You had to design very um intelligently it had to be very considered so as you were saying never think like oh we've made all these sightings what if the player doesn't see it so before you used to signpost and there was lots of purposeful designs in fallout new vegas where it's like we want the player to go in that direction so we're going to put this massive landmark in the <laughs> sky which is like you you're, you're the player's going to actually be like i yep. wonder what's over there and you guide the players through design like that and as we've gotten better and better um, randomization tools and procedural generation, mm. that's being lent on more heavily rather than um, the old school approach would be like, let's look at the real level design. And when you can copy paste something a million times, the level design becomes less interesting. So I hated Skyrim and I am passionate about how much I hate Skyrim because I adored Oblivion and I adored Morrowind. And Skyrim was like, oh, another Druga Cave? Yeah. This <laughs> I will agree. It was a little bit too far. It was it, yes, it, was, it was just it was, like it was just it was yeah. the same thing over and over and over and I'm like, oh my god. And with Starfield, and it's I feel like we're seeing less of this now. I do think that the industry has definitely calmed down, but for a long time every game had to be bigger and longer and every, it's like, oh, this game is 300 hours. It's like, no, that's not what we want. Um and when you have 1,000 planets in the new Starfield, it means that not every single planet is going to be a perfectly handcrafted experience. Do I need 1,000 planets? No. If you said we had 10 planets, I'd be like, 10 planets? Dude, that's awesome. Um, Knights of the Old Republic is one of my favorite video games, one of the best video games ever made. How many places did we go to in that game? Yeah, but the places are well-crafted, that's the thing. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Intentional yes, design. Absolutely. Um... 
And, and also, I've I think this... open world okay. has sorry, maybe open world has pushed that a little bit too far. Where now, um, um, I guess I, I don't know how to call this in English actually, but like you don't have to be true open world. You can kind of have like sections, right? Mm. Um, like I don't I don't think giving the player that much decisions is always the right play, because uh, that way you can also direct people into certain like areas, right? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things, that, there's lots of ways that you can, like, guide a player into maybe going a certain way. It's like, if you have a, then you get into, like, enemy level scaling, and that's another interesting thing. It's oh, like, oh, I hate it. Oh, my yeah. God, I hate it. Dude, in, in Gothic, right, you, at the start, if you go into the wrong direction, mm -hmm. you get fucking one-shot by a troll, mm -hmm. and it's like, this is awesome, right? And if that had level scaling, oh, my God, it's like, that is also how you open up a world, right? Like, mm -hmm. you, you have enemies that don't scale to your level. You know you can't go there. That also restricts... You have this open-world feeling, but you restrict where you can go naturally, right? Um, uh, RuneScape, yeah. I think, was a really good example of that as well. You're like, oh, I wonder what's this direction. It's like, yo, this guy beats my shit in. Well, I'll get stronger, and then maybe I can exactly. come back and I can explore this area. Yeah. That was actually one of my biggest pet peeves with Witcher 3. Is so that was an open world, and it's like, oh, there's a question mark. I want to go find that question mark. So I spend fucking 15, 20 minutes walking to a question mark. I get there's like, oh, it's level like 90 Leshen, and I'm level fucking three, so I can't do anything. And I've just yeah. spent 20 fucking minutes walking to you. So now I'm gonna have to fuck. And because that was the thing where the game pushed me to go that way rather than I decided myself, that's not a like, oh, I'll come back when I'm stronger. It's a, you've wasted my fucking time, screw you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this comes down to, again to the point you've mentioned, Taki, that it comes down to that generating a well-handcrafted world where things are not just random, but actually designed in a clever way is very, very hard. So the reason why Elden Ring or works, for instance, for me, one of the best games is this Colosseum. It's another game without oh, any yeah. kind of map markers, mm, any kind game. of super clever... Um, Oh, super huge UI that guides you around. It's just a game where you need to explore and put some thoughts into that and get yourself through the content. But it is really, really rough to come up with such content, especially if you know how uh, all of these companies now, they work with this super clustered things where one single person is designing maybe a chicken or something for a month, and then someone else designs a single quest, or they're working. It's really hard to make works of arc if everyone works in a decentralized way. So I think yeah. this is why a lot of uh, companies just go for this Ubisoft formula of map markers, streamlight, red line quest, and then you have some optional objective and level scaling. I absolutely agree. I think level scaling is one of the worst things I've seen, but it's also partially just necessary because the world is not up to the point where you can play it in a um, nice way. I mean, Elden Ring kind of does it even intentionally. I mean, remember this crazy stupid chest that teleported me into the cave of shrimps, and I, I absolutely loved and hated every second of it. Um, yeah. But it was somewhat memorable. It's also the whole thing with um, vertical versus horizontal power mm -hmm. progression, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves with a lot of games have now forced RPG systems into it, which they don't. Um, I think the best thing when I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking hate this game, is when you have a game which forces you to unlock things that the game should just fucking have. So it's like, oh, I need to unlock stealth kills in a game where I have to use fucking stealth kills. 
I think the only way that's fine, uh, I know exactly what you're saying. I think the only way that's fine if you kind of build into sort of a tutorial right at the start, right? That's fine. If you have like a one, two hour where you unlock everything and it's basically just a glorified tutorial, just, yeah. I think that's fine. But otherwise, yeah, it's, it's cringy. Um, or it's like, because it, I'm trying to think of games that have done that. Um, I know I quite liked Horizon Zero Dawn. There were a few things in there. Some of the Spider-Man games. There are some things where it's like, my character should just have this ability unlocked. And it's a choice of, do I? It's not like a meaningful thing. It's like, it seems like some games are trying to be like immersive Sims. And like, oh, but you have a million different options. Like, no, these are mandatory choices. So I know I'm going to spend my first 10 levels unlocking these mandatory picks. That isn't fun. No. Um, yeah. Video games are hard. Making games Sorry, is hard. I had to step out for a moment here. I was listening. I just had to bathroom, and my cat was outside, yeah. and it's below zero here second. again. I'll, so I'll, I'll make sure. Okay, now I can go. One second. <laughs> um, it's not just making video games. Making any making anything is hard. I've had a lot of very interesting experience with um, GMing. D and D and stuff like that, and mm. like, okay, so how am I going to make this thing? And that whole thing of like, okay, I'm going to have all these different plot hooks. Now, how I'm going to have these plot hooks so that the player doesn't get lost? And I think a really interesting thing, and it, game design has a similar thing of it, is so an example between a good GM and a bad GM in Dungeons and Dragons. A good GM will come up with like a puzzle room, and they'll probably be like, okay, there's lots of ways that players could solve this puzzle. And I'm sure there's ways that I don't even know of. And if the players give me something which sounds like, yeah, this could be a thing to do, I'll accept it. A bad GM will be like, no, there is one way to solve this puzzle. And I'm going to sit here until the players either solve it or give up. Um, and I think there's a lot of game design crossover with that. And I always find it really interesting how like, every fucking video game is inspired by like really old school RPG systems. And then it's like they're stuck with the digital, and it's like we, there's there's this weird middle ground. It's very rare that you find something which actually really works perfectly. Um, I was ranting about this the other day. I really like the Pathfinder video games, and I really enjoy CRPGs and all those role playing games. But nothing irritates me more when you have a CRPG that has useless feats, like oh, you are a dragon slayer. But this game doesn't have any fucking dragons in it. But we've put the Dragon Slayer feat in there because it has to be there for roleplay. And it's like, I can't roleplay as a fucking Dragon Slayer. There aren't any dragons to slay in your fucking video game. And when I pick <laughs> the Dragon Slayer feat, I didn't know there weren't any dragons. And now I feel like I fucked up because at the end of the video game, I didn't have any dragons to fucking slay. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Uh Quickly, I have tons of things that you already moved on from certain topics that I wanted to hook in, which is fine. But I got someone waiting to come onto the podcast who probably has a lot of insight and uh, good, valuable input for this gaming discussion. And it's none other than Tanky. So let, let's uh, pull him in and give him a chance to say hi. Welcome, Tanky. How, how have you been? Welcome. Hi. 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 I've been nice. busy. quite good. How are you? How many steps have you done this week, Tanky? <laughs> Not very many. Mm. Oh, I have to turn my camera back up. Yeah, you have to do that manually. It's like 
Yeah, and then I have to turn it on because it's okay. like, you know, Discord is being oh. careful so that I, I don't, yeah, so I have to double click this. Well, you've got a hologram effect. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, one second. I think I broke it. No, keep it, dude. Sick. Yeah, you look like you're like, uh, you know, you're hologramming in from Coruscant from the, yeah, the uh, Jedi that's... Temple. That's what happens if you have bad lighting and set your camera to 60 frames a second and it tries to compensate. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, we, yeah, we talked a lot foil about... Thank you. Uh, foil, thank you. Nice. These gaming topics, uh, to, to, I, I think I'll quickly give my input, uh, what I wanted to say, because I had this uh, thing I wanted to say earlier when you were talking about how hard it is to get into a game that doesn't offer a meta progression because it feels like wasting your time. And for the longest time, I had to actually get into a game that has a meta progression like Path of Exile because when I got back into gaming after a decently long hiatus around uh, 2009, where I had this terrible, terrible experience where I've been playing... I played like Sims 2 for like two weeks straight, like really every day, like 10 hours. And then my file got corrupted, my safe game and my, my multi-generation family with all the wealth and everything was lost. All the work that I put into building the house, uh, you know, over multiple generations, like I say, like all the upgrades, the little balconies and, and stuff, everything was gone. And then I was just completely done with gaming for like two years and started just, you know, whenever I felt like doing a session, I was like just doing beats, right? I had this drum computer and I would just load up some samples and just cut the samples and make like a drum line and flip the sample and, and try and make a bass line. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. And then some friend of mine got me into League of Legends. And what really caught me in League of Legends was that- He's every... not a friend. Friends don't let friends play League of Legends. That's 2009, 2009 League of Legends was like a secret tip, right? It was like, a you know, that that's actually the next Dota. That's actually really good. Only later on, when you recommended League in like 2014, then you're not a friend. But if you recommended it in 20, uh, 2009, it was it was a really cool game to play back then. And um, yeah, what I really enjoyed about it was that every match was self-contained. Sure, there was a little bit of meta progression, you know, with rune pages and, and unlocking champions, which you could bypass with a little bit of money. But uh, other than that, every match was self-contained. You started and you knew, hey, in an hour from now, unless something goes terribly wrong, in an hour from now, I'm out and I'm done with the game. And going from that into Path of Exile, I really enjoyed the short-term races in Path of Exile because they were self-contained. They were like, I know I'm going to game for two hours at this time. I'm going to be done. I'm going to have like a meaningful or a more or less meaningful result to my gaming experience, but it's not going to have any bearing on my future gaming. And it took me a really long time to actually like start enjoying three-month leagues. That's just what I wanted to say. That's all I had. So you had the reverse experience, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I definitely have had this problem where there's games that I've wanted to play, but I'm like, well, I haven't been here since day one, and there's no point me starting to play now because everyone else has been playing this game for however many years, so I'm instantly so far behind. It's pointless me even playing it, which is mm. fucking stupid, and that's just my brain just ruining fun. Um, yeah. I... As stupid as that can be, and as much as I've run into the same thing, there are some games where no matter how much you try to catch up, you just can't. Either by the game's design system, a lot of Korean MMOs, they're really not designed so that you can complete them within a few months or even a couple years. You either spend tens of thousands of dollars or complete them over half a decade. 
And then there's some games like World of Warcraft where the meta has just progressed so much because it's such a well-developed and old game that, yeah, you're going to be really far behind if you're starting World of Warcraft today. And you're going to have to catch up to almost the culture to even understand why people are angry at you that you're doing this thing in the raid that you thought was completely correct. The My favorite thing about the WoW thing, and it's my go-to example, um, is so a lot of modern day WoW dungeons are kind of, they're built in squares or circles and you can choose to go left or you can go right. And a meta will form where everyone just automatically goes left. Like a conversation doesn't happen you will get screamed at because you went right. It takes the exact same amount of time. Like, you haven't actually done anything wrong, but because you aren't aware of that one meta thing of, wait, this fucking moron went right? Fuck you! And it will be a massive, like... And it's just because of the tiniest thing. And there are so many systems like that. It's why a lot of MMOs struggle with finding tank players because there are people who are like, oh, I would enjoy doing this thing, but I don't want to be shouted at, so I'm not going to do that. And there's just a lot of real... Um, knowledge that you gain through time, but also just a lot of automatically stuff um, that you don't realize. There's um, a really interesting video game YouTube series. I can't remember his YouTube channel begins with R. Um, it escapes me right now. And he gets Rasputin. His... Yes. Um, and there's lots of series with him and his wife playing games. And she, if I remember correctly, it was Shovel Knight she really struggled with because you could move both left and right in that game. Um, and the game she he'd made her play before that were 2D. She was always moving to the right. So when suddenly there was a game where she could go left to find sudden rooms that fucked with her head. Um, oh, was that the gaming for non-gamers kind of? Yes, it's yeah, that yeah, series. I remember that. Really yeah. good series. Excellent series. Yeah. Um, and there are so many weird things that you just automatically assume uh, just from stuff that we've learned from 30 years of playing games and this, that, and the other. It's really interesting, all that stuff. Yeah, it's like intrinsically, you know what a flask means, right? Yeah. Or you know what a bow means but that's because like we've played it so long it's like yeah or even a barrel yeah, yeah. you you click on it and it explodes and something drops out of it like all these small things kind of like add up right to having sort of a, a knowledge base well it's which... also now like if imagine if you, we were to play like a new shooting game we shoot the red barrel and it doesn't fucking explode you'd be like what the fuck Crazy. yeah you know True thing. I remember there was one game where I tried to shoot barrels and they didn't explode, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, but that was a weird game anyway. We were talking about Torchlight Infinite earlier, and I mentioned that you've been working uh, with the devs closely, Tanky, and you also are very passionate about the game. And since we all have a little, I mean, other than Palstrone, we have limited experience or limited impressions from the game. I was curious whether you would like to uh, tell us exactly what you think makes Torchlight Infinite a potential competitor to PoE. What what promises? What what gives promise to its success? Sure. The biggest thing about Torchlight Infinite, in comparison to a lot of the other ARPGs that have released recently, there's for a long time been a trend where ARPGs copy Diablo. Even Path of Exile did this, especially in its early days. Torchlight Infinite feels like the first ARPG that is designed not to copy Diablo, but to copy PoE instead. A lot of the game systems are far more similar to what you'd expect from Path of Exile. They've set up a lot of very close paradigms in terms of internal game mechanics 
to the point where if you understand PoE's mechanics very well, you can at least get a good idea of how something works in Torchlight Infinite. A good example of this is in Torchlight Infinite, there's an ailment called Shock. This is very similar to Impale from PoE, where over 12 hits, you deal a percentage of the hit's damage as secondary lightning damage, scaling, of course, off your hit. But the unique spin that Torchlight Infinite puts on it is you can settle this damage multiple times. So instead of doing the full damage over 12 hits, if you settle it twice, you're now doing the full damage over six. If you settle it four times, you're now doing it over three. And in theory, if you could settle it 12 times, you're doing that full extra damage all in one big chunk. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good point, right? Like, um, a lot of people, a, a lot of ARPGs did try and copy D3, and they, or, or sorry, Diablo in general, and they did kind of go backwards because they didn't really realize that PoE is kind of like a, I don't know, uh, an evolution of Diablo, you could say for the current times almost. Um, but yeah, this this game, I mean, if you start it, it's blatantly rips off some of the things of PoE and builds upon a lot of stuff. And what I, what I kind of find fascinating about the game is I always say it has no pretentiousness. Like there's no, um, like there's no pickup range. If you click on an item, it gets sucked into you, and it's like you would think that you would have to walk there to pick it up, but no. And why did they do that? It's like because it's more fun, right? Because it's more fun. Why do they show you where a unique drops? Like if you find a unique and you go on, or if you go to the auction house and there's like a a thing where you can see where you can drop that item. Why did they do that? Why wouldn't you just go to the wiki and look it up? Or it tells you what the corruption outcomes are. There's something similar to Valorbs, right? It just tells you right there. It's like, well, because it's more fun. You don't have to like tab out. So so very often these questions that we're just answering with, well, because that's the way it is, is answered by, well, no, this is more fun. So so that's kind of like the, the path that the game's going. That's just kind of... It's refreshing. Let's put it that way. It's refreshing. Well, it, it's also, basically, it's getting to make a Path of Exile clone, but with the knowledge learned from Path of Exile. Yeah, for um, sure. So I mean, it's getting yeah, to yeah. bypass a lot of the of mistakes course. and you saying stuff like the pickup range or this, that, and the other. Yeah. yeah. And also, one thing that's evolved over, especially the last three months, though I think the game's entire history, is player feedback. Originally, you couldn't see where things dropped, and players struggled with that. Players had to go to a wiki that was based off of data mining of the Chinese client. And it was really confusing because you'd have words that just didn't make any sense. You'd have things literally in Chinese that people couldn't read. And everyone's like, where does this item drop? I can't find it. And the developers took that feedback on board and said, all right, now there's a button that says drop source on every item. You will know where it drops 100%. And this taking feedback on board, putting their own spin on it, is something that we haven't seen too often with other games. And it's really a huge advantage that Torchlight Infinite has right now. So I've played some Last Epoch. I'm not super, super invested in it. But a lot of the people I know who are madly into Last Epoch say very similar things about it. And I, again, I think it's it's the advantage of making an ARPG now with the inspirations of Path of Exile and the lessons learned from it. Um, and it's why I've always said that I'm probably most interested in in 30, 40 years' time when you get the people who leave GGG and they make their spiritual successor to PeeWee. You know, that would be very interesting. And, and when I say that, I mean, it's the random guy right now who's interning or like a you random like, person. You mean like Go. what kind of essence of an ARPG is left? 
Is that what you're... Well, yeah, because it's like, so Path of Exile was the spiritual successor to Diablo 2. And we're now starting to see games who, like, no, we want to be the spiritual successor to Path of Exile. Um, and it's going to be very interesting seeing how it evolves going forward. And it's why just indies are amazing. I know we're currently talking about Torchlight, um, which is a bigger situation. But it's like, when you have those innovations and you're having people who are being inspired by and doing their own twists on it, it's like the whole thing with... Um, after Vampire Survivors, everyone started doing Vampire Survivor clones, but now we're starting to see ones which are doing unique takes on it. Um, so it's just going to be really interesting seeing over the next five, ten years, or even further, how ARPGs continue to develop and grow now that new formulas are being shown. It's like, I remember when the concept of maps was new and exciting. Now it's assumed every RPG will have a map system. I'll be curious to see what the next like evolution of that is going to be. I don't even know about evolution, right? I mean, you could, yeah, I also said evolution, but in general, maybe it's just like it adapts to the tight guys that we currently have, right? It adapts yeah, to, the, course, to yeah. the current, like, for example, um, I don't know, when, when Diablo 2 came out, it, like, you don't, you can't really go to a wiki because most people, if they have a screen, have one screen, right? That's pretty much average. And the internet wasn't that sophisticated, so there wasn't a wiki for everything. Um, and over time, like these demands are kind of being like met by new games. It's, it's like, yeah, everything gets more complicated, but there's also an infrastructure to make it more complicated, right? So so I think that's just going to happen like with, uh, with AI and virtual reality and augmented reality. I'm sure we're going to see adaptions to that. But I think what I'm interested in is the, what remains throughout all of this, what kind of like essence that makes an RPG kind of stays constant throughout all those evolutions or whatever you call it, right? Yeah. And I think if you ask the developers of Torchlight Infinite what makes an ARPG, they'd say a loot-based gaming experience. Yep. So this kind of goes back to the little rant I had earlier about CRPGs. And I think all RPGs and ARPGs have this, is there is a lot of baggage. There's, I always, um, I say that uh, Joshua Soy is like my, my biggest crush. He has a really good talk about the development of Pillars of Eternity. And how he doesn't like classless systems and when he wanted to make his new thing and the amount of stats um because that was a kickstarter backed game people are like no no you have to have this many stats no, no you have to have this many classes and it's because because that's what Baldur's gate had um and there's lots of things now that when people go to make the next arpg like, no no you have to have this system because diablo had that system and you have to have this because path of exile had that and there are things that you just automatically assume like games will have mana do we still think mana is a fun system? Some games make mana work. You know, you must have this, you must have that. And, you know, it's always interesting seeing that. Um, Identifying yeah, I think, items is a big one. I think um, ARPGs are probably one of the most baggage-heavy genres. Um, you know. Yeah. I also yeah, think and... it's sorry. I don't think it's necessarily healthy that all games need to compare themselves to PoE, and their um, success is sometimes measured by how they compare to PoE or Diablo. Because I don't necessarily think PoE, every game needs to be like PoE. In a way, PoE is a crazy game. People come to play it again every three months. There's this crazy economy, and I've heard this argument before. I've been listen before I joined the chat. The fifth, uh, oh, the, before I joined the um, podcast five minutes before that you've been discussing this topic that a game is not will not be successful because it won't be adding uh, economy to the game and i'm thinking 
this is absolutely not what I think about the success of a game. You can't add things on top of each other as much as you want and have it successful. Adding an economy into a game means you will need to make this scarcity of certain items were completely different, which means your game enjoyment, if you don't trade, will be much worse. Compared to... Uh, to the example of Harvest. Like Harvest was reworked a bunch of leaks ago to include trading. But before that, people were already trading just in a way that GEG didn't like. So they added trading and the people that had been trading before are now saying, well, I've been trading before. Why the Harvest is just getting gutted and I'm not getting anything. And you have not been trading before. You are saying, well, I haven't been trading before and now something gets added that is not being used. And I'm getting nerfed. So everyone hates that. And adding a new complex system onto a game is an incredibly hard and really, really complex system. So if you want to have a game that lasts for ages or even centuries or even years, where people keep coming back, you need to take certain trade-offs. I don't necessarily think we need just games like PvE. I think it's perfectly fine if something like Diablo will be successful for like two or three years or have uh, Diablo 4 will be a great game with a nice arcade experience. I don't think it necessarily needs to mimic uh, to be, Diablo To be 2. fair, the, the discussion you're referring to was about Last Epoch, and they made ah. clear that they want to be like over a decade or long. They, mm -hmm. they want to make that kind yeah. of game. So that's where I said basically that uh, economies are necessary because I can't think of a game that doesn't have that kind of player interaction that people are like, I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure they don't just want to sell the game. They also want to have like a support system every league right it's sort of like poe yes like, otherwise how oh. would they like and, and that's what that's where that okay. came in obviously okay, like I, I play a lot of single player games like obviously yeah yeah I, okay. I agree if you're wanting to stick into the arpg market for years well maybe you don't think or maybe a different system would work as well but sure I can't tell it. I really can't tell it. But I think in the multiplayer scenario, a certain sense of economy is probably required. But maybe it will be get proven wrong as well. I don't know. I think it's really important to say that the way... I think what we see right now is just a small, tiny... Okay, so imagine that there's like a whole sea and everywhere, if you go into the water, you'll drown. But in that water, there are islands that are basically forming potential concepts that work. And these islands are everywhere. But if you would like chart the what like north and south, let's say it's how much uh, do how much trading do you have there? And let's say west and east is how complex the game is. It's not like there's just a peninsula of concepts where everything there is working and everything outside of it is not working. There's a whole bunch of complicated combinations and interweaving of systems that might work. So I think that a lot of things that we just have not explored yet. I think there's like a lot of potential for completely different ARPGs that don't necessarily need to mimic PoE because I've been seeing games like Undecember. One of the biggest criticisms was, well, it's basically PoE with pay-to-win added on top. And I don't think that's necessarily needed. I mean, we have games that are completely different from PoE. One of the reasons I enjoyed Lost Ark, even if I didn't stuck to that, was because it was something completely different. And I absolutely loved just swimming across the sea on the ship and exploring the game. And I didn't actually care much about the whole tiering and progression system and got bored of that over time. And I do enjoy playing. I did do remember how I played Titan Quest, and it was perfectly fine for what it was. And I think games like Sacred were also totally fine for what it was. So Tortured 1 or Tortured 2 was a completely different experience. I think we need to step down from PoE and saying that PoE is the one single grail. PoE is a great game, and I super enjoy it and come back to it every three months. But I don't think the 
quintessence of a game should be having the same monetary and play style model where you keep returning. And maybe, I mean, Torchlight Infinite with its mobile game style is already something completely different. I think with the mobile style, you basically force onto yourself that wikis are not quite as important because you're already using the one screen that you have. So this kind of, I, I really hope that we'll see different iterations of games instead of just trying to copy Diablo or BOE for a while. So that's yeah, what yeah. I was saying earlier yeah. about um, the good thing about the indie space right now, because the problem that PeeWee has is PeeWee is now the world of Warcraft of ARPGs. Mm. It's like when we had that massive MMO boom um, and a new MMO would come out with loads of potential, but, like, but it can't compete with WoW, because WoW has all this extra content just through baggage of time and whatever. Yes. And now you're starting to see new games come out, but in MMOs it's very difficult because it's such an expensive type of game to make. Um, but yeah, we're seeing this a lot now, where a new ARPG, which does have potential, instantly gets discredited because it cannot compete with the amount of content that Path of Exile has, and Path of Exile has just become this goliath of ARPGs because it's I don't been even think so that... long. I don't even think that Path of Exile like pushes out that sort of competition. I think it's just that once we have an RPG that's like different, we'll see it. I I still think that that stuff co comes to the top. Like once we have somebody who actually has enough vision to like push aside all the preconceived notions that we have of RPGs and push out something unique, I'm pretty sure that goes to the top. It's like Vampire Survivors. Like why is it that like it doesn't ha didn't have any marketing right like it's it's just a good ass game and everybody was like yo you want to play this game it's really good yeah sure and then it like grew to what it is now right the funny thing about Vampire Survivors is it was a clone oh yeah yeah I didn't yeah. even know I mean <laughs> there was a, I I've got it on my phone I should probably check what the app was there was a mobile game that came out first and the dev of Vampire Survivors even said he was really heavily inspired by this others but like survivors have been a thing for a while on mobile I'll see if I can find it. Uh, Magic Survival uh, came out first, and the guy who made it said that Magic Survival was a big inspo. It, you get it on, it's on the Andrus and all that. It's really good. Um, and yeah, so basically, it's just he took that game, he liked certain elements of it, um, and did his own little thing with it. And we're now seeing games which are coming out, which are doing their own spin on Vampire Survivors. Um, and it just so happened it was a very cheap type of game for him to copy. But it is amazing how, like, one-to-one -one a lot of things in it. And Vampire Survivors is a great game. Um, I'd highly recommend it. I'm loading up on my phone. I don't know how well you can see. Yeah, look at that beautiful gray. It's got this really interesting, like, art style to it. Uh, let's just start a random run. You guys can talk over me or whatever. Um, and da-da-da-da. You're a little guy with your auto attack, and you move around. Oh, it's fucking Vampire Survivors, and this came out first. Oh, yeah, awesome. Right, you guys can. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the case for basically everything that kind of ever like got big, right? You have a few people who do it before, kind of giving you like kind of test ground, kind of I don't know, like uh, even Facebook stuff like that, right? Like it's yeah. it's never the the first idea is never the one that makes it sort of sort of thing, right? It's the same with builds. Like you can't make an original build in PoE; it doesn't exist because there's gonna be people on YouTube who did it before. You're always going to be inspired by somebody, right? So um, mm. I guess what I mean is take that vision and have the vision to put it into a, a kind of like a, I don't know, a, a nice package so that it can actually compete with PoE, right? Like somewhere where it's it just floats to the top normally, like just like organically. It, it also, it, yeah. it's luck. You yes. know, a lot of people forget oh, yeah. about how much, especially with indie dev, how much oh, yeah. is luck. There are amazing, amazing games on Steam 
um, that people don't fucking know about. And it's also, it's funny, like, you can load up a game on Steam, and it's like, oh, it's only got, like, a a positive review score. I'm not even going to waste my time spending the £1.20 to buy the yeah, same. Like, it's, it's only positive. It's not even overwhelmingly positive. Ugh. That's totally true, right? You have, like, one big streamer picking it up, and it's like everybody now has a, has their eyes on it, and it's like, okay, this game's awesome, and then it just snowballs from there, right? Um, like, Carnage does that a lot, for example. What right? was the fucking Among Us... It's called Among Us. I'm like, what's the stupid Among Us game? Among Us is the best example. That game had been out for years before it blew up, and then it just so happened became a stream game. Salem. Uh, I think the original version was called Town of Salem or something. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember if I had a different game or other. But like, it, people act as if that didn't exist. Like they'd been out for a while, and it just randomly blew up in the uh, YouTube and streamers there long after launch. Yeah. I think going back to Last Epoch for a minute. Last Epoch is in a really precarious position now. When they first started developing the game. There wasn't really much going on in the ARPG market. You had Path of Exile, and you had Diablo 3. Those existed over here. Oh, my hand is getting turned into digital <laughs> snow. Uh, then you also had the really old games. Diablo 2, Titan Quest, Grim Dawn. I guess Grim Dawn isn't old, but it's in the older style. And those were over here. Last Epoch seemed to be an attempt to blend the two genres. A lot of its core gameplay elements draw from things like Diablo 2, draw from things like Grim Dawn, but then attempt to modernize them in a more progressive way, like we saw with Path of Exile. And at least originally, they were planning to have a cycle-based live service model. And this is where I really think they've run into a huge problem now. Because in 2023, we have Path of Exile going into Path of Exile 2, Diablo 3 going into Diablo 4. We have Torchlight Infinite that's quite well established. We have Lost Ark, which is ARPG adjacent. And we have an explosion in the market of other games that are either adjacent to or directly in the genre. And on top of all of this, they said they don't want trade. They primarily want a solo self-found experience. And this is where I think they're going to stumble because they both want a seasonal live service-based model. And they also want something that feels like it has a much bigger strength in the single player play through the game and you're done kind of genre. A lot of way their content has been portrayed in a lot of ways that I've experienced the content feels really, really, really good when I'm playing through it once. But by the time I'm doing it the 40th or 50th time, I'm like, I really wish I could go buy that item so I didn't have to do this another 50 times. And my concern is, unless they develop an absolutely massive amount of content for their cycles, basically a DLC or expansion level, people aren't going to want to come back and they're not going to keep playing without that economy to be the driver of, oh, but I can do all these things and buy these cool items and interact with these other players and maybe get really rich. And that's my gameplay loop. I wonder... I, yeah, sorry. Good. I wonder if that is correct. I, I'm not sure. I think at least partially, there's a bunch of people who think exactly like that. I think there's also a group of people who think exactly in the reverse way. And this argument has been brought up before on this chat before. We have been t telling that 
people don't want to engage with a specific multiplayer game because they feel that they are left behind and they have to learn more and they have to invest more and so forth. And there are actually very strong contenders on the market, namely PoE, and I'm pretty sure Diablo 4 also wants to be very multiplayer-y. So I think in a sense, it's much easier to give a player a good gameplay experience than a small single-player tune. At the same time, you can also kind of strike a good mix. For instance, I, luckily, I don't play League of Legends anymore, but I did get stuck up on a small League of Legends spin-off that is called TFT that I wildly enjoy because uh, Teamfight Tactics, I know it's also a spin-off of another game. It's just a nice little game that can play with friends and it feels very disconnected from all of the chatting, which is basically the worst part of League of Legends, and all of the parts of the things I dislike, but at the same time, it has this nice multiplayer, but at the same time, nearly single-player type progression. So if last epoch would go, let's say, into letters, where you can still get like MTX prizes, but you still have to get, can try to compete for the best uh, ranks in last epoch or something like that, I think that would be interesting. I don't think you necessarily need a market to be successful in this. A market is a fine thing to have, and I think it's in one way to play. But maybe it shouldn't be the only one. In many ways, some of the things, some of the reasons why I avoid softcore is exactly the market in PoE. So they're just the trade PoE economy. I do like playing it, but sometimes it feels like it's more of a crutch or more of an annoyance where I'm actually spending more time doing um, exo sheet like gameplay instead of actually enjoying the gameplay itself. So. Uh, I agree that not going for an economy in a game might be a mid-term drawback, but PoE and Diablo 4 will go into economy. So maybe not going into one will actually distinguish it from the co um, oh, from a competition. Uh, I'm gonna cool. have to I'm gonna have to dip out now. But uh, thank you for having me. Nice Congrats on the again. episode 100, and uh, yeah, have a good one, yeah. everybody. Thanks so much yeah. for coming See on and sharing your thoughts. It was great. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I mean, not um, so much PoE discussion, but it was good. <laughs> so I, I was going to say, so I haven't been following Last Epoch at all, and as someone who plays ARPGs as an SF player, hearing they're sticking and committing to that is the most exciting Last Epoch news I've heard in a long time, because it's like I played its uh, early alpha, uh, and then I've dipped in now and again. I've been like, oh, I'll come, out, come check it out at some point. Uh, hearing that is really interesting, and I think what you were saying about how it having that focus distinguishes it, I completely agree. I think there's a big misconception currently that every game has to be the next... Oh, I've actually unplugged my thing, I'll fix that. Every game <laughs> has to be the next biggest thing. Um, and it's a big problem that you have with video games in general, is the fact that every single video game doesn't need to make all of the money. I think the games will do better by just leaning heavily into the niche. Just go like, okay, this is the niche. We're going to lean into this uh, and accept that. Um, I, and I agree 100% yeah. there. Yeah. Embrace and, the niche. Yeah. Where my concern comes in is specifically because they seem to want to make a sustainable live service model. And looking at a game like, say, Diablo 3, that economy-wise, or I guess... Multiplayer-wise, not even economy-wise, because they didn't have one after they removed the Real Money Auction House. But multiplayer-wise, is much similar to what Last Epoch seems to be going for. And a lot of people, when I talked to them about Diablo 3 for years and years, said, oh, well, the new season isn't that different than the old one. 
Uh, I'll, I'll wait five or six seasons, and hopefully when they come out with a new expansion, I'll come back to the game. So my worry is, if Last Epoch isn't able to pump out a lot of really big game changes, new content, without the economy, people won't have enough reason to come back to it season after season after season to continue to sustain their development cycle. But they can think... just do that. So, like, Reaper of, yeah. Reaper of Souls was good, and I enjoyed Reaper of Souls once it came out. Agreed, 100%. The reason I stopped playing it was because they stopped supporting the game. So if Last exactly. Epoch is committed to supporting the game, then they'll be fine. It's like, Diablo 3 would still be a massive, massive thing if they just fucking supported the game. Yes, they, exactly. They yeah. fixed... They didn't make the game a lot of us wanted, but with Reaper of Souls, they fixed a lot of its issues... It had this massive resurgence. I sunk thousands of hours in Trooper of Souls. I stopped playing it because they just stopped fucking supporting it. And by the time they started making seasons interesting, I'm like, I'm done. I don't care anymore. You exactly. Know? And the seasons were never exactly that interesting. They were usually fairly small, fairly predictable changes. I don't think the economy would make me want to play Diablo 3 more. Maybe it would make me want to play it less. But it definitely wouldn't be a sell argument to me. I think it comes down to the quality of content. I think if Last Epoch will be developing content or, well, content on the level of Pass of Exile, and it would support the same level, something like Battle Passes on a similar level, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind it at all. I think it just comes down to treating the player fairly, don't messing with their time, producing good content. I don't think the economy is something specifically I want in ARPGs. In the end, what I want to have is some sort of individuality. I want to have this cool loot experience. I want to have good boss fights, some sense of progression, and an in general interesting core gameplay loop. And at no point do I feel like... In fact, I think sometimes the economy feels cheaty. If I play a softcore and I buy some items that like provides me a ton of advantages, and this thing costs for like three chaos, this doesn't feel like it's an earned upgrade. It feels like I cheated. So some, I don't uh, accept like any freebies in games. I don't I'd like to abuse bugs because it feels like this is not how the game was developed. For instance, like when I play RimWorld, and RimWorld is one of my most favorite games, I feel like people are, oh, you can abuse the AI in this way, but I don't want to. I want to have this kind of book-like, pre-made, wonderful experience that the game developers have come up with. And the economy feels like a shortcut instead of actually something that would earn it a long-term experience. And I don't actually, for instance, I never get what Grimm and someone else and, and um, YouTubers like that are about. I mean, I understand their audience, I understand what videos they do, but I don't see a long-term motivation to pump up numbers. Every POE league for me is about the league, about the exploration, about the new bosses, but I don't have any motivation to have like 2,000 divines. That doesn't matter to me. I would maybe for one league go for some goal, like I want to have a mirror, I want to have a headhunt, I want to have a mageblood. So in this league, I was fairly lucky with one change, with one ancient op for that. But um, usually this is not my goal. So I don't, yeah, to I need to cut short my monologues, but um, to end, I don't think economy at any end is something that is necessary for an APG to succeed. I think they can absolutely get, get a good APG without an economy if the content is good. I would also say that a lot of uh, this kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier. A lot of what would have been ARPGs are now roguelikes because a lot of it is shifted mm -hmm. in that way. So my favorite video game, finally, fucking Battle Brothers, let's go! The best video game ever made. 
Finally. Um, you can you play your run, you go through, and then eventually you end, you start again. That hasn't got an economy. It's just every now and again they might make a DLC or do something. Even if they never support that game ever again, I will continue to play it. There are people still playing shit like Slay the Spire now or this, that, and the other. When if you can have a system where like the core fundamental is good enough, people still play D two ladder resets, right? Um, if you have a good enough core, and then you have either some sort of ladder system where you're doing a reset, and maybe with that you can bring out a new battle pass or whatever, you can continue to support the game that way. People are still playing Binding of Isaac, people are still playing um, Darkest Dungeon, yes. and a lot of those games, like, that is basically the ARPG formula if we're going to collect loot, we're going to make a build, it's just been shifted slightly to, you're going to kill a boss it's going to drop one of these three things what am i going to do i'm going to make a build i'm going to play through for a couple of days or weeks and then i'll go again the next one it's the same shit maybe that's why sanctuary is also so successful because it kind of encompasses a smaller arpg in a large arpg mm-hmm. but i think fundamentally you're completely right i think it's a very interesting thought that i mean it is kind of natural but it's very interesting that it, i also see it with myself that roguelikes the Cruel roguelikes go exactly to the same crowd as RPGs. It's kind of the same enjoyment of randomness, creativity, and self-expression, and just slaying tons of monsters. So yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree. I think if the RPGs go more into a roguelike aspect, I think there's a lot of potential for, let's say, shorter runs. And I think that might be the difference for me. The reason that I want an economy in my ARPGs is because it's not something that I'm going to be putting 10 hours into. In Path of Exile, I'll probably put 100 hours on average into a character. And if I'm going to be putting that much into a character, I want to have, I guess, the sense of I'm putting together a puzzle, and it's this 10,000-piece puzzle, and I get every piece in the exact perfect place. Mm. Very often, my builds go for 100 divines to a couple mirrors. And it's not because I need that damage to do the content. It's because I'm finishing the puzzle. And when I'm done with a puzzle, it's solved and I'm going to put it on my wall and I'm never going to take it apart and do it again. But with uh, Roguelike, because I've played a lot of those as well, uh, Slaver Spire I still play, it's much more self-contained. It's something I do when I say, all right, well, I have 45 minutes. Let's go do a run in Slaver Spire and see how far I can get, see what things are offered to me. I wouldn't want an economy in Slaver Spire I do want an economy in something like Path of Exile because, and this is something I ran into in Last Epoch a lot, actually. I wanted to make certain builds. The items that I wanted to use were incredibly, incredibly rare. I played for 500 hours and I never saw a single Orient. And I might play for another 500 or 1,000 and still not see it. But I want to make an Orient build. I want to solve that puzzle. And I do not want to do something that I dislike, i.e., playing a solved puzzle for another 500 to 1,000 hours just to get that. So instead, my solution was to uninstall the game and stop playing it. And I'm going to go back to it now. They've added dungeons. They've added a ton of new content. Without new content, I'd never go back to it. I'd go, this is a solved puzzle. Nothing about it interests me until it changes. I had um, a very similar problem with Outriders, which was like a looter shooter that came out. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before that. Um, and it had a kind of quite interesting uh, item system, and it unfortunately had set items, and at launch, I don't know if they've changed it now, the sets were obnoxiously rare. It's like you would be playing hundreds upon hundreds of hours to maybe get one piece of your set to drop. 
Um, and the sets were like Diablo 3 levels of power. Um, and there wasn't enough variety of content. So I'm like, okay, why would I continue to grind this base content to maybe get one piece of a set so I can do this exact same content slightly better? And because all the cool builds were enabled by the set, I can't experiment and play cool new builds because I don't have the fucking item yet. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I think this is something that PoE has done remarkably well. In a way, PoE is... So I've played a game called Lineage a while ago, and it was this mm. Korean RPG, and it was very popular in the yep. Russian circles. And it was, in a way, it was really cool, but also really terrible. Back then, it was kind of revolutionary, I think. But also, was you had to invest like insane amounts of time to get anywhere in this game. They do meet insane. And this is kind of a game where if you run out of mana, you sit down on the floor, and then you wait. And you spend this like five minutes on the floor waiting. Maybe you can do some trading meanwhile. And if the trading was like super active, it was in a way it was terrible when it regards to time efficiency. And PoE has does that remarkably well. Um, you can start a new league, and if you know what you're doing, and PoE basically teaches you what you're doing and wants you to learn what you're doing with every league, you can basically progress to some astounding heights in the shortest time possible. I mean, people keep beating uber uber bosses in within the first like 12 hours at this point and this is remarkable and i think this is something that i really like about pew and something i am so happy they started changing about so for instance the worst leaks for me in poe i'm not sure which one leaks those were i think it was the ones after expedition or maybe expedition itself where the atlas was huge and the game felt like so stale because every step felt like going through mud so the the game got slower, the movement skill got slower, the Atlas was huge. It just didn't feel interesting to do all of this content exploration every single time. I think that's where PoE has really grown. It has said, okay, you want to progress fast? You know what you're doing? Let's go, do it. This is, by the way, also why I lost interest in Lost Ark, because Lost Ark felt like so handholdy. Or you've beaten the Guardian boss and you can fight the next one. No, no, no. Until you get to the next three or ten points of power, no fighting the stronger boss. So you're always fighting something that is reasonably boring and usually until they completely screw up or your party completely screws up, it's very, very safe. And this is like, oh god, please, I just want to suicide myself against some boss ten levels above me. You know a game which would be fucking awesome? If you guys know a game that exists like this, I want to fucking play it. Hmm. Deep Rock Galactic meets yeah. Risk of Rain. Hmm. Oh, that would be such an amazing combination. So, so what aspects of Risk of Rain would you like to weave into Deep Rock Galactic? So the items of Risk of Rain and like how you make a build as your run progresses with the exploration and like mission structure of Deep Rock Galactic. Um... That would be such an, an amazing combination. Because I think that's an issue that a lot of um, roguelikes have. Um, and I think Risk of Rain is a great example of what I was talking about earlier. It's like, I really enjoy Risk of Rain, but I sometimes struggle to motivate myself to do the, like, 1,000th run of it. And because, like, I've already seen kind of all the content. And at that point, once you've seen everything, that mostly appeals to the kind of people who care about speed running and, like, oh, I just want to get a slightly higher score. Whereas with a system like Deep Rock Galactic, that is where uh, procedure generation is done so amazingly well um, that you're then playing for the sense of exploration, then you're having the group element, playing with other people, that kind of keeps that interesting. It's the same issue that games like Vermintide 2 struggled with and keeping Vermintide fresh, and now you're having it with Dark Tide, where it's like 
the core gameplay is so amazing. Now, how do we keep that gameplay diverse? Um, yeah. Probably time to admit yeah. to a sin. I'm a big roguelike fan. I play a ton of them, and I never touch any Risk of Rain part. Mm. Uh, definitely, need to, definitely need to check out the first or the second one. I recently saw that there's a virtual reality mode for the second part, so I think I'm going to touch up on that in the next weeks. I need to put yeah. it on my list again. And that's definitely something I want to play now, just to know, to, to partake yeah, very in the conversation. Game. There's but, a couple things. Know, I just wanted to say I have tons of hours in Deep Rock Galactic, so I could talk about that for at length. I'm going to quickly check in the kitchen. You go ahead. Okay. Uh, just to go back to a couple things. One, in terms of Korean game design and Korean MMOs, it kind of reminds me of ARPGs, actually, where David Brevik and Diablo 2 are considered to be the father of almost all modern ARPGs, to a point where you can almost call ARPGs Diablo-likes. And Lineage 2 and Jake Song are similarly the father of almost all modern Korean MMOs, to the point where between Lineage 2 and then his next game, Arcage, every Korean MMO I've played, every Korean MMO I've seen announced, draw systems from those games and are in some ways constrained by them. So it really makes me wonder, when is a game going to break out of that mold the way Path of Exile did with Diablo? And what interesting innovations will come from that? Also, will the fact that monetization in Korea is handled so differently end up constraining the design in a way that makes it less appealing to Western audiences? Uh, you mentioned the really tight level constraints in Lost Ark. To me, I feel like that's less about hand-holding a player so they don't bash their head against content they're not ready for, and more about encouraging a player to spend money because Probably. you can bump your item level up. And it would be really interesting to me to see a game from a Korean developer that isn't constrained by those monetization concerns. Hmm. I also would like to... So, first of all, I agree um, pretty much on all of those points. And I've also, I'm very curious what the next iteration would be. So, I am wondering about one thing. I don't particularly believe PoE is that revolutionary. I think PoE has done a lot of things right, but it has been doing things right kind of one step at a time. They've done better flasks. They did a little bit of a different spin on the gem system. And the gem system is great, but I've played games with better skill systems. Like if, if you play a look, take a look at Noita, you can see what true creativity is when it comes to like merging things together. PUE is like, well, one, um, one support gem, the second support gem, a bit more damage, a bit more damage. It's not that advanced. It has a huge skill tree, but it's nothing well, modern as well. I think where PoE has really advanced and what PoE has really shown is that you can create a game that is kind of like an MMO-style game with a ladder-style season, and you can keep carrying the game and players will keep coming back. I think this is something where PoE has, PoE has really advanced. Everything else, PoE is a game, it has a lot of quality, but much more than that, PoE has quantity, more quantity than mm. pretty much anything else. It just yeah. has so much content and so many playstyles. This is why it's so impossible to catch up with that. I mean, anyone who's starting to compete with PoE needs to catch up with PoE's insane development history. It's like making a Dark Souls game and competing against a Dark Souls game that has like 10,000 models and 10,000 different weapon types and animations of course. Good luck competing with that. Elden Ring was only possible because it made so many other games before that where they can reuse assets. And the same thing kind of goes for PoE. I think it's 
I, I don't want to de-level PoE in a way, but I just don't think PoE has done a lot of small, cool things that kind of together emerge into this amazing game. But by itself, I don't think it is, has gone that far away from the W2 formula. I'd agree so, with that. Also, Noiter is such a fucking good game. Absolutely. If you played Noiter, check it out. So good. Absolutely. I, I need to play Noiter. Like I it. would. It, it's great. It's terrible. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I'm gonna start taking notes. <laughs> In terms of things like PoE's skill system, I agree. There's two areas though where I think PoE is truly revolutionary. The first you touched on, which is their leagues and their content release cycle. No game was doing that when PoE started doing it, and so many games True. since have moved towards games as a service and kind of copied off of PoE or similar models. Mm. The second is. Kiwi is the first game I can remember that made, I don't really want to use this term because where crypto space has ruined it, but a decentralized economy where the economy is not based around one single currency, i.e. gold, and it's instead split among a bunch of different crafting materials. True. And th those materials are all innately designed to be consumed in different ways. Those two, I think, are the true revolutionary standout points that Kiwi brought to not only the ARPG or MMO genres, but gaming as a whole, because I do think there's a lot of ways to apply those into other games as well. Like in Roguelikes, a currency system where you have five or six different currencies and each one does a different thing. Um, Cult of a Lamb kind of did that. And mm -hmm. it's really cool to see those evolutions. That's I would fair. Say I think Diablo also really good assessments. currency Sorry. thing. Yeah, this is just a nitpick. I think Diablo 2 did it before Peewee. I think Peewee was just the advancement of that. Because the way that most of the trading would happen in Diablo 2, because gold was kind of meaningless in that game. So you wouldn't really be trading like, oh, I want to buy your Tower Rush set with gold. It's like, I'm either going to be trading it for other uniques, or I might be using gems, or I might be using runes, or I might be using this, that, and the other. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say it's, it's closest. I, think, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're entirely right. Um, but I do think what Neversync said is very true about the fact that it's a series of small steps over a fucking long period. Um, and it's like the whole thing now of, um, with Peewee 2, they're, do they're doing the seven acts because they went, okay, 10 acts was too much. But the idea of just like an ARPG where you're not repeating the same story over and over again, that was a fucking revolution at the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that reminds me of my one huge complaint about Grim Dawn. I've tried to play through Grim Dawn three times now, and I've both succeeded and failed three times. I'll play through Grim Dawn on normal. I'll enjoy the experience. I'll explore everything. I'll do the side quest. I love it. And then I'll get to elite difficulty. And I'll realize about halfway through elite difficulty, wait, this is just the same. Wait, there's ultimate difficulty next. And it's just the same. And my playthrough ends in around act two elite. And it's happened three times now because I just lose interest in doing the same thing over again. When if I, you know, stop playing the game, come back to it a year or two later, I can have almost this fresh experience. Because PoE has streamlined the freshness of the experience, you get to maps much faster, you get through the campaign more efficiently. I don't think, oh, I, I don't really want to start a new playthrough here. I think, oh yeah, I can play that new build in Endgame. Awesome, let's go. Yeah, and it's like... um. Reaper of Souls did the same thing for D3 when it was the bounty system when that came in because that was a way that like, oh, you can bypass them to go through the same acts over and over again. Um, there's a guy called Preach who a lot of people know because he did some PoE stuff a while ago and we had him on Baycastle. It was a really fun episode. 
Um, but I remember watching something he did talking about Diablo 3 years and years and years ago. He'd never really played ARPGs. He'd never really played the early Diablos. He'd always been massive into MMOs. Obviously, there's a massive crossover between MMO and ARPG players. They appeal to very similar sort of um, brain psychology and all that bullshit. And he said how he was really enjoying Diablo 3. And then he finished it. He was like, oh, that was quick. And they're like, wait, I've got to do the same shit again. Like the idea to him was so wild at the time because he'd never played a game like that before. And for the longest time, that was just the norm. It was just accepted that, no, every single fucking ARPG you play, you go through the fucking story, and then you go through the story again slightly harder. And then the third time, now that dinky skeleton actually has abilities, or now he has an aura, now he's actually a challenge, you know. That's uh, yeah, I, I gonna... believe... I was oh. going to ask, is it exactly the same when you play through again in Grim Dawn? Or is it like, I mean, in PoE, didn't they do like some changes even before they introduced the reworked acts 5 through, or 6 through 10 that are rehashed 1 through 5 but with new bosses? Usually, the, use of the, tile usually the way a lot of those games work is it's kind of like on the first way through, the mobs are pretty piss easy. On the second through, you now start getting stacking of auras. You can now have like four or five affixes on enemies instead of just two and that's generally how those games tend to work with the old school yeah. ones but but didn't they also like worse in they way. different monsters for the different zones and stuff like that yes there a grim dawn adds uh new unique monsters here and there so there are some new challenges you can get there's a lot more like of these rares elites whatever they're called the star monsters you get a lot more of these but in a sense it also adds you also get less skill points. So in a way, you get a lot of skill points of these star rune skill points in the first difficulty, then less of them in the second one, even less of the third, and the requirements go up. But essentially, also I think they add like a few completely exotic uniques that only spawn on the highest difficulty. So yeah. I think there's a few monsters that you can't encounter outside of that. But it still sticks very much to the true Diablo 2 formula, where you basically replay the same thing a multiple times with some additions. In that sense, I suppose PUE is also somewhat revolutionary since they have really embraced that map system. And in that point, I think they've also done something extraordinary in over the past leagues. I'm just thinking about that from the perspective of the whole mechanic, where they've allowed the player to vastly influence their content in the way that like no other game has really done that. With the skill tree, with all of these carabs, with the insane atlas tree, with the tons of ways how you can customize your content. Basically, this is also really interesting from a programming perspective, where they basically say the whole level generation is so flexible that you can vastly influence the way the game behaves based on your um, atlas tree passes based on your choice and so forth. And this is just very amazing from a programming perspective because, you know, forcing mechanics on the map is not just straightforward. These need to be considered during generation time. This needs to be considered during the whole algorithmic time. Like the abysses need to be calculated during the map generation time. And this needs to be kind of flustered in into every different map layout. So in that regard, PoE has also, I think they have also shown that these kind of things can work which is inspiring by itself to a lot of developers out there. I think that raises something I've never really thought about before, but with the Atlas passive skill tree in a way is kind of brought in um, like map editors into ARPGs. I remember there was a Neverwinter MMO. It might've just been called fucking Neverwinter MMO or something. But one of the things that was special about that is it had like a dungeon editor thing and you could make dungeons that other players oh. could run. 
Um, but they had to end up doing lots of weird balance and constraints to it because there was a very broken way that you could like mass farm enemies by you would put a bunch of ogres or like really high profile things next to a ledge and then you have a knockback ability you just knock them off the ledge and now everyone gets loads of xp so when people worked out you could do that then everyone started using the dungeon editor to just spawn as many super difficult bosses as possible right next to a fucking ledge um and the problem with most arpg style games is if you were to give players a true dungeon editor they will just make the most efficient thing possible and the atlas passive skill tree in a way gives elements of a dungeon editor but to maps which is something that ggg then controls and it's, it's really interesting how as a system it's kind of gone into what in old games would be like a d2 hack of like 1000 more mf or whatever they've now just twisted it into 1000 more legion you know mm-hmm. um I think this is a point where exactly the economy is actually beneficial in PoE because mm. it's kind of self-balancing factor. On cell phone, sure, you kind of have the motivation to do a few of the very efficient ways to build your atlas. But the economy, let's say everyone farms legion, well then the legion splinters will be dirt cheap. So then you can spec into any other direction and actually make a bit of a profit because you're exploiting a certain niche. And this is something where um, the Atlas tree kind of allows people to explore niches and at the same time explore, go for the mainstream and still be successful. But I do have a question regarding that. Do you guys like the implementation of the Uber Uber bosses? Because I'm not a huge fan of these keystones. Not at all. I think in their current implementation, Mm. Uber bosses ruin regular bossing. Exactly. And... Yes, that what I would like to see is, number one, Uber bosses have their own loot. That should be exclusive, and they should not drop normal boss items. You can't get a dying son from the Uber Shaper. He has his own loot. That loot is fine. Number two, I would love to see a key progression that is separate. Because if the keys are used for the same, the Uber boss loot is always going to be more valuable. Therefore, the price to entry for someone trying to learn the fight well, you have to learn it on Uber Shaper. I guess, okay, bad example because Shaper's for one exception. You have to learn Cirrus on Uber Cirrus because you will lose money doing regular Cirrus mm. because Uber Cirrus exists. And three, I think GGG should take a lesson from RuneScape. One thing that RuneScape always did really well with its bosses is they dropped materials that you could use to level up your other skills. So if you're killing the King Black Dragon and you don't get the big GG drop, you might get some U-logs, but sure, someone could go cut those U-logs, but you also get like 500 of them in notes from the dragon, which means you have a sustainable income to buy more keys to keep farming it in between the big drops. On a lot of Uber bosses in Peoria right now, if you do 50 or 100, you'll profit. If you do five, you will either 100 times your investment or lose your entire investment. And that makes it extremely punishing for players who just want to casually try to do it or just want to push to, okay, I can beat this. It won't be that fun, but I can do it. I have five keys. Let's see what I get. Well, no, never mind. I'm just going to sell them because I'm probably going to lose all that money. I completely I love RuneScape, dude. Such a fucking good video game. I, so I don't, I don't know anything about RuneScapes. I, so oh, I... never sync. Okay, how about this, right? 
<laughs> fuck PUE, right? <laughs> fuck any commitments you have going on in your life. Fucking get RuneScape Mobile. We've all got phones, right? Dude, you don't need to do anything. You're happy for the next, what, 30 years? Oh. I think RuneScape. I'm one of the. I'm an insanely obsessive person. I get so obsessed with pretty much anything. I actually actively avoid certain games that I'm afraid that I will just ruin my life for like three months at least. So that's why I probably. And RuneScape always looked like this type of a huge black hole that would just suck me in for at least six months and then spit me out with some hard uh, damage. So I'll never probably let Titan Killer visit you. But yeah, I agree. I think the key problem, the biggest problem behind this um, key point system is that the prices always in PoE depend on the best application of something. So you wouldn't like buy a Chevron because you want to go for a non-low-life build. There's like no sense. Every Chevron will be used on only on a low-life build. And every time a Chevron is evaluated, it will be only done based on the price used in the best builds. And pretty much the same way it works for keys. If you're using a key and you're running a non-regular boss, non-Uber boss, you're feeling stupid because you're potentially losing out money because the key is worth more than that since it can be used on an Uber boss. And I feel like this is the core problem there that you kind of, I would really like the Uber bosses to be separated keys or maybe it could be something like an enhancer item that basically bumps up the normal uh, fight to another level. Maybe this is a different option. So it's kind of like an additional thing you drop into the map screen, but I really would like them to to go away from this um, spot. Also interesting enough, we had this idea that if you do one run, you kind of get additional things to do another run. So the Maven system is actually exactly like that. You farm a bunch of Guardians, you can do a Maven, the Maven drops more splinters, you can do, um, you can run a Maven then, or you can run a Fiat at some point. So it kind of had this nice, nice, neat cycle going on. And then they dropped in the Uber bosses, which basically contribute to nothing special. So yeah, I think it's a case of horizontal uh, progression, but I'm not a big fan of that. I think it's misplaced horizontal progression. I like some horizontal progression systems. This one feels very forced. It's like, okay, some people make, you know, two to five mirror builds. We're going to give them something. We want this to be aspirational content, except it doesn't really function that way because having a boss fight as an aspirational thing worked really well in Dark Souls, where your goal is to kill that boss. But in Path of Exile, your goal isn't to kill that boss. It's to kill that boss and then do it a hundred more times. And the aspirational aspect gets lost very quickly. Mm. And I found this with, maybe this is just me, but it was really cool for me killing the uber bosses for the first time. And now I have absolutely no patience for it. It's like, no, I just want to build that does a billion damage and ignores all their mechanics and just one-shots them. Because if I'm going to be killing them fast, it takes me way too long to engage with their mechanics and having a meaningful, you know, six to ten minute fight. That is fun once or twice. That is not fun if I'm going to be doing it 25, 50, 100 times. And I almost wonder if GGG can either have one path where these are aspirational things, your goal is to kill them. They're not really particularly rewarding, but they unlock something, say, for the entire league that's really good. Or they're bosses you farm and they're designed as something that you farm rather than as something that is purely aspirational. 
which means separate keys so they don't impact the normal experience, loot tables that are more sustainable, etc. But right now they're kind of sort of both, and I think in that they hurt the game as much as they help it. Yes, I agree. It's interesting because we actually talked about that on the podcast. I don't know, probably also other people said that beforehand. When it was announced that the Uber boss fights would be accessible through the Keystone Passes and use the same entrance token, that, that was basically our main concern with that. And to be fair, though, I didn't think right now or since the introduction of the Keystones and the Uber bosses... I didn't think that the problem was as bad as I expected it to be, but it still sort of, yeah, kind of feels bad if you're doing the regular version and you could instead be doing the Uber version because the expected return is much bigger, especially over a large number of runs. But one quick sidetrack is Balor always, or at least in the last two episodes we did, was very vocal about that he would like... Um, an option where you could access the fights for free by opting out of the loot. So you get basically a free practice run, but if you successfully beat it, you don't get any reward. What do you think about that suggestion? This is such a complicated topic. At the same time, I like it, but I also hate it. Because in PoE, knowledge is your weapon. It is much earned as anything else. And if you want to earn your access to your boss fights, you kind of need to consider that. Let's say you have a new league, and in this new league, there's this one boss. And then you invested 10 broken runs to run it to, so that you learned it. It was basically the same thing in every single fight. When Shaper was introduced, I failed my first five attempts, or maybe six, I don't know. I think it was like five. And the sixth attempt, I've beaten it. And then I failed a few more, and then I was doing it consistently. And the same was for Sirius. I think Sirius has whooped my ass like, three or four times at the very least before I've beaten for the first time. And the fight was not exactly pleasurable, but basically I was burning exos back then one by one. So if I would be able to just ignore this price and go to right to the point where I can do it, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I'm being biased here because I have the past history. So maybe uh, this is the sun cost fallacy, but um, I feel like this is a kind of a different problem. I think the entrance cost for a fight is not a terrible problem. I think the problem is that the Uber bosses kind of do it in a weird way while affecting the normal cost. So I think it's okay that we have easy fights, and I think it's good that we have Uber fights. I just don't like how the Uber fights are accessed. I think if they would be a separate thing that you can opt in and you can pay extra for that you need to i mean you can't do a normal uber fight on a on a normal boss on a normal build anyway pretty much unless you're incredibly good at the game and incredibly knowledgeable uh, unless you're willing to play exactly like you said so you're willing to screw yourself at the boss like eight hours in a row you will never beat let's say an uber series on an average 2 million DPS build, unless you're like one of the top one, 0.01% players. Like, no chance. Bosses are way too brutal for that. I don't think you're expected to do it like that. I think people don't want you to play Dark Souls. They want you to enjoy the content. Hey, well, you failed. Enjoy running your yellow maps. So, so oh, go on, Tiki. I'll go after. Ah, uh, I think there's an interesting parallel between some of Pewee's design and Dark Souls. 
maybe I'm just reading into too much the fact that they said Witcher and Dark Souls inspired some of their design for Path of Exile 2. But the Path of Exile 2 bosses almost do look like they want you to play Dark Souls. They don't want the difficulty necessarily of Dark Souls, but the fights look much more Dark Souls-esque, where it's a very controlled pattern and you have to learn it and you have to be cautious. And once you get it down, it should all click in place. For a fight like Uber Elder, I also feel that very much. There's a pattern to Uber Elder. If you do it a lot, you can almost do it with your eyes closed. You'll just mm. move, hit, move, hit, move, hit. Some of the other Uber bosses feel very different from that. Cirrus is a chaotic mess. I, I don't know how else to say that. He's a chaotic mess. Stuff's everywhere. If you close your eyes, you're just dead on that fight. doesn't matter if you've done it a hundred or a million times. And... I personally think that they should lean into the Uber Elder style of fight more for the difficult encounters. Because when it's a chaotic mess, at least personally, and I think a lot of the people I've talked to as well, are more incentivized to just ignore the mechanics of a fight and overwhelm it with raw damage and raw investment. In terms of going back to the no cost to entry thing for no loot, I guess that goes back to the aspirational idea, which does kind of exist with the Searing Exarch and Eater of Worlds. Uh, I haven't tested this extensively, but I'm pretty sure if you fail them the first time, you can just keep fighting them as you redo the maps over and over. Yeah, yeah, the quest yes, version maps. drops really quickly. Yeah. What if we had something like that for the Uber bosses until you beat mm. it? But... Again, instead of the farming mode, this is the aspirational mode. Maybe you have only one portal, and after you beat it, it unlocks a certain Atlas passive, or it unlocks something else related to Uber bosses specifically. Like, you can't fight Uber bosses until you beat the Uber boss with only one portal. And because it's only one portal, you can't get a carry. It is aspirational content. You have to do it through your own achievement. But then you can, you know, have six portals and sell carries to someone else who has also unlocked it but is just too lazy to farm it which uh, hi <laughs> well so you have to beat a harder version in order to unlock the easier version or yes you have to beat the aspirational version in order to unlock the farmable version but the aspirational oh, yeah. version doesn't have a cost okay so like a million fucking things i'm going to talk because i want to address like 30 things um GGG struggles with trying to be Dark Souls, but also having gotcha mechanics in their boss fights, and that completely goes against it. Um, when you have unintuitive mechanics, that kind of destroys this whole learning the rhythm. And I think even the like stupid um, stand in the bubble explosion thing from Elder was the dumbest fucking gotcha thing. I still hate that. I will never not hate that system. It is fucking dumb. From me, it's um, Maven stand outside the bubble. Yeah, using. Um, Dark Souls as an example briefly and why I don't think you should have um, easy infinite access to bosses and if you're going to do that then GGG needs to have an insane turnaround you need to constantly have new bosses coming out over and over and over and over again if you can instantly be like boss 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 you reduce the longevity um, a lot of the longevity of these fights is the fact that you can't easily access them uh, an issue that yes. Path of Exile has always struggled with, and this goes back to the first and earliest map systems, is they try and make the uh, hardest content scarce. Um, and then you get into this weird balancing act of, we want to make this a rare thing, 
but if this is the only difficult thing to do in the game, I don't want to have to grind all this time in piss-easy content to occasionally be challenged. And that's the system that is constantly struggling with. Um, going back to Dark Souls, some people hate this about Dark Souls, but also this is one of the good things about Dark Souls for some players, is once you defeat a boss, you can't do that boss again unless you put up a new run. Um, and that means that you're not perfecting it. So it's like, for example, something like Godric or whatever from Elden Ring, you throw your face at this boss, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling, you got it down. Fuck, yes. If you want to practice Godric again, it's going to be well till you next see him. And that keeps that thing special. And if you could instantly reset that over and over and over again, it would be a learnt game much sooner. Um, and in some ways that sucks. Going back to Ghost of Tsushima, which was one of my games of the year when that came out, that game had amazing jewels in that game. And unfortunately, once you defeated those jewels, you couldn't do them again unless you made a whole new save. Um, and there were people who would very happily have gotten an extra 30, 40, 50 hours out of that game if they could just spam the jewels. But that's a single player game. And, you know, Path of Exile is something very different. Um, yeah. If you were to have free, easily spammable access to something, then they would have to be constantly chaining out new bosses over and over and over again. That isn't a sustainable model. They are a live service game. And because mm. they're a live service game, they need to balance the fact around player time. They need to make the content last, basically, that they create. Yeah. I would and like yes, to sorry. add up on uh, the Elden Ring thing, just, sorry. Yeah, just quickly, as Tanky said in chat, uh, yeah, uh, my accent, gotcha versus gacha. I'm not talking about uh, pinball machines. I'm saying, ha, ah. gotcha, it was a trek. Yeah, sorry, game number sync. I really want to 100% agree about the Godric or the Elden Ring argument. One of the things I really dislike, so Elden Ring, no question, is a masterpiece. Probably just not a masterpiece for me. Um, despite nearly beating, I just got bored at some point. I think after the fight, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm spending like, let's say, one hour to beat a fight or two hours to beat a fight. And then I finally learned the moveset and I barely beat it on my last breath with no HP potions. And I go to the next point and I basically, all of the skills I've learned there are basically wasted. I need to learn the complete new moveset against the next insane enemy. And this might be fun for someone or for someone who played so many uh, Dark Souls type games that are enjoying that process. I didn't like that. For me, one of the best games I've played Ironically, and I never expected to enjoy it. I just saw, saw so many YouTube videos praising its design. So I tried playing Doom Eternal. And I absolutely and incredibly love so many gameplay aspects about this game. I thought before that, I thought it was a dumb shooter. That's kind of like misplaced. It. Okay, it's kind of like serious Sam time game. It's probably just a lot of blood, a lot of gore, but it's incredibly cleverly. So it, it has such intelligent designs when it comes to enemies, weapons, movement, uh, resource management, and so forth. And one of the things I really liked about that is how you make the player feel how they learn. So when you start the game, all the enemies have basically weaknesses and a fairly harsh moveset. They've been destroyed on the, I think I started on the second to last difficulty. Uh, so it was fairly complex. I got destroyed by some of the first enemies quite well. But then when you start the game again, even of the highest difficulty, you learn their moveset so well of all of the enemies that you basically have no troubles against them just in a single case. Because the game really teaches you. You barely defeat a Marauder, and that guy is incredibly hard. 
But then you fight against them again and with some other enemies, again with some more enemies, to the point where the whole thing becomes second nature. And you feel this effect of you are mastering the game. You're not just basically beating the game by a hair's breadth. You're really mastering the game. And I think this feeling in PoE, as you said, Taki, it's not free. PoE has a special model. If you want to become a great boss killer, unless you do like 7 million, 7, 70 million DPS, you should learn the game. And this is something where you need to invest in. And this is kind of a status thing as well in PoE, I think. So I think it just is not sustainable, not a reasonable game model where you can just get access to this kind of skill just by repeating things over and over and over again. I think it's okay if there are some extra costs attached. Yeah, one game that I also think does an incredible job of that kind of mastery is Hades. Every time you go into a new zone, the enemies in that zone have individual mechanics that yep. teach you about things the boss will do if he end. And it is done so subtly that I didn't notice it until probably my 40th or 50th run. I was like, wait, these are all the boss moves. How did I not notice this before? And it is so well done. Fucking Hades too. That was an announcement that took me by surprise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. I can't wait. Yeah, same. Really excited. Wait, what's, the, what's the Hades announcement? There's Hades another one. Two. Oh, the new one. Oh wow, Paul. Yes. And I, I haven't even played the first one. I need to catch. <laughs> uh, they haven't said if is it 2024? Have they given a year on that or? Or have they I just said it's so. in? I think they've just said it's in development. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely play it. It's uh, an amazing mix out of story and roguelike. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I definitely, I mean, I, I got into the, the Sanctum, and I, I think I'll enjoy Hades a lot. I've been told I'll enjoy Hades a lot if the Sanctum is something I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah you will. You absolutely will. It's like the Sanctum, but without all of the things in between that you don't like. Yeah, you, you don't need to do eight maps <laughs> for every floor. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. No, what I wanted to say is you, you said earlier that in Dark Souls you can't redo a boss after you finished it. It's and that. Yeah. It, would would you not just if you want to practice the boss, then you just like dip out when the boss has like one percent left or something like that, and then just redo the fight over and over? Some people I mean speedrunners have different strats for doing this, that and the other, but it's like you need to keep in mind that it's if that's what you choose to do, you can do that, but it's a solo player game, so most people won't play the game like that. They'll because also a lot of people will be like, ah, but yeah, if you're doing like a no hit run, for example, um, and you get hit, well, then you purposely fail to start again, you know. Um, but uh, there's something, what am I trying to say? There's something kind of special where like sometimes you fluke through a boss and something like Elden Ring or whatever, and you're like, hoo, 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 hoo. And sometimes you're like, I want to go back and challenge it. One, funnily enough, one of the things that you said, Deversink, is a big complaint that people did have for Elden Ring um, is there was a bit of padding towards the end where they kind of end up just like reusing a lot of fights. So it's mm. like, um, for example, the first time you do a Crucible Knight and you're like, fucking hell, Crucible Knight. And then it's like, I, how many times have I done the Crucible Knight fight? It's like, oh, it's Crucible Knight plus this other guy. Um and there are actually a few interesting things where, where it's like, oh, I didn't expect to see you again. Hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. 
Now, I'm just saying, if they were do, to do something like that in PoE to make sure that people can't like abuse the free boss that you get for practicing, then people would find a way to abuse it. I do definitely see the the point with um, PoE not being able to do that to allow you to do bosses infinitely for practice runs, even if you forego the loot, because yeah, the life service Kept game kind they of need that. to make the content last. They, also, they don't want also. Because um, yeah. I could sit here forever and I need to eat, so I, I'm going to dip out in the next seven minutes. But I'm going to leave on a fucking hot take. GGG <sighs> is shit at making fucking bosses. They haven't made a good boss in fucking ages. I fucking hate Infinite Hunger. The new bosses fucking trash, mate. They're all dog shit. All the bosses. Like Maven and Exarch. Maven can fuck right off. They try like too hard. With their Final bosses. phase of Maven is epically fun. I think they try way too hard. I think they need to calm the fuck down. And the last thing I want GGG to commit to, if we could infinitely farm bosses, is like, yo, fucking 10 new bosses every league. It's an interesting take, but at least I partially agree. I don't think there was any single boss where I felt like from start to end, there was not a single mechanic that I didn't find stupid. Because yeah. some mechanics are hard and some mechanics are stupid. Let's say the Exarch bow phase. You know which one I'm talking about. Or let's say the Uber Exarch bow phase. I have no idea. I think for every person who can do that phase normally, there's like 100 people who just take the portals or use some sort of totem trick. Because this Same. is not something that is reasonable by any regard. And the same thing about the Maven thing. I do enjoy the Maven part generally, but the whole memory game, it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's not testing your skill. I just don't feel like this is a mechanic I want to deal with in the AIPG too much. And I yeah, Uber Cyrus, I have nothing to say about Uber Cyrus. I think the ground spam is just stupid. So yeah. I think they are kind of they they are sometimes very short to making a really good boss fight. Like if you would take Eater of Worlds, is it Eater? I'm not sure if it's Eater. Yeah, if you take Eater of Worlds and would give him the or you would take Exarch but give him the Eater of Worlds invulnerability phase, I would be okay with that. But there's like on but Eater of Worlds is hell boring. It's like super boring. You can ba basically barely even die there. I think I did my first attempt deathless and it's just the one of the most boring and uninteresting boss fights and they just like ubered it by throwing in a ton of OE on there and a ton of speed. And that's not exactly fun. I think I agree there. I think some boss fights are excellently made. I think Maven is a good example. And I kinda after a lot of iterations I do like the normal series. But I don't think any boss fight is quite as well done as Uber Shape, and that's since quite a while. Like, Blackstar is an awesome fight. Imagine if yes. instead of doing yeah. Blackstar, yeah. Exarch, Infinite Hunger, any of worlds, they just put all of that attention into just Blackstar. Oh, I wish she was the end boss of that, because out of all of your new bosses, she is the best designed by Fivers. Not a single mechanic on that fight where I'm not like, this is cool. There's multiple different ways to deal with it. Even just the floor mechanic is awesome because you could deal with every single mechanic with just that, or you can use the pillars, mm -hmm. or you can do it through character building. All right, well, I have 90% max cold res, so I can just get hit by the cold stuff, 
but I only have 75% fire res, so that's going to hurt me. I need to avoid her fire mechanics, but let the cold stuff hit me. That's no problem. Ah, the problem I have with so many bosses, and you both touched on it a little bit so far, they don't feel like they're part of Path of Exile. Path of Exile says, these are the rules, this is what you do. Shaper and Uber Elder did a really good job of this. And then it's so, also there's a Maven memory game. Maven has some good things. I really like the healing debuff yes, as opposed to outright death, because that means you get to make two mistakes on that fight before it kills you in most cases. That's really good. Memory game and the movement. I, my problem is movement in boss fights in general, because Path of Exile's pathing system is not excellent. I, I, on so many builds, I have to take off my Quicksilver Flask, equip Cyclone. I have to slow myself down to do the Exarch Ball phase because I literally move uncontrollably fast for the type of precise movements that requires, and it feels terrible. Have you ever died by... Has anyone ever died by running back into the serious maze? Because the pathfinding yes. is weird. Too many this times. <laughs> oh, too many times. This is one of the most hilarious... That's where you okay. It's kind of this snooze phase where you think nothing can happen, then you just run out, and suddenly your character uncontrollably runs back into the maze yeah. and instantly dies. Your, your character decides, I choose death. There, there yeah. was a clip in the BPL where Karn was doing the Cirrus for, for someone else in his team. And in the meteor, Karn ran out, and the guy was running so fast and uncontrollably that when he ran out of the meteor maze, he directly ran into a storm outside of the arena and died. It was and so fast. None of this even remotely touches on the mess that is the infinite hunger. I I I I, I don't even know. That, so in I general, I I like GGG bosses, but it feels like they are so incomplete. And in many cases, or at least they're not exactly, they're not great enough. They're not on the Dark Souls level. Like, they definitely are better than Diablo 3 and, like, absolutely beat, uh, let's say, something that Grim Dawn does. But it's just, uh, the la the last bosses feel a little bit too esoteric to me sometimes. Like, they try to introduce some new strange mechanic instead of just doing things straightforward. Infinite Hunger, I dread... And it's not even a case of it's not it's not it's, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to have to do this again. And at this point, it's well established. They're aware the player base doesn't like infinite hunger. <laughs> infinite hunger is something we all have to fucking do at some point. Most people just out DPS at the first time and never run it again. They do it yes. once for a progression and they never touch it again. That is terrible design. Um, it's Ziri, amazing. Yes. Ziri is oh, amazing yeah. on so many levels. One, it's just an awesome boss fight. Two, it's tied into lore. There's loads of reasons of it. And you don't have to do it. It's it's purely an aspirational thing. I played Path of Exile for years when Ziri was a thing, and I never did it because I didn't have to do it, but I was like, oh, one day I'm going to do it, and that was a really cool thing. And I think with the way they've tied a lot of these big bosses into the progression, they they've removed a lot of the allure and they've had this weird thing where they kind of the bosses now need to be killable so now it's like well the way we'll make them special is through the uber 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 versions and yeah i'm gonna end it there because i could talk forever it's been really fun thank you congratulations on the 100 and um i would love to talk more game design with you never sink and tanky at some point but anyway, i hope you'll have a sure. wonderful day i'm gonna eat some food do more fucking steps
Thanks for the great <laughs> takes and have a good one. Bye. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. Good have a good one. Bye bye. Well, we got a we got a number of people coming on now. Actually, like I was so uh, worried that when Targi hops off, we're gonna sit here, and and then uh, you're gonna want to go never sink because you had a long day, and then uh, you know, and then all of a sudden I'll be by myself and I have to play Path of Exile and talk all the time. I'm also happy that Tarki didn't say that he would happily talk with me about game design again, because I have no <laughs> clue what to say about game design, so I'm, I'm glad that pressure is off. <laughs> but no, I, I appreciate all that stuff, and I was actually like really listening very intensely. I was very focused and uh, had a great time. I just didn't have a whole lot to chime in with, but... Um, yeah, we're gonna get in some other people from the Path of Exile community. Um... Let's see, we got we got Crouching Tuna coming on, who you may know. Let's let's greet Crouching Tuna here. Or if he can't hear us, we can also get someone else. We got three people waiting. Yo. Hey yo, what up hey. Tuna? Yo, what up? How are you doing? How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Nice. How's the podcast been? It's basically uh, a great gaming discussion. Taiki Cat was uh, throwing out a lot of uh, Battle Brothers references, and uh, <laughs> no, it was it was good actually. I, I really enjoyed. We we went kind of from Path of Exile into Torchlight Infinite, and then into the general ARPG and gaming space. Talked a lot about that, and then Tanky came on, and I tried to steer it back via Torchlight Infinite into into some more PoE discussion. And, uh, oh, wow. That, is that on my end or is that on your end, Tinky? Hmm? Oh, yeah, now it works. No, no, your camera was somewhat interesting for a moment there. Huh. Might have been my end. I, uh, the background removal is pretty good, but sometimes it does just go stupid. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm I'm gonna get in uh, more. Pe Do you want to quickly like say something, Tuna? I, I didn't give you the word really. Like, hi, how are you doing? Do you wanna? Good, do you wanna what, what have you been up to recently? Uh, I just came off playing some Torchlight as well, and uh, now I'm back to Poe just to try out some stuff. I have a lot of currency to burn, so I want want to do that first, and also do my challenges and whatnot. But yeah, just chilling, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, glad to have you here. We got more Thanks, people man. waiting, so I'll pull them in one after one. We got Enki coming on, the one and only Ark Enki. Let's uh, give a big applause to Enki. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome, welcome. What's up, Enki? What up, Enki? Technical difficulties on Enki's side, I'm sure. Well, we're going to bridge the gap by throwing in tricks into the mix. So we got a nice even layout and not the 3-2 thing, but we got like a nice tiled pattern here. Welcome, welcome, uh, Mr. Gaming Tricks. How have you been? Hello. Hey. Well, how are you guys doing? Hey, hey welcome, guys. Ah, oh, there, there he is. It's the there Enki. There he is. Real Enki. No, I'm, I'm no. not Enki. I'm actually not Enki. <laughs> actually not Enki. 
how's your uh, variety gaming arc coming uh, together that you uh, we, we actually just just did some PUE today because you know why not and then the last few days I've been doing some Dark Souls and Cuphead tomorrow I'm gonna start Crisis Core actually my first Final Fantasy game I ever play also I have no fucking idea what, wait can, can I swear can I swear um I mean, light swearing is always okay, right? All right, because I, I don't want to give you trouble for YouTube, you know? No, no, we always mark the, the content for mature audience and all that, right? All right, all right. I have no idea why my cam's not working. Just have oh, to switch wait, it wait, on wait. manually. And then I have yeah, to fuck, fuck it, by because... the way, because I'm going to make some mistakes here at some point and let out a few swear words. And, uh... <laughs> oh, look at that Oops. guy. No, I think swearing is fine, honestly. I think uh, there's All just right. like some regulations where on on YouTube you're not supposed to be swearing like in the first ten seconds, and and no or overly swearing, right? Like good content have can have swear words in them. I don't think that's problematic. You can even monetize on content which with swear words in them. But if the content is exclusively like slurs and and just swearing <laughs> without right. actual point, then that's problematic. That's what YouTube doesn't want. But YouTube then again, yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, changing its guidelines on that recently and not communicating it well at all and now walking back some of the changes. Uh, so in short, less is probably better for the time being and hopefully they provide clear guidance on what you should and should not do in the near future. Wait, yeah. YouTube? No. Can't be. Weird, right? Never happens. Well, either way, like... This episode is episode number 100. This is not about pleasing the YouTube algorithm. This is not about squeezing as much money out of the ad revenue as possible. This is all a celebration of Path of Exile community culture. And I'm glad you're all here to join that. And um, yeah, let's uh, just keep it going. We got some beautiful things to talk about. Um, but maybe we should go back into the leak mechanic, which we haven't really talked a lot about or if any one of you wants to bring up a talking point that has been you know that you have been itching to talk about then this would be the perfect time before i steer the the topic into a certain direction i'm gonna piggyback off of tarki and i'm gonna ask everyone real quick what is your step count this week i oh, feel like no. it's important right <laughs> uh who knows i think mine's like three Three steps? Maybe yeah. four? Uh, yeah. Honestly, same. I've been so busy this week. I'm worried more about hours of sleep rather than steps. Uh, I do yeah, have, like, you don't a really staircase. get much from, uh, from steps being in Sanctum the whole time, right? So. I got a little staircase, so I go up and down that every day. Me too, actually. That's yeah. a good point. Uh. How many times? Is it like between bed and computer or is it like between computer and kitchen? Uh, it's between my computer and my kitchen. Same. And also between my bed and stuff. But yeah, so I'll be going up and down it every time I have to do something. I'm basically like on a, on a little on a little like office balcony right now kind of thing inside of my house. It's not a balcony, but you know like how you, you can build like a second floor inside of a house. That's basically what that is. Nice. When I'm sitting here, it's pretty chill. Awesome. I always wished I had something like that. Especially when I was living in that one place with the, the high ceilings. 
would have mm. worked beautifully there. Here, I, I couldn't do that so much. Yeah, man, my roof is like seven meters or something. It's ridiculous. And it's like Italian apartments that like, uh, you know how they have like, they're pretty like tall kind of, and they have like a three floors or whatever. Like this is basically like they, they, they took the floor off of one of them. So it's like two floors in one. It's, it's like so unnecessarily tall. Crazy Italians. <laughs> but yeah, to, to come back to the step question, I actually did some steps. Yesterday I had a, an appointment in town and really terrible. I had to go there. I had to be there at like 10 in the morning. Uh, so I was up at 8 already and like sitting here and because I have to travel like almost 90 minutes because first I have to go to the city center and then from there I have to go somewhere else. And... So I left at around like 8.40 and I didn't check my emails before I left and then my phone switched off while I was waiting for the bus because it was really cold outside, like unexpectedly cold. It was snowing that day and uh, and my, my phone just switched off because it was so cold. It was still at 20% battery, but like you know how when it's colder that somehow doesn't work. And went all the 90 minutes there just to be told that the guy actually canceled my appointment and then I went 90 minutes back. So uh, oh that was God. great. I got some steps in there. I mean, mostly by bus, but like, yeah, I actually did some walking. But outside of that, this week, not that much. So I actually have a funny story um, that I shared with Tarky as well. And this will kind of go back into the POE thing. Okay. Um, basically, I have a very busy work season. I don't get to game for about six months of the year. Most people know my story already, but I work up until October, November-ish. Uh, and I came back right in time for Mayhem to uh to be announced and to to start which wasn't the greatest mayhem but you know what i don't get the game for six months so naturally i'm gonna go ahead and game as much as i can so i get my fitbit report like i wear one of these stupid fitbit things and i get my fitbit report the week after i'd finished my work season it's like this week you walked fifty thousand less steps than last week and you slept an extra two hours every single day more than last week and then it goes to mayhem the, the week after and it's like you walked another 30,000 less steps this week <laughs> Cascade. and you slept three hours less this week what the fuck happened dude what are you doing <laughs> like I, fit, I felt Fitbit was shaming me for the amount of gaming that I did once, uh, once I got to <laughs> I don't think it's stopped shaming me since actually now that Sanctum's been released I've been playing for like five weeks straight it's, it's a problem future me will have to deal with that problem it's pretty bad when like the leak launches and i think google maps does something similar and it was basically like oh what you did this month and then it was basically just me going to the atm which is like a three minute long <laughs> yeah how was your trip to the kitchen thanks google maps <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, that's something I mean, I get my groceries delivered. I get everything delivered these days. I don't know. Going to, ever since like COVID, I just set myself up to just get everything delivered to my house, and I haven't changed since then. I tried that, like during the when the pandemic started, and I moved into this new place. I looked it up a couple of times, but every single time, because everyone was starting to order their stuff, the the delivery services from the supermarkets they were just not up to the task. They were like constantly overbooked, and whenever I tried to schedule a delivery, there was like no available dates. So I was like, okay, and I really enjoy actually walking to the supermarket and going there, and I think I would enjoy that. I I, I wouldn't enjoy like 
filling in like an online order list as much as just going there. It would just probably take almost as much time, but without the fresh air and without the, the nice walk. So, yeah. yeah I end up spending money in... on useless shit. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. <laughs> I looked into that a little bit, but because everyone was doing it, there was availability. It was just so expensive. At the time, there was a $50 delivery fee, and I was like, but what? That's, that's ridiculous. There were weeks where I would be spending $50 on groceries. Exactly. Well, that's crazy. Uh, that's actually, so just... actually insane. So it's weird. Hopefully now that it's, it's popularized, I haven't done that even once. But I remember like 15 years ago, there was a company. I'm, I'm in Vancouver. And there was a company that's Vancouver-based called Spud Sustainable Produce Urban Delivery. That was like the very first company that I've ever heard of that did delivery of groceries online, delivered it to your door. And they would give you like organic produce from local farmers markets, uh, local organic, um, you know, um, antibiotic free meat, things like that. And I realized the amount of money that I was spending on this stuff was just obscene just stupid amounts and i realized wait a second there's a farmer's market like a five minute drive from me every wednesday night i went down there one week just to check it out and i was like man i just saved like 80 bucks on groceries from going to this farmer's market for just the one little moment and so i've never done uh delivery for produce or delivery for groceries ever since then that was like yeah probably 15 years ago couldn't imagine it now i think it got a bit better <laughs> An experience that coined you. That, that's great. A Anki, are you getting any food delivered? Or are you still old school no. going to the supermarket? I'm just going to the supermarket once a week. Kind of sucks now because it's like slippery outside, but normally I don't mind it. It's like five minutes away. So that's I go nice. once a week at everything and then just don't leave the house for the rest of the week. Same. All right, now we heard it from everyone. Neversink, are you getting food delivered? Um, so for regular groceries, uh, I or we usually shop them manually, but we kind of got hooked up on this whole HelloFresh thing. So this happened over the COVID time. So usually get like five meals per week um, delivered. So in, in a way that you still need to cook them. So you get all the ingredients, but you cook those manually. And this has some positive upsides, such as uh, it's definitely healthier than the stuff I would usually eat. It's definitely better than throwing in uh, a bunch of pasta or a big bunch of meat on the oven or cooking a steak. Uh, plus, it actually taught me to cook much better. But other than that, I usually get my groceries myself. Yeah, I really like that meal kit concept for exactly that reason, because it reduces the organizational overhead so much as in yes. you don't need to research what to cook, like what is a good yeah. meal, how to cook it, like what's a good recipe, what do I need, how do I minimize waste, how do I reuse the things that I didn't use and all that. And, you know, there's so many things to pay attention to if you want to be efficient and you don't want to throw away a lot of things. So yeah, that, that definitely sounds exactly. Like a cool but thing. time for me is probably the highest value resource. I'm trying to automate as much as possible. Um, I've stuck to some robotic Roombas, automatic cat feeder. There's a whole bunch of stuff here all of the apartment just to try to win some time and reduce grocery and reduce time. Just even. That that self-cleaning litter box for cats? Yes, this one's insane. The kind of the space litter box that glows blue and is huge and the cats go inside. But one of them is 
a bit derpy. So he's at some point he spent like three weeks time at my parents' place, and he has like a memory of a goat here. So he got back here and he started being scared of it. So at some point we had to put up a normal litter box because he completely and outright refuses to go into the space litter box. But maybe next time he's at the parents' place, he forgets that he was scared and goes back. And I don't know. Are they such adorable little weirdos? Yes. All right, Anki, you are a, uh, a build creator, the author of the famous, the famous, no, like probably one of the longest standing forum guides for Path of Exile that you've maintained for the past 10 years, I want to say. Eight years. Something like that. Eight years. I started playing PUE 10 years in like three weeks. And then I think it was like roughly eight and a half years ago or so that I made that guide. I did some other guides here and there, like even before that I was experimenting with it, but obviously nothing really blew up like that. They were not unpopular, but of course not to, to the level of the arc build. Well, I mean, and the I'm arc kind build of surprised. is just so iconic for you. That's just, uh, everyone knows yeah, your name I'm, because of that arc build. I'm kind of surprised that it actually is still gone and that it's actually this league <clears throat> in one of the best states ever if we ignore Archmage, because Archmage was just fucking busted, but yeah, it's in a really good spot right now. Like, I was actually underselling it in the guide. I was saying, can't do evil pinnacle bosses at all. And then I went into that five out of seven with them. I could probably do all seven, but I just hate the Eater and Exarch fight. Also for, for them, it's, it's not really good because it doesn't have avoidance. And in those fights, you, you kind of want it. So uh, what kind of avoidance specifically? Ailments or uh, stun? No, no, it's ailment immune, it's stun immune, but it doesn't have like spell blocks, spell suppression, can't really oh, fit oh, that okay. in. Right. And those like, really uh, help in those fights. Defense. Yeah. But it's, it's in a pretty good spot. I hope I can keep it this way for a long time. I was actually, I, I say actually really often, I was actually um, just made the first YouTube video for the build. It's a bit scuffed. But the response has been really great so far. I really appreciate it. I saw that actually, I saw it. I didn't watch the entire video, but I saw the the I saw the video and I clicked on it and I watched. And the the intro is very well edited, where you get yeah, the basically really like trailer basically. style like Poe, where you, like the cut comes on the downbeat always, and damn, damn, and it's, it it really flows well. Like I, I really was celebrating that. Thank you. Yeah, basically, just watch the intro. And that's it. That's that's the important part of the video. Mm -hmm. Rest doesn't matter. Just the intro. And also, I didn't do the intro. It was a friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that good yet. Uh, I literally had to like learn recording, learn cutting everything on the go while making this video. That's also why it took me a bit longer than I wanted to. But yeah, it's out now. That's good. And let's see what the future brings if I make more guides. I had I had a plan to make more guides last last week, and um, no, last year, not week. And I had to rush these guys out while also doing school, like nine hours of school a day, and that was not a good idea. <laughs> and uh, luckily, I don't have to update these guys anymore. But yeah, they they really sucked. So I don't know if if I feel comfortable with other builds again. Um, let's see. What happens if I, if I come up with something? Otherwise, we, we're just going to do the arc world for now. Are you happy with oh, the... Oh, yeah. Please go. Thank you. 
I was going to say it's always a lot of work to make a guide, especially for Path of Exile. Mm-hmm. And then updating it, sometimes you get lucky and not much changes. Most of the time, you're basically starting almost from zero and completely redoing it. So uh, any sort of yeah. time constraints, absolutely brutal. I also something didn't I like it. Oh. No, go it's something I learned that I really don't want to do anymore. At some point, I was maintaining some guides, and it is just absolutely brutal because people expect all the guides to work no matter uh, how old they are sometimes. Now, this guide was fairly popular. It was my tornado shot guide. It wasn't really great, honestly. I um, At some point, it was good, but then as the leaves kept changing, I didn't want to play the same boot all the time. I enjoy playing a different boot every single time. And people were basically... Even if I wrote like a big red message at the top, this guide is not updated for the current patch. Please don't use it. The information here may be outdated. People still kept spamming me in-game. Hey, I did exactly as you guide says. Why doesn't it work exactly as I expected? So at some point I decided that, especially when it comes to forums, forum guides is something I will never, ever do again. YouTube guides? Yes, maybe. I can do that. I do it at times. If I come up with a cool combo, I'll make a few short YouTube videos. That's fine. But forum guides it is it works for a while but then you kind of hurt yourself and others unless you can dedicate yourself such as you Anki, because to actually keeping it crystal clear and maintained every single league to the point of perfection and sometimes you can really only update something after you've played it it's really hard to derive all the changes before playing the actual league and seeing all of the mechanics in game and so forth yeah yep. exactly I had that problem like a couple of times. This time I was actually pretty lucky with Gavanic Field last week. It just worked out. It was bugged for like the first two weeks or so, whatever. But then ever since it worked, it's just really nice because it gives passive damage. Like the it's on it's on the boss for like six seconds by default. So you deal damage while dodging around, which is also really nice for the league mechanic now. And it's just some extra damage, which the build really needed. I mean, it's still not super high damage, but if it can kill über pinnacle bosses, then what more do you need, right? And what I wanted to say earlier was, I also did like a completely new layout for the guide this time. So this would take so much time if I make this for multiple guides. Like following this layout for multiple guides, I probably wouldn't be able to do that before a leak for like more than two or three guides. And also YouTube videos on top of that. It's funny you mentioned your Tornado Shot Guide Never Sync, because I'm not the sort of player who really follows guides. I still found yours very helpful just because of a wealth of information and different options that you laid out all of the different skills that you could use with bows at a time. And I found that super valuable, even though I never followed the build directly. I used it to learn about, okay, this is how Ice Shot works. This is how lightning arrow works this is how tornado shot works this is what i need to know to differentiate between all these different skills hmm. yeah i mean piggybacking on the whole like i think i think it's especially difficult with uh having to sort of fill the gaps when you get patch notes and um sort of preparing because there's some things that are still always obviously uncertain before league launches with specific builds but yeah i mean that's the hard part there and then keeping it updated as soon as the league does launch um like if, for example if like you know like storm shroud comes out and you 
you're not knowing mm. exactly like how expensive it's going to be but then it only ends up being like a couple divines it's like okay now i have to put that in the guide because obviously it's it's too good to pass up you know stuff like that yeah that and sometimes when there's like just a small change you get away with like making just a tiny little addition or omitting something from the build guide or like just changing a tiny little bit but after you do that like four leagues in a row you just essentially change so much about the build guide that you also have to reconsider the structure because you can't just endlessly tack on things and remove things and expect it to stay the same comprehensive build guide eventually people will just notice it's like patchwork and you need to like restructure it from the ground on up and yeah i can imagine that being quite work intense interesting that we pivoted in the topic of maintaining build guides the topic i was uh aiming for when i brought up the uh the art guide and the capability for ubers was actually do you guys think because this is something that people bring up a lot that there's not enough build diversity in path of exile that there's not enough options to make a good build and that all the good options are already sufficiently explored is that something that you feel is the case definitely no it's not a lot of stale like honestly like there is a lot of things that you could do but the meta is definitely stale it's been like this a little too long now like very little skill adjustments and that's most of the time what it all the only thing it takes and i think they give us yeah, very it's... limited ways to skill particular things like um yeah i mean i think they've been doing a really great job with uniques although i feel like the uniques themselves are a little too high end at the moment all the interesting stuff is really really expensive but that's just uh i don't know because they wanted to make chase stuff obviously right uh there's some winners obviously in the, in the low end too um but i mean in ssf i think it's especially difficult to come up with good builds because of the you know the fact that like uniques now are like very rare like for example even just getting a vixens is really 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 hard mm. trade league is not that bad but i think overall like the meta needs needs a bit of a bit of a shake up and it can just be numerical changes to for that to happen um yeah i mean i mean we've sort of been stagnating i think for the last three leagues that's just my opinion though so i partially agree and partially disagree first of all i do think the meta is very stale my disagreement is I'm not sure if a meta is stale because GGG hasn't done things so much as the meta is stale because players aren't exploring the things they added. A good example of this is something like Galvanic Field that's very powerful and very good as a tool for clearing maps that just isn't being used because no one sees it as the best thing. And far too often in terms of Path of Exile, people gravitate towards the best and don't really feel incentivized to explore outside of that even though there's something that isn't the best, but is more than sufficient for all the content that a player will be putting the build up against. I yeah, think I this is a... Be... Sorry, you, just, you go. No, go on. I, I only wanted to say that. Hmm. I think there's a general... So I definitely agree with what Tanky said. Uh, generally speaking, I believe the problem is that 
there, there are a lot of unexplored options, but at the same time, the explored options are often so simple, so potent, and so well explored that it's really hard to compete with them. It's not like there's no other skills that can beat something like, uh, let's say, Seismic Trap. There absolutely are a ton of different builds uh, that can compete with that. The problem is that there's so much exploration on the point of Seismic Trap that people have basically fine-tuned and POB has specific modules for that. People have done tons and tons of experiments there. The knowledge base there is based not just of a single person, it's based on the research of hundreds of people. So on top of being a solid skill, if you want to compete with that, you need to build up something very, very similar to that. And that is just very, very hard to do, especially in a game with a live economy where you want to stay competitive with everyone else. So people do gravitate towards uh, obvious choices and they do, do I agree that the meta is also a bit stale. But I also think I this is something where I actually like most of the things and mostly change GG does. I mostly agree to most of the nerfs. And like in this league, I liked most of the changes with very few exceptions. But something I really wish they would start doing is introducing skills on an overpowered scale. This is something I really think they should start doing. I don't like it when they introduce a skill, something like the new... I already forgot what it was. Tectonic Strike, Molten Strike, the new Molten Strike, whatever it is. Yes, yes, thanks. And that one is, it was kind of neat, but the problem with that, if you introduce it on a fairly poor level at the start, a few people will check it out, but because there's barely any research there, if there's like one single niche application and build that works, Maybe it will be discovered, but maybe not. But most people who will start with that will realize, well, it's lackluster. It doesn't compare to all of the research and well-done skills. So, for instance, I really like what they did with Lightning Conduit. Lightning Conduit came out in a bonkers state. It was absolutely too strong. It was really too strong. And now they basically nerfed it by 30%, and people still play it because it's really good. No one was actually really complaining about Lightning Conduit getting nerfed. It's still a viable skill. And I think this is what I would like to see more. I would like to see more skills that are powerful at the start, at the point that they're a little bit too powerful because you lack the knowledge to utilize them in an excellent way. But afterwards, people put actually the time and have the motivation to explore them. And afterwards, in the next league, they're getting nerfed. Right now, starting a new skill is kind of like a random dice throw. It might be good. But it might be absolute trash. I'm still traumatized by starting Hexblast. Like when I started Hexblast, the only way to make it halfway decent was to play it with Archmage Ignite. Otherwise, it was like trash Deer Supreme. It had just lacked any kind of damage or any kind of playstyle to enjoy it because you, yeah, it just lacked the numbers. Or there was a lot of problems for that. I, I don't want to go on that traumatic topic. No, I mean, like, you're right with when new additions are being made to the game. Oh, and Blade Trap. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. No, I when started new additions with that. are being made to the game, not, not just in you the skills department. Run. Also, like, we talked about the same thing with Lake of Calandra, right? Like, when a new thing is added to the game, there should be, they should err on the overpowered or over-rewarding side of things rather than on the yes. underwhelming side of things. Because... They put a lot of time into making that new content and they want that new content to be displayed on, on the streams and in the in the content. And if if I start a new skill, like let's say I, I would have started uh, Absolution a couple leagues ago, right? And then everyone sees, oh, that, that's shit. And then I change off the build within the first day. I think that's much worse publicity than me actually playing a new skill. It being oh, like, maybe it's a little bit overpowered and better uh, than other options. But... 
it it creates interest it creates discussion about the game it creates conversation where people are oh i haven't seen this before where as if if i just play the same op skill that i played last league because the new skills that came out were underwhelming and i had to transition off of them and go into something that's a sure shot where i know i can have a good league start with because that's the problem also is like you actively hurt yourself if you have a bad league start so yeah they, they definitely should make new additions very worthwhile so that they just get exposure and then you can make it balanced afterwards i think maybe it's not the right quote in this context but some game designer at at uh, riot games about league of legends once said something along the lines of first make it fun and then make make it balanced Yeah, I like that quote. I would treat skills differently from content, though, because players also see things very differently there. In Path of Exile, skills almost function as borrowed power, where when a skill comes out, like Lightning Conduit, that's just broken, you know you have that for three months, have your fun with it, and it's gone. When content, like let's just say Lake of Calandra, is overly rewarding, that is now everyone else's problem as well. Because Lake of Calendra is overly rewarding, if you're doing it, congratulations, you have lots of money. If you're not doing it, sorry, you're not relevant anymore, you're not playing Path of Exile because you're locked out of the economy, and in, if you're an SSF, uh, there's lots of drop rates behind the scenes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're going to feel locked out of a lot of gameplay as well. So I like that GGG's approach to content is undertuned and buff it, as opposed to overtuned and nerf. Players tend to be much more upset about nerfs to their loot than they are about buffs to their loot. With skills, I do think they should opt towards the it's really good when it comes out and then it gets nerfed later. A perfect example of this, or a couple actually, Bladefall Blade Blast. People did not figure that skill out for a while. It was insane from the second it was added to the game and people just didn't know how to use it. I also think that Blazing Salvo was really, really good and initially, because it worked so differently from other similar skills. A lot of people, even myself, thought it was okay, kind of mediocre. And a few leagues later, it didn't get any major buffs. People discovered, oh, this is how you use it. This is what makes it really good. Bone Shatter. In the initial patch, where, where I think an expedition where they added 23 new skills or something. Uh, no, 19 new skills, um, one for each ascendancy they added bone shed and a bunch of skills and initially everyone believed every every single one of these skills was bad and some of them turned out to be bad but later on over the time pretty much every skill was discovered like absolution became a staple in many summoner approaches for league start and bone shatter was dominating the meta over the past two or three leagues so hard but initially, pretty much none of them was used, and Bone Shatter was even laughed at. It's like the a worse version of Heavy Strike. So it's interesting to see how that develops. The problem is they release so many skills, and so many of them just fade into obscurity, like a bunch of old skills have done so as well. It just becomes overwhelming if they're not actually tuned, if they're under-tuned at least when they come out. They just don't really serve a purpose. It kind of feels weird. You know, we have guys who have been on this podcast so far that are game designers, right? Would you want to spend a little bit of time working on a skill, creating effects for it, creating some sort of interaction for it within the items in the game, the other skills in the game, everything like that, and then just undertune it so much that it fades into obscurity and is never seen again? 
that feels so weird and counterproductive to me and they've done that with so many skills like there's tons of skills from back in the day that they haven't touched and you know what that's i guess the way that they do things they they don't touch those skills it's fine we'll just release new skills that are equally as bad and that won't get touched <laughs> awesome <laughs> it just feels like a weird thing to do so i'd be happy with them overtuning some of them at least just in order to you know like how tuna was saying shake up the meta a little bit it has been stale for a period of time um and it's not that there isn't new builds that come out it's just that the much more obvious choices are still there and still relevant and something else that tuna said <laughs> as well but the patch note yeah seismic <laughs> being the the number one thing and then they decide to you know tune up temp chains and now suddenly seismic trap is even better weird uh but the kicker is the patch notes don't tell the full story almost ever especially with these patch notes because frankly when i saw them personally i looked at them and went oh this isn't compelling whatsoever and then i played the league and i'm like oh this league's awesome this is so much fun and there's so many things you can now do with the league however mm -hmm. it is still based on a lot of other meta skills that are and have been part of the forefront for a relatively long period of time. Now it's just, we'll take that meta skill, slap on internal damnation or eternal damnation, pardon. Got yourself a build there. Perfect. Yeah. Throw a lore weave on that baby. Oh, you got yourself a build. The good now stuff you is better. Vixens, you got a build. Yeah. I think, I think the problem sort of lies in like the fact that if you have currency, every, the game's awesome, right? get me wrong like all this like shake up meta stuff like that only applies to league start and if you don't have currency right because certain skills are such an upward battle to actually get the build to feel good and smooth it has to be like in my opinion the, the the only thing is like playability right like if it plays smooth and the content you want to play it in that's that's all you need and i think most skills just are so hard to get there that it's out of reach for the majority of players and it's kind of pointless to even create content around them because who are you making content for if you're not making it for the majority of players? But I guess like at some point in the league, you get to the point where you can just meme around and play whatever skill you like, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, for example, you can take like basically any strike skill, right? Like they're all just not great. They're, they're all just not good at all. Like I would love to play like pretty much all of them, but the the opportunity cost is just... Because they're not they're not even like they don't like much more playable than other skills, right? Like they just have so many so many issues with them. And then now we on top of that we have lightning strike that joined them as well. So, um, I mean, I think like so many skills just need a rework, not only numerically but also the mechanics behind how they work. And um, yeah, I would love to see that. I mean, look what happened with like cyclone, for example. It wasn't used for the longest time, and all of a sudden they they made it like a little bit better in Legion, and it was insane. And now it's again, not, <laughs> a little not bit used. better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and now again it's not used because it has like no radius, has negative thirty percent movement speed, and yeah, it just sucks. So I have a few points to add there. So I've written them down so that I don't forget them. Um, so first of all, safe skills. I think you, you it's really wrong to re review GG's strategy or how they designed the game from the perspective of balance. Balance was never the point of the game. 
And I don't think it just it doesn't even work here. The game needs to yeah. stay interesting. If you bring the game into a more or less balanced situation, Novena is actually inspired to do something really interesting because everything works in the same way and there's no interesting build combination. So there will be always imbalance. And on top of that, imbalance provides opportunities to fix. It gives players new incentive to try new skills. It gives GG something new to work on and to rework. So the whole game mechanic, by having this three months update cycle bringing players back, is revolving around them um, pretty much reworking and giving certain things attention. Like when people started yelling around because of the summoner skill nerfs, it's perfectly normal. It's like a rotation time. There was a melee time, there was a slam time, there was a time for summons, there was a time for archers, and this is a rotating cycle. And I'm while I'm not certain they're trying to give at least certain metas or certain builds in every meta some representation, I am fairly certain it's at least partially intended to give certain skills a spotlight so that the game feels even more different than it was before. Um, the second thing is I feel like they want to have safe skills. Something like Seismic Trap wasn't just a mistake that it wasn't nerfed. It's something to give players who are only caring about power. I mean, let's assume a league ends. What happens to that? What happens to all the characters? They go to standard. It's a graveyard. Some players play that, but in general, it has no effect on the gameplay. Um, so it's perfectly fine for them to give some players a way to, hey, this is a great build. We Oops, we missed it. And you guys are so clever for playing this one super high-powered build that everyone knows you must feel like such an advanced player. And so I think that this happens pretty much in every league. I don't think it's just an oversight. They always want there to be at least one or two niches of strong skills that players know who are power-hungry. Because uh, there's a lot of archetypes to play. Some players enjoy new skills. Some players want to play something else. Some players want to play something safe. And for these players, it appeals if there's one niche spot. So I think... I would bet that it's the last league for Seismic Trap. I think this one is the one. They also, their gameplay philosophy is take the worst thing, wait for that so long until everyone hates that, and then rework it like really good or change it a lot. You can see this happen a lot of times over and over. And I think this is what might happen quite often. So I feel like a lot of weird things we're talking about are intended, but the actual original point I want to get to is I don't think you can fix skills by numerically buffing them. I don't think you can also quite... So you can rework them and get them to work completely different. But the problem is the power of most skills does not come from the skill itself. Some of them have like mechanics like Blade Vortex that has stacks. Sometimes it comes from stacks. But usually it comes from emergent interactions with other mechanics. For instance, it comes with a lot of multipliers bouncing off each other because there's three uniques that interact weirdly. Then these things affect one skill really strongly. So you can't just buff a skill numerically because the base value goes up. And if this skill at some point gets into the spotlight really strongly, then at this point you suddenly have the problem that you need to buff everything up or you need to nerf the skill. So increasing this baseline will basically lead to the double development where you will have to over time put up crazy numbers everywhere to keep up. So that's why they're trying to sticking to buffing archetypes or buffing certain uniques or buffing certain synergistic effects instead of putting direct numeric buffs onto skills. At least this is my theory because I think GEGs has actually crafted a very fine balance where certain archetypes kind of flow into very direct um, power sources. For instance, you can of course buff... Um, well, I think that kind of goes a little bit beyond the point, but pretty much every skill kind of has a number of 
more multipliers or multipliers, they can take advantage of. And I think these are the things that actually make a very powerful skill. And the final point I want to make, and I'm sorry, then I'll be silent for a while. Ceiling. The problem of PoE is that you are basically encouraged to do the best thing you can do with your current content. So if you can run a 120 Atlas skill tree, despite still varying some trashy rare bases, you want to do that. And if you want to do that, you want to have a safe skill. And I have no idea how to address this problem, but this is something that basically forces players to go with safe choices most of the time. So you would rather go with a safe starter on softcore, mostly, because you basically have this situation. And this is something where I think self-found and ruthless provides a great relief because it kind of alleviates this pressure that you need to start with some meta thing because you can't plan with the meta thing there. So you can start with whatever and just enjoy the game. Well, I and mean, I'm still... And... Sorry, do you... please finish your point. No, 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 I, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> because you said, I, I was assuming you're done, but like there, I thought there was more baby. Um, what I wanted to say is, in, in solo self hunt, you'll still have to set up your league. Like You still want to sure. start with something fairly Absolutely. strong, but you don't have, there, there's no way that you can fall behind the economy. That's yes. basically yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, and I really like Gigi's approach in regards to buffing archetypes, and certain skills will benefit more, certain skills will benefit less. For example, right now, poison skills got particular benefit from the curse changes because it went from despair and punishment are your curses. Vulnerability says it is, but it definitely isn't. Don't do that. To now you have despair, punishment, and temporal chains. And all of a sudden, poison builds gained huge buffs from that, pushing them up in prominence in the meta. It, when it comes to skills... There's a problem that I've observed time and time again, which is why I think GGG isn't reworking skills as much as they used to, and they're instead adding new ones that are very similar to existing skills, which is when a skill gets reworked, there's still that stigma of, but it was bad for the last five years. Everyone's always told me this is bad. This skill sucks. Why would I ever play a skill that sucks? Sure, it got reworked, but I don't believe it's better. It's still the same skill. If you have Molten Strike, well, people feel like Molten Strike sucks. Personally, I would disagree with that. I think it's niche and there are ways to apply it. But Volcanic Fisher, oh, that's new. That's not Molten Strike. That sounds awesome. I'm going to go try that. It looks really cool. It's visually appealing, etc. So they have this very careful balance where reworking skills doesn't have the same effect as just making new ones, even if on a mechanical level, they're very similar and also, the PoE player base is very split. I don't want to put numbers on it, but I'm just going to say, you know, 70-30 here. 70% of players want to play something new. 30% of players just want to play one specific build every single league for the next 10 leagues, and they want it to be really good. I know a crazy person on the Discord that has played uh, Flicker Strike for the last seven years every league. Oh... I don't know oh, how he no. can manage the eye damage, but yeah. Also, to add to your points, first of all, completely agree to that. I think this is pretty much what's going on. But then also, I think players, especially new players, like the feeling of upgrades. The problem with equal skills is that the skills at level 1 doesn't necessarily have to have the same strengths as the skills of level 28. So when you go from Molten Strike to a new Felicity Molten Fisher, or if you go from Fireball to your big Flame Blast, 
even if it's not always directly an upgrade, mostly it feels like an upgrade. I think this is kind of a nice idea for the new players because new players don't get all of this stuff. They don't even get how the skill tree works. All of this elemental overload and crit builds, this is way too far out of their reach. They just understand potential damage, bigger damage numbers, nice enemies burn, enemies explode. I mean, even explaining the dot mechanics themselves in PoE is incredibly counterintuitive. Like, every single player at the start would assume the initial damage, the damage of the hit matters for the dot, right? Right? Oh, no. And there's, like, a million examples like that. So I think giving players some direct, easy upgrades is nice. Do you think build-enabling unique items is another good way to do that? Something like Crim Sorrow, where it's really obvious what you use Crim Sorrow for, and it's available enough that even a new player is either likely to find one off the ground or can easily purchase it from trade. Hmm. I don't really particularly think skills should be dependent on uniques to function or enabled by, especially not on weak start and especially not with how many uniques there are in the in the global pool in general. And then uh, I think yeah, I think PoE does a really good job at like having. Uh, uniques enhance things and as much as people say like oh it, it enables it that only really happens when you have like very intricate combinations of things um most of the time uniques are just basically enhancers i think that's 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 really fine like it sort of might enable a mechanic within the skill like within the build but it doesn't necessarily like enable the skill right i think enabling a skill is 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 not a thing that should be up to the unique if that makes sense no i 100 so, agree i mean if if you just let me quickly drive this on if you need something if something is mandatory for a skill it should be baked into the skill if it's not an option in the case of rim sorrow rim sorrow are just a really easy way to get that conversion oh they changed it to 100 right recently or something yes. like that yeah right well, then it's a little bit harder to replace them with something else. <laughs> but there's other ways to get that conversion, right? You could do a combination of tree and rare gloves and, and maybe some other items. So Rim Sorrow, I think, is fine for doing that, right? But yeah. I, I definitely agree with yeah. the idea that like skills shouldn't need a specific unique item to function. That's so I guess I communicated that a little poorly. I didn't mean the skill needs it, but builds within the skill need it. I.e., you can play Blade Vortex or Seismic Trap without Crim Sorrow. But if you want to play Cold Seismic Trap or Cold Blade Vortex, Crim Sorrow is a build-enabling item for that, which is also really easily accessible and gives you more ways to play the skill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind such things existing. Personally, I think it's good when so every skill should have some use case by itself without requiring a unique. But so the interesting combinations are sometimes really inspiring. I mean, this league I've played and one of my friends started with that. I know it took off over time. And this league I've played uh impending doom with one hundred percent reduced duration. So I've built it around a cane of Kulimak that has exactly fifty percent uh increased quality of gems and I had this um and it needed a 23% corruption, which worked out perfectly. And only then you reach 100% exact in reduced duration. So your curses instantly explode and use vixens. And without that, the build just doesn't work. There's like a few alternative options with Dialas and a few others, but it's cool. It's really nice and it gives you this feeling of achievement. It's like putting on a mage or a headhunter and suddenly you're playing a slightly different game. So I don't think it's terrible when there are these power spikes that can be enabled by certain uniques. 
But I think at the same time, no skill should function the same way that if you have the skill, and if you don't have a unique, it's dead, it's broken, it's trash, you don't need to use it. Yeah. I do kind of like, um, you know, the fact that they they remove threshold jewels in a way, because that's kind of how they felt. Yes. But it does feel kind of sad that they just removed it, right? Like, for example, like Frostblades is just, is just terrible without the threshold jewels, and they're just, it just isn't there anymore. Well, Frostblades uh, got a little bit of a turned it into a lab enchant. Yeah. <laughs> well, it had like a ton of penetration on it, right? Like from the threshold. Frostblade like... can probably survive that, especially, but it's more expensive now. Like, yeah. if you build it around something like Omni, you can probably still get away with it easily, but um, usually, yeah. I feel like they really have nerfed steel skills a lot. That as well, that's true. Mm -hmm. yeah. It just feels so slow without the threshold jewels. Yeah. And ironically, they introduced the uh, core of steel gloves in the same patch <laughs> for the spells. Yeah. I felt oh, like... <laughs> yeah. That's like overall. a little bit of a missed opportunity there with the Threshold Jewels, if I may add that real quick, because the, the original intention of the Threshold Jewels was providing an alternative way of playing the skills, like another layer of skill customization beyond choosing your combination of support gems and it quickly turned into something where it's either still not worth playing with the threshold jewel or worse or it's better but it would have been cool if there would have been like a, a variety of different threshold options that were all well not equally but maybe like comparably viable so that that there'd be an actual choice atuna you wanted to say something i'm sorry i didn't mean to yeah i mean you. no i feel like overall they should have sort of baked a lot of those things into the skill gems themselves or made them into alt qualities because it feels like a lot of things are just yeah i mean they're they're just lost and that feels bad even yeah. even just like um the fact that like you can't use the spark jewel anymore and it's a helmet enchant now like the opportunity cost of that is just insane you either have like additional projectile it's like you didn't gain anything from it now mind you spark is like so mechanically strong that i guess it doesn't matter at the end of the day and you have nimbus as well if you want to take it down that path but i felt like it just felt like, oh, we just lost something. And and that's how it felt like with a lot of Threshold Jewels. It's just, we just lost something and then there's nothing really to, to replace it in a way. Luckily, I mean, as I said, with the Spark example, there was things to replace it with. But in other scenario, there kind of wasn't. And, and this is bad. how you open design space as a developer has to update a game every three months because now there's new opportunities to improve and to buff and so forth. I'm not saying it's a great design and it doesn't cover its flaws, but it at least obvious there's uh, flaws or problems that can be addressed in the future. And at the same time, it improves things because the problem with the Jews was a little bit intense, like 99% of the Jews were terrible or not used or so, 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 so niche, no one would want them. So I kind of like where they're going with that, but I do agree that collateral damage is pretty much the core part of GG balance. Yeah, true. Like right now, Vixens is fantastic. Vixens is being put into so many damn builds, it's obscene at the moment. The Impending Doom build is absolutely amazing. If you guys haven't played it, super fun. Um, but who knows if Impending Doom is going to get nerfed, or if Curses in general are just going to get nerfed, and then the collateral damage is going to be Vixens has been nerfed in that way. It's just a strange way of 
of nerfing things, and they seem to do that over and over and over again. Like It's nerfed not by design, but just because it was beside whatever else they nerfed. So, well, strange. Times they just nerf because people are playing something. I think they they're pretty clear about that. It's not about whether something is broken or whatever. Like, I guess it's like people gravitate towards the most broken thing. So it, indirectly, they nerf broken things, right? But, um, I mean, you can you can expect like Spark to 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 get nerfed, right? Like it's just gonna happen because people play it a lot. And if if you play, if people play a lot like impending doom for the like next league or two, that's gonna get nerfed. That's just a cycle, and that kind of feeds into what Neversinks was saying earlier that it's about it's not about balance. It is about creating sort of this flow, things coming in and out, and that's just how I guess like how GG likes to do things, right? Um, but I mean, I would just love to see more things come in at a time, like a bigger batch of things, rather than it being so limiting every league of like oh, there's like two insane things. Because, like, how many, realistically, like, how many crazy builds came out of this league, right? I think maybe two or three. I, I agree. Couldn't really, I couldn't really think that, like, that there's many more really standout ones. And I would just like that to be more, like, I'd just like that to be, like, 10 or whatever, you know? Which is a product of, you know, instead of nerfing things to bring them down to everything else's level, why not buff things to bring them up to the strong skills' level? Shake I mean, up the that... meta that way. That sort of achieves mm. the same thing at the end of the day. I think it's more, again, for me, like it would be more about like looking at things and how they operate mechanically and sort of like tweaking around with them a little bit. Um, like, I don't know, like if they were to like change the way that secondary projectiles work on certain skills, that would already create a lot of interest for them, right? Mm. Um, just, uh, just stuff like that. But that's like, I think, much more difficult for them to actually accomplish than numerical buffs which in some cases numerical buffs can do a lot like for example if they were to buff like winter orbs base damage that's insane right but that's because the skill itself is already mechanically so good um yeah i think the best yeah. thing they can do is create or rework archetypes this is usually and then introduce existing skills into that archetype let's say they introduce something like lightning damage over time Something that right. doesn't exist right now. And then lighting damage over time has some special components that were not existing yet. Maybe it somehow scales with mana or scales with shock in a special way. And then you introduce a few unused skills into that archetype. Sud suddenly shock nova that is underused is there. Suddenly something that I don't know, uh, lightning tender also gets there and all of the weirdo lightning ground skills that I forgot the names that they create like runes and patterns, they also get introduced there. Suddenly you have yourself a completely new mechanic and these skills get integrated back into the gameplay. But the problem is you can't, there's some skills, there's just no way you can make them feel good or have a space in the game unless you make them so cheesy that they're just stupid. So let's take Heavy Strike as an example. Sure, with like absurd gear you can make any skill work, but there's like just no way you can make this skill viable outside of giving it so much damage that it's stupid that this doesn't make any sense anymore and this is basically what the their problem is and reworking archetypes is hard so i wish they would yeah. re rework like one or two of them but reworking archetypes is like you're trying to change one thing and any single touch you do pretty much resonates over the whole poe balance let's say you do something regarding auras this suddenly changes everything every single guide everything is affected by that you try to change something like how dots work everything is affected by that and this is something that i think it's 
also where their troubles are coming in because PoE at this point is so complex. Even finding people who understand everything is hard enough. And then finding people who are actually able to balance it is even harder. And people who can put balanced, interesting design ideas on top of that is even harder. And then you have to do it all in three months, test it, integrate it, get it to a semi-balanced state and make it good enough so that Reddit won't be whining around that. So I don't think it's a case where they don't want to do that. I think it's just an insane race against time while you have to bring out high-quality products and rework an already hard, complicated system. But I think ideally, we need more interesting archetypes. Like a ton of both skills can be revamped, given a new identity, threw in something completely new, and then it would be much better. I think this is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, and to expand on that a little bit, one thing that I really like about PoE is you don't have GGG or Chris Wilson in the announcement telling you, we just added this skill. This is the best thing in the game. Go play it. When they rework an archetype, some skills within that archetype will naturally rise to the top, even if they weren't prominent before. And others will still be really bad because they don't have a base damage or they don't have the mechanics. So there's always this cycle of discovery for players to find the new broken thing when an archetype is buffed or there's a major rework. And that's really valuable. I'd love to see it happen more frequently for sure. But instead of individual skill buffs, I definitely think it has to be these broader mechanical changes and then players find the broken things. The broken things are really good. Then they get nerfed and there's a new round of things for players to discover. Because mm. that's what leads to more build diversity. People trying something they wouldn't have otherwise because an archetype got reworked. At this point, I also think I would slowly head out. So, guys, thank you for the discussion. Kat, thank you for yeah. the invitation. And I think it was... So, yeah, congratulations on your 100th podcast. I might join tomorrow briefly in. So I had some slots there reserved as well. Yeah. Um, thank you all for your interesting ideas. Thank you. Thanks a lot for your Very discussions. I found your game and game dev knowledge really inspiring. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it was a great podcast. gaming discussion. Thanks for all the contributions. I, I, I couldn't have done it without you because I, I'm not super knowledgeable on different games. Well, after 100 podcasts, I think you are at this point. <laughs> well, about PoE, maybe. Well, I, I guess from what other people tell me about the other games, but hands-on experience is not that much. So I'm happy to have you uh, variety gaming experts. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and insight. And uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be happy to have you back on. We'll we'll have another eighteen hours of twenty four hour <laughs> podcasting. Thank you so much for all the work you do on Filterblade and you're oh, absolutely yeah. welcome in general. Really appreciate you're absolutely it. Absolutely welcome. We're already super booked for the next league. We have like a ton of plans for the things we rework and improve. So we're already in the middle of the reworks. Have a wonderful Thank you. night, guys. Bye. Cheers. Bye. 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 You too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. For those of you in chat who don't know, NeverSync is the uh, the man who uh, invented the item filter in Path of Exile. Basically, I always say hyperbolic, but it's it's a little bit of a hyperbole, but it's also true. If you go to filterblade.xyz, you'll find uh, a lot of useful stuff that is mostly done by NeverSync. He does have people who work with him on that project, but uh, I mean, at, at this point, like. I don't know anyone who doesn't make their filter that they use in, in Filterblade. It's so good. I, I use spend, Notepad. Uh, way too much time in there.
<laughs> it's not. I used to use Notepad. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> when I was still downloading them, right? And I, I used to make like some manual adjustments in Notepad. Everyone now, yeah, everyone now and then, every once in a while. But uh, since you can directly press the sync button on the end of the filter blade thing and up it to your account, then I don't have the file on my PC anymore, so I don't manipulate it manually anymore. There's just so many good functions in in NeverSyncs as well, and just having a safety net net there to 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 always fall back onto with the um, yeah with the filter, it's, it's just so good. Also, like being able to update it depending on like whether items go up or down in price, you just basically like click your filter, it updates. Um, I don't know. It's I couldn't see my myself making filters any other way, and I have way too many filters for way too many things. <laughs> At this point, so I mean, bless. It's too good. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to say the same thing. Uh, we we <laughs> talked. We touched quickly uh, in the the meta discussion. We touched on the 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 reservation stuff, and I feel like that lends itself to to a great discussion. Are we actually happy with the the state of reservation at the moment? Is there something that that could be done to make it better? Because I think the change from reduced reservation of skills into increased reservation efficiency that's been done roughly a year ago right almost a year i think i think that was a great change in retrospective it really uh made the stat a lot better for people who didn't stack a whole lot of it uh without making it overpowered for the people who like fully invest into it and um yeah the only thing i'm i i I'm a little bit unhappy with this that I see so many people, so many builds forced or at least feeling forced into running determination or grace or defiance banner or a combination of those. You can make builds that work defensively without them, but it's just so easy. But then on the other hand, I'm also happy that those skills are so powerful now because I remember not too long ago, like two years ago or so, they weren't even an option on the table. Like, unless you were playing an aura bot, you wouldn't consider those auras because, yeah, they, they just wouldn't match up in terms of total value that they add to your build um, compared to the damage auras. But, um, yeah, I guess I'm just curious to hear uh, whether you guys think that's something that needs work right now or whether that's something that's in a good spot and where, like, it could stay like this for a year or two or, you know, there's nothing that needs to be addressed urgently and you'd see, you'd prefer to see GGG work on other things. What is your, I what think, are your thoughts on this? Yeah, please go. I think it could stay for a year or two still that there's nothing super dire. I wouldn't say it's in a good spot though, because I do agree that right now the balance in defensive skills is off. Though, personally, I wouldn't address it from the perspective of adjusting the aura's grace, determination, or defiance banner. Defiance banner offered way too much power before through the alt quality anomalous for what it cost you. And I do think that's been addressed by the nerfs. Where I see adjustment needed is, number one, Molten Shell is too strong. And that makes defiance banner and determination feel too mandatory or impactful. Number two, there is no dexterity-based evasion-focused guard skill that builds have access to. So instead, they go for spell suppression to mitigate spell damage. And how do you mitigate fizz damage? Well, in a lot of cases, 
is attack damage, you're still mitigating with armor, those builds don't have very good access to the other tools, which are like Fizz taken as very easy on a chieftain or getting an absolutely massive life pool of dissolution of the flesh. Well, you're in the worst part of a tree for stacking life, so that doesn't work either. Uh, well, maybe you go energy shield. Oh, wait, you're not at the top of a tree. Never mind, that's a bad idea. Block up. Oh, nope, can't block. In fact, you're anti synergistic with block. Well, maybe you go something like Doppelganger's Guys. Okay, that works. It works in Fizz and Chaos, and now you need Max Res. Oh, wait, you're in the wrong part of a tree for Max Res. So something there to address that would help. And also, especially in the bottom right side of a tree and the shadow area as well, less restriction on what defensive tools you have access to. The only thing I have to say is one word simply for when it comes to reservation. Spell slinger. True. One single tier. Yeah. Would be nice if that got busted. It was so fun. Spellslinger is just fun. But there's so many good auras to utilize. And there's so much more stuff that you can do with your mana right now that Spellslinger has gotten absolutely dumpstered and gone by the wayside, sadly. And it was one of my favorite ways. To, I mean, I think anybody who used it to level enjoyed that leveling experience. But 100%. That's just my one little... Every single time I think of all the, the reservation changes, all the how strong these auras are. And keep in mind, like I'm primarily an SSF hardcore player. Like, I, I'm the kind of guy who tries to do all content under the most stringent, well, no longer the most stringent circumstances because Ruthless is a thing. But <laughs> that's how I enjoy the game. And all of these defensive changes that allow me to use these reservations, like uh, Grace, Determination, um, all these defensive things that are in the game at the moment are exceptionally strong. And I enjoy them. But every single build needs them. And it kind of sucks. Like I can think of only a few, a handful of builds that I would actually play in a hardcore scenario that wouldn't involve determination and trickster, uh, like, um, e or sorry, CI trickster spark is basically like the only one that I can think of off the top of my head that I would not use determination on. That's it. It's like the first thing I do in POB. It's like ah yes, choose a skill determination. But wait, what what active skill are you using? Determination is active. Like, before anything else, it's kind of sad. Yeah, just, I wonder if... Oh, no, no, so, just one sentence, because you just mentioned Ruthless, and it feels so terrible in Ruthless, because you don't get these auras, and you want them so badly for your builds. You know what feels terrible? Uh, the fact that I've been playing solo self on Hardcore for so many years, so many years, and now I can't even say SSFHC, by the way, because there's these guys who are like SSFHC Ruthless, and they're better than me in every single way. So I have no upper hand. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, nothing uh, now. So a solution for Spellslinger-like things that I think is really cool is how Torchlight Infinite handles it. Torchlight Infinite drew inspiration from PoE in that there are auras which offer reservations. They come in the form of passive skills. Passive skills are broadly broken up into auras, you know, 30%, 40% of your reservation, Imbue skills, 25% think of those like heralds. And then they have trigger skills. So in Torchlight Infinite, cast on crit is a reservation, but it's a flat reservation based on the mana cost of the skill. And then precise cast on crit is the giga endgame. I want to do huge damage with it. That is a 15% reservation 
again, scaling with the cost of a skill. Spellslinger was kind of this really weird thing where you could use it as utility. Think Edie Contagion Slinger or Chaos Slinger. Or you could use it as big damage like VD or DDVD. I'd love to see some sort of flat reservation version of Spellslinger that extremely limits what you can put on it, but lets you add it in as a utility. Then a percentile reservation where you're giving up an aura. However, you're giving up an aura for a much, much more potent effect that actually feels worth it and competes with something like Determination or competes with a Zealotry. Yeah, it already has way too much downside at the moment for for what it provides. Even just having like a 1-6 link spell slinger is already taking up pretty much your entire mana pool, so... Yeah, it's it's not okay, but <laughs> I feel like they, they barely even had the spotlight, which is a shame. Like it was okay for like a league or two, but it was never actually like an end game thing that people used. It's mostly like a league started thing that you swap off of. So that's one of those things that's kind of a mystery as to why they. I mean, I think again that goes into the it. It was like collateral damage more than anything, to be honest. It's not. Like I they think specifically so. Specifically I mean... targeted it. Maybe Cold Slinger got it targeted a little bit. That's the only build I can think of that was really destroying Endgame. Uh, it still definitely feels, though, like they weren't setting out to nerf Spellslinger. They just wanted to rework auras and reservations, and it's a reservation, therefore it got hit. Yeah. I think it's really good that the defensive auras are as good as they are. I think the only thing that is missing, and I think also Molten Shell, I think is completely fine. Because it's only really insane when you can use it proactively, um, but it's when it's like used like reactively, it's it's actually like kind of bad, honestly. Unless like you're in a map and there's like a lot of small damage incoming, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think the main issue is that essentially that you know dexterity characters do need something to be able to like reduce incoming damage, whether it's like a flat res uh, a flat reduction or just any way to sort of mitigate incoming physical damage. But, um, I mean, I think Progenesis is now, like, a, a really, really good way to be able to do that. I think if you're a Dexterity-based character, you don't need you don't need Determination or Molten Shell anymore if you have a Progenesis. So long as, uh, yeah, you have, like, you know, Spell Suppression, decent amount of Evasion, and Progenesis, the build's just really, really good. Don't need anything else. But I think, yeah, yeah obviously a... Molten Shell is, like, the outlier where it's, like, it's so good. Um... Why why can't like other, you know, like um, defensive archetypes have something similar to it? Because they're just, I mean, Immortal Call is pretty okay, but it's it's only really really good when you have endurance charges. Um, it's kind of funny because like left side of the tree, bottom left side of the tree has determination, has all the armor nodes, and it it also has Immortal Call, right? Which is not like really something that synergizes well with, um, uh, you know, Ranger or right side of the tree. So they actually have two really, really good defensive skills when invested into, whereas Ranger just has nothing. So there's definitely a gap there for sure. I'd say three, because they also have the best access to max res. Yeah, true. I think evasion is like, if you, if, if you really ask me, like if I ever had to like value evasion over armor, I would go evasion any day because I play softcore. I think evasion has always been one of those things like, um, do I want to stay alive? Yes, take evasion. And if I had to stay alive, then I would take armor. For most of the time, like being evasive, like having being able to like not get hit a million times in a row, 
is is better for a character that's not fully invested into max life and defenses in general, right? Whereas like in hardcore where you can't you can't die, right? <laughs> then then you have to fully invest into all these things, and armor is more like makes more sense there because it just works like basically in a way that it multiplies all of those things. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, although I'm gonna disagree a little bit with you on the evasion thing because there's recovery on block and on spell suppress. And those are also insanely good at dealing with a lot of little hits. I've actually integrated Elevore into my Wave of Conviction Ignite build because I realized the things that were killing me usually weren't one big spike of damage. It was lots of little hits. So I had a recovery on block shield and I had the Elevore for recovery on suppress. And all of a sudden I felt completely immortal while mapping. And maybe some sort of recover on evade would help keep it on par with things that the left side of a tree has. Cause well, again, you do have Elevore. That's really good for a ranger area. You get lots of spells press basically for free on your tree. Life gain on block is insanely powerful, easily up there with Elevore. And that's on the left side where you get all the other defenses to mitigate things as well. I mean, unless unless you're playing like a totem build, recovery is never really an issue it's on the ranger side of the tree. Especially especially if you're like playing like an attack build, it's just free life gain on hit. And if you're a spell build, even then, like having a vitality watchers will pretty much gap that. Like, will pretty much make that a non-issue as well. If if you do want to build that way, of course. But uh, definitely, Elevore is like an insane item. It's very very good for early league. It's de uh, definitely like I think sleeper, one of those sleeper items. Um, Absolutely. Where I worry about recovery usually isn't when I can hit enemies, it's when they can hit me, but I can't hit them for whatever reason. Yeah, fair enough. I was thinking of something, but I forget. Um, yeah, maybe it'll come back to me. <laughs> I have a very similar feeling. Uh, how expensive is Elevore? Like, is it super affordable on the first couple days of a league or what? Is it like yeah. something you should be looking out for? Like a couple chaos. Yeah. And you'll That's probably drop Yeah, I found like one or two and sold them. Uh, like, I sold them? No, dumped them into my guild stash and people picked them out probably. But like, yeah, I, I, want, I just wondered because obviously if it's super cheap, then it's something that is very reliable to build around early on. Yeah, and it yeah, gives you more spell suppression on it than you can get on uh, any other helm, right? So it's up to 25% spell suppression, up to 25% uh, ailment avoidance. It's huge for the first few days, even in hardcore. Like, I know it doesn't really give you any HP. It doesn't give you much armor or evasion, really. It's kind of low on that. But oh my evasion. god, does it actually... It caps your build out, though, so easily, right? Yeah, it, it does. It's so good. Yeah, especially if you're a raider and you already get a ton of suppression and avoid. Put on an Elevor and take one suppression node on the tree. And then, oh, what's it called? The avoid life nodes down near the bottom of Ranger. You're basically done. It gives a lot of evasion, actually. It was like 600 or something? Mm, yeah, it's got like three, 344 base with 100% increase. But that depends on the roll, of course. It's pretty good for, for a starter helmet, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's super high value on a single item. Just obviously the downside of not having life. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's that big of a deal when it provides as much as it does. I think like in some uniques, like 
Like, yeah, you'd get like 70 crafted life or 90, but this thing is insane. It's like 200 life when you suppress spell damage, 25 suppress, 25 avoid, 600 evasion. That's like, True. that's pretty good. <laughs> it's more so the life, ability to put, uh, like, you can't put Fizz Taken as on it, right? Like, a rear helmet can give you Fizz Taken as directly from the, the Corel bench. Then you can also get more Fizz Taken as from, uh, Eldritch from Eldritch Implicit mm. or Iker, the Ikers, either way. Um, and then you can also get Curse Effectiveness too, you know, by adding on the Searing Exarch Implicit. So, like for the first few days, oh my god, is that is that item amazing? Because you don't have uh, Ikers, you don't have Embers, you don't have anything really to, to get you that quite yet. You probably haven't even seen that uh, that helm drop from Corel yet, probably for the first day or two. So. And for the first little bit, even in hardcore, honestly, I use it on my Bone Zone character for the first probably like almost like week, I'd have to say, because yeah. it just is so good. And I think it's a really sleeper item that a lot of people don't realize. Like it's very powerful to to get full suppression, to get full ailment avoidance, and also, I mean, the the life gain on hit from you know taking damage from when you suppress stuff is damn nice when mapping it doesn't do anything for you in bossing you're getting either killed or you're not if you're getting hit by something but for mapping it feels damn good i think i think ranger is in a, in a bit of a weird state because it kind of goes back to also um what you mentioned earlier about there being not not being like max res but i feel like face taken as in most scenarios these days since you do kind of if you do want to go down the determination route it's almost like you take more damage if you take physical as because mitigating physical damage is actually not that difficult unless we're talking about like big physical hits. Yeah, like, I was can... gonna say like yeah, your average like burst from monsters and maps like projectiles that fly at you. Yeah, you're gonna take more if you convert, probably. But uh, that isn't that worth it to be able to survive like big hits that you take every now and then. But, like, realistically, what big physical hits are you taking? And most of the time that I find myself dying on most characters is when there's, like, Fizz is extra elemental. And it's it's mostly just always going to be, like, yeah, just getting elemental damage <laughs> taken, basically. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, think physical damage is quite easy to mitigate. It depends on if we're talking about mapping or bossing. On bossing, there are some really scary Fizz hits that can still completely flatten you. If we're talking about mapping, yeah, it's usually a lot of little hits rather than one big hit. And it's definitely double fizz as extra combined with elemental damage and not pure fizz. Also, chaos for anyone who isn't capped. That's just going to obliterate you with a chaos weaver enemy. Uh, cap your chaos res, you should feel pretty good about that. Yeah. You can definitely feel this it as well with like altars, right? People don't really like look at them too much. But anytime you, you hit a fizz, taken, a fizz is extra altar... Or sorry, you're in a physics extra map, and then you just get like obliterated by like the 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 you know the titty bitches. Ah, <laughs> uh, I played yeah. SOS Poison and the the BPL, and I didn't get super good gear beyond my first like round of really good. I mean, I, the the team gave me good stuff, right? I got the build yeah. running well, but like one thing I didn't have was chaos resist, so I was like mapping with like minus. 50-ish chaos resist i had like one chaos resist item and every time i accidentally clicked like an uh an eater not eater uh exarch exact, altar yeah. with the, the circle <laughs> the around extra you, chaos yeah. it was so bad i got one shot so hard yeah yeah here's the thing right now like so 
as a hardcore player, I'm more worried about Fizz than anything. Um, but there is so... Because there's more ways of mitigating elemental damage right now, especially Lore Weave plus Damnation. Okay, you don't take almost any elemental damage at that point. That's now, true. if you add in Transcendence onto that build, you now don't take any elemental damage or Fizz damage. Yep. Suddenly you become immortal. Um, like, so... Steel Mage has, uh, has POV'd out a Pathfinder um, impending Doom build. I actually was POV'ing this out the day before that, and then he POV'd it with Zai's help, and it's so much better than the one that I made. Um, it, the amount of damage you can take from it is obscene. Like, currently, again, it's got Lore Weave, it's got Eternal Damnation, it's got uh, Transcendence, um, so you don't take any of the negatives from Transcendence. I have a double fizz taken as Ellie damage, Watcher's Eye with Purity of Elements. Um, yeah, like looking at the POB from that, I know again, POB math, but like effective hit pools like over 300k, I can take a 63,000 fizz hit and live. Pretty <laughs> like much it, anything, yeah. I'm planning on using this to just tank Maven memory game or just literally tank anything in the game and just stand there and laugh in hardcore. Should have it up in the next week, hopefully. And then we'll see. Watch me die to the memory game anyways, because POB is not in-game. Like, it doesn't matter what <laughs> POB says. That's made by humans, and we're all fallible. Um, in the game, I'm going to be a cocky jackass and die, probably, by being that. But at this point in time, I feel like Fizz still... Because, I, you know, my focus is usually bossing. Like, within the confines of mapping, I don't really take much Fizz damage, right? You know, things yeah. are dying before they're hitting me. But the risk is physical damage in large chunks because it mitigates all of your armor. Like, yeah. Sure, I got 90k armor. Did you get still overwhelmed? Still gonna die to a fizz hit. Yeah, overwhelm especially. Oh my god. That's so sad. <laughs> if you accidentally click something that has overwhelm on it, on Jug, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you built. Um, but at the end of the day, just because of how armor works, armor is still relatively unreliable. So switching stuff from fizz to Ellie value big value to me at least yeah that's true that was more coming from it from a perspective of like softcore build the bare minimum of defenses so like it's like i wouldn't i would never consider going for uh, going for you know like uh lower even things like that on a build because of the opportunity cost of having something else obviously but i i do completely for, for I, th I could definitely see that from your perspective it's it's yeah physical damage obviously the biggest issue yeah, and I agree with you also entirely. Like, if I'm playing softcore, evasion all the way, yeah. all the time. Because if it screws up the once and, you know, then the 90 times I get hit, it screws up once and I die. Yeah, okay, it, it happens. But, you know, in hardcore, there's, I guess I just die now. And yeah, I'm sad exactly. for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> One time yeah. I played hardcore, I was depressed when I died. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. play hardcore anymore. I feel nothing anymore. Hmm? Was that your gauntlet run? Where you did yeah, so I was doing really well, and then I just died, and I was like depressed for two days. So I was like, okay, I'm not <laughs> playing anymore. No. <laughs> but you gotta yeah. have those 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 sour moments of tragedy. They they make it so much better when you have an actual success, right? Not for sweet me. Better doesn't taste as sweet without the sour. Better to have loved and lost than to have never had loved, right? I suppose the hardcore experience. <laughs> so one other defensive item that doesn't get enough attention is doppelgangers guys. 
people look at it and go, oh, it has no life. Yeah, but you take 40% less fizz and chaos damage. And those are the two things that it is often inconvenient to get additional defenses for. By the way, just for people who don't realize, Doppelganger's guys, when put on an animate guardian, is always sane. Yeah, makes him immortal, basically. Yeah. Your AG will not die. He's just regening, <laughs> like, how much does he regen? Like, 30% of his life every couple seconds or something? It's pretty yes. good. Absolutely insane. Yeah, it's, it's still going to die, no, no. like, if you're doing Uber Sears or something, probably, though. Just Uber because, yeah. fuck that fight. <laughs> I lost my Absolutely Guardian in BPL because I accidentally, I did, like, 10 Uber at Series one day and everything was fine. And then next day I went into Uber at Series. I did one Uber at Series and I dashed out of the double at Series Flame Blast the wrong side and my Guardian didn't make it out. He took both Flame Blasts and, like, instantly 90% of his life was gone and then he, he burned down and was dead. That was a terribly tragic moment. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't too too expensively geared. I did have Asana's gentle touch. That was the biggest loss. Everything else was recouped relatively quickly by just looking at what my team had gathered on trade. But yeah, I, I definitely learned from that and unsummoned my animate guardian every single time I went into Uber at Ziri because yeah, never again. This has been a great discussion. It's getting a little late for me. I need to go have dinner and do some stuff. I did want to leave on one end note in terms of defenses, though. And that is, how do you feel about damage over time? Because there's so many defenses in PoE that only apply to hits. And especially physical damage over time cuts through a lot of your defenses where all you can really do is get recovery or get more health. Or, of course, just accept that you're going to die to physical damage over time. Yeah, kind of Wrong degens. Pistol sucks. Well, I, I play a lot of ranger, so it, like the the main way to mitigate that stuff is regen, and we have zero. So yeah, it kind of sucks. I, I guess like having a keystone there is nice, but pathing to it is kind of annoying as well. By the keystone, I mean I'm sorry, I'm really forgetful with names. Leaf shade. Yeah, leaf shade. Yeah, so. Except for right. that, yeah, it sucks. Like, mitigating dots is, is super, super annoying, for sure, on the right side of the tree. Sometimes I feel like Burning Ground is balanced around the existence of Abaras Pantheon. Like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, we don't need to make this damage balance because everyone is ignoring it anyway. Yeah, you spec that thing already, League, and you never take that off. I never take that off. Burning Ground nice. is just way too oppressive to, um, yeah, to not have that. Maybe while farming either, right? But like when you're, you got the Exarch locked in, there's no reason not to do that. You're mitigating so many downsides of shrines by yeah. ignoring burning ground. Yeah, definitely. 80 max fire res and still taking the like half HP in like less than a second from damn burning ground. It's just because it's not suppressed, right? Yeah. Suppression only happens on hits. So they've seemed to balance lately around the idea that suppression is on a lot of characters. And then there's those degens that just absolutely destroy you. Fizz degens from all well, the fizz and, and is it chaos as well from Uber Cirrus? Yes, just... I believe it's fizz fire chaos. Okay. Um, that's those also... burning ground. Just that's how you die. 
Doesn't the Ubersaurus Pulse also disable your region? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make it even better. Of course. Uh, good luck if you don't have life gain on hit, I guess. Yeah. Wait, what specifically in Ubersaurus deactivates your region? The the meteors with the burning ground thing? Oh, the, the puddles that you also get in the like in the last phase. Yeah, okay, that, that's what I meant. Like they're 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 meteors falling down that leave the puddles, right? Like visual, visual. Yeah. Maybe I, I got it wrong. Yeah. Like comets. Also... They're not like meteors, like the big meteor in the meteor phase, but like they're they're like little things that come down, leave a mark on the ground, and that stays. Whenever he does the negaton beam, I think it's called in PO, PoEDB, um, where he charges up the thing and then it spins. Wherever he charges it up, that should leave a degen there as well on this on the spot that he does start the charge. I on. just died to that earlier. Oh no! <laughs> You're trying to get the damage in by standing right next to him when he does the everlasting fire. Makes sense. It's it's a good moment to get the damage in because he stands still for a moment. It's the only moment to get damage in. Yeah, <laughs> that fight's terrible, man. Uber <laughs> Cirrus is the only one where it's like a little bit ridiculous. Did you guys see Ben do it on a one link bone yeah, shatter? Yeah, I was gonna ask. It took like yeah, yeah. three hours, but <laughs> yeah. Uber Cortex can also be very ridiculous, and that to me feels worse because it's so inconsistent. Sometimes Uber Cortex falls over. Other times, oh, you've unlocked the Turbo AoE Giga Hard Mode version. Have fun. <laughs> I, I found like one that Cortex this whole league. I have gotten probably about like three and a half million kills. I'm level 100 on one character, and I've been farming on that character for almost a week and a half to two weeks now. Level 98, 95, 96 on another. Anyways. I found one Cortex, and if I put that damn thing in and it bricks entirely because of all those mods, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> yeah, don't you bad. also don't you also have to be like efficient in SSF, and then you also need to you can't really do the Cortex before you know you can do it with, with Maven Witness. Typically, yeah. I mean, we're in a GSF, so there's like ten of us playing right now. Okay, um, so you can get more Cortices. Yeah, but. Yeah, I'd rather be efficient with it and make sure that it's witnessed. Yeah. I always feel bad about that, like having to save content until you can do the, the most rewarding version of it, basically. Right? I mean, you could do any sort of invitation. Uh, I guess with the invitations, you don't really need to juice them. That only scales the generic drops, but not the guaranteed drops. But it does somehow link to the conversation we had earlier about the Uber bosses, where it, it kind of, if you, you know, if you can wait until you can do the Uber version, there's no reason to do the base version, because the Uber version is just strictly more rewarding. That said, though, before uh, you feel like you're overstaying uh, just for the sake of us not being interrupted, Tanky, you wanted to leave. Uh, thank you for your contribution. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for always being there when I ask you. It's always great to have conversations with you here. And uh, yeah, can't, can't wait until we have the next podcast. Uh, this one, obviously, a little bit more experimental and a little bit more. Well, I'm, I'm trying to let everyone like just bring topics and let the, the discussion evolve naturally even more than usually. Because, you know, there's going to be 24 hours in total. And uh, if I just bring up all the talking points that I have in a quick fire mode, then I'm going to be done in two hours, which I can't. 
But yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll get new guests in soon and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for having me. It was good to meet everyone. It was Cheers. an absolute treat to talk about some other game design topics. Uh, I'll maybe be back later. All right. See you later. Thank you. See you soon. Yep. Right. And now Enki needs to step up <laughs> because you've been very silent, Enki. Tell us a little bit yeah. about, about your perspective on no, the game. Like, what are your like, exactly passions? In, not, not exactly my topics for, for right now. Well, what, what so, are your topics? What are some of the pet peeves that so, you have with some, Path of something I Something I really love about this league is just how different the Sanctum is from the base game. Because I'm, I'm, I'm huge on Dark Souls. I, I'm huge on games like Hollow Knight and such. Like, you know, dodge-based dodge, basing, dodge based games where like your positioning and everything matters. So I, I was really happy to also have that kind of element in PUE and even to the point where there's like challenge runs now because that's also something I, do, I like to do. And yeah, I, <laughs> I'm i kind of burnt out right now, so I haven't actually tried a hitless run myself yet, but I hope it's, it's something that stays separately in the game. It also opens up some design space for like potential races and such, or like for, for side content. Just if we keep it in the game, we definitely need more than like one room per map or I, I don't know how they would implement it. Maybe just like a map drop where you get the entire Sanctum or I, I don't know. They, they will find something. Definitely uh, like yeah. that that content too. It's good stuff. It's just problem problematic when it's like RNG gated. I think that's a huge yeah. issue with the league and a lot in general with PoE. I know somebody that went three level 100s without getting a relic to do the no hit run. <laughs> and I found one all league. And I played, I played the Sanctum a lot, so it's kind of disappointing when it's so yeah. RNG gated and you're not able to access certain content. Yeah, I have I felt uh, so bad. Oh, you go first. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I felt so bad because literally 15 minutes after the patch, I logged in and killed Lycia and got it on the very first kill and then watched Waggle go, what was it, 94 kills or something yeah. stupid without seeing it. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Hmm. And then I was like so frustrated that I didn't get a, didn't get a second one. And then I just, uh, a mob hit me through a bookshelf when I attempted one. <laughs> <laughs> F. So it was <laughs> a good time. But then I, I kind of started ignoring Sanctum from there on. Because I just, I just couldn't be bothered. Because like the, the, the grind that I was doing was basically like 20 second maps to spam Sanctum, right? And I did that for like two weeks. Basically, just like run, kill boss, get sanctum, go out, and it just got like so boring after a while. And having only gotten like one no hit relic from that was absolutely demoralizing. I'll be honest with you. But I think if you're just playing the content casually, it's some of the best content they've ever added, to be honest. And if you don't expect like big things from it, it's great. But um, definitely, I think the relics themselves are way too weighted to give you terrible relics. Out of all the runs that I've done, I've yet to actually even have a relic that I can be like, this is wicked. To be honest, when I look through it, it's quite almost embarrassing. Because like, the best thing I have is like maybe like crit multi for spells or something like that. Even having yeah, they seem to, to they seem to give you one affix quite often. Rather it's than so two. terrible when you get one affix. Especially when yeah. it's a good one. <laughs> 
The best one that I've found so far, again, being a hardcore player, absolutely useless. Two or three cold damage per 10 decks and spell suppression on it. Like, yo, that's, yeah, I'm going to use that. Yeah, I would love something like that. Yeah, I would like to say, people would jump like a jackass. That. And make, I'd make a build for that. I know. Like, every, I have one of my mods, a guy, Tiny Brain Gamer, who's in a lot of Twitch chats. He's linked me earlier his deck stack and build. He's like, how can I fix this? I'm like, with this relic? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the thing is, like, I, I, I'm an advocate. For, I, I like the fact that they're not tradable because it makes people run the mechanic itself, right? I think it's a, it was a great thing to do it that way. And I think a lot of people are complaining about the fact that they are not tradable. But it's not because they're, they're not tradable. It's just because, like me, they, all they got is to just shit all league. So... I mean, the balance needs to be a little bit more skewed towards giving you like more gifty rather than it being so punishing like it usually is when it's balanced around trade. It feels like a mechanic that's balanced around trade, but without trade, which is it's 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 literally the only thing that I will complain about this league because everything else I really enjoy, but this one thing really pissed me off, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You're not <laughs> the only one. You're not the only one. I've, I've I've heard that a lot in my chat actually, where people like, I, and I'm surprised to hear it from you because like you know when people in my chat say it, like people who you know maybe don't play full time just like yeah, yeah. me or like you know people play casually have other real life obligations and stuff like that, you know, but some a power gamer like you I would have expected. I mean I was actually saving that question up in the back of my head. What are your mm -hmm. best sanctified relics? And to hear from you that you don't even have to sh like anything to show for your massive time investment especially after you've done like a, a period of time where you literally just ran into the map got the sanctum ran out yeah. and, like like made a build specifically like for it and everything yeah i mean uh yeah like it, it's really bad it's really really not good yeah. uh, yeah, i think the one percent think about the guy who yeah. goes to work eight hours a day at the very minimum you know, he's got the wife, he's got the kid at home, the baby's brand new, he spends a lot of time with the infant. He's got to do 32 maps to get a sanctified relic that gives him, like, maim on hit. Nice. Stunning block nice. cover that, or something. That guy's or getting like the value in. Stun threshold. <laughs> yeah, so I can quickly show the ones that I got. My best sanctified relic that I have on my character right now gives me 7% chance to block spell damage and 7% increased damage per power charge. And that's not really good. It's just two stats yeah, that are not utterly okay. useless. Yeah. yeah. And especially, I'm using it on my Death's Oath right now. And uh, I actually got the Forbidden Right, uh, Forbidden Flesh and Flame combo just so I can utilize it, right? To get increased damage per power charge. And I got power charge generation and more increased damage per power charge and increased AoE per power charge from the Ascendancy. But yeah, without that, I wouldn't have used that. And it's kind of also pointless on this build to stack power charges anyway. It's just, you know, because I got that Sanctified Relic, I was like, might as well. And then the next best one I have is actually one of the first ones I got. It has 23% increased energy shield recharge rate and fire exposure on hit for minus 15 fire resist, which I could see maybe somewhere CI Ignite build, low life righteous fire maybe, although they probably have better access to exposure somewhere um yeah master fire and then other than that i did one five for one and i got a cold damage leached as life with chance to avoid being ignited and that's basically all i have right like i mean i have other ones but they mostly have one stat or non-synergistic stats like minion move speed and flat lightning to spells who cares about that 
right? And yep. uh, terrible, oh, terrible. Actually, that relic, I can think of a use for it. Which one? EA Champion, or the uh, the one that's got increased, uh, the one you're just mousing over, so they inflicts fire exposure right? and uh, has recharge, faster right? recharge. Yeah. So EA Champion using Diadem, there you go. Or, or full fire conversion SRS with Eldritch Battery. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you do uh, the Guardian variant also of SRS is both EB and uh, you're scaling fire damage off off your SRS. So there you go. There's another one. But then you got to hit them. So it takes time and effort. <laughs> yeah. It's not... The thing is, if you're playing that build you'd be really, really idealistic or naive even to assume that you'd be getting that specific relic. And if you have that specific relic, then it's not not just it's just not good enough to warrant re-rolling into that build. It's just not something where, you know, like, oh, ah, the Pog, I'm going to re-roll a new character for that. So that that's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, yeah it's not build enabling. It's just build synergist, like synergizing, I guess. But the thing is, again, them being so very unreliable... And the lack of reliability of getting an actual decent one, because again, continuous one affix ones, which is the most annoying and aggravating thing, uh, it kind of sucks because they aren't tradable, right? Just give well, us power. Well, you can five for one them with the vendor. That's that's about it. Right. Somebody was bringing this up the other day, actually. So you can five to one with the vendor. Yeah. Have you gotten one from five to one-ing that has two affixes? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the, the one that I mentioned. The okay. one with cold damage yeah. leached as life and chance to avoid being ignited. It's so not far, a good I've one, done but it does five of them, stats. and they've all been one stat. I'm like, oh, really? That's awful. <laughs> Game, come on. And again, part of the one percent. I'm the guy who's done, you know, like probably 70, 80 sanctums at this point, right? And I just that's feel terrible. bad for the person who has not been able to do that many. Yeah. So, like, I've done more sanctum than probably like a hundred people, even more. Like two, like yeah, I, I, I'm probably in the in like 300 sanctums. I think I don't know. I'm even saying some ridiculous number, but it feels like I've done way too many. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems crazy to me that mm. I still can't have anything. Like I, I would even like settle for something that's like you know, like lightning damage can freeze or like that sort of shit. I'm already like hyped about, but I didn't get any any of that stuff. It was just more like boring generic stuff like more damage or a little bit of resistance or suppression or something like that where it's like oh cool i get uh a, an extra stat it's it's like cool i think the cool yeah. the coolest part about it for me is being the invocation obviously yeah exactly then you, because you the just invocation can't use anything it's like, yeah it's wicked but uh, like, i have know. not got a single good one i got impaler twice <laughs> <laughs> Like, luckily, I just buy them, right? So for me, it's like, oh, if I want MOM on something, I just buy it. But then if you only have trash sanctified relics, like, how do you justify putting it on a sanctified relic? I mean, I do it because I'm not going to get a good one anyways, right? So <laughs> So I was going to make a joke about me having a defeatist attitude. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it is what it is, right? Like for my sparker, it's like I got the multi. I'm like, well, whatever. Spend 10, 10 divines putting MOM on that. Because what else am I going to get? Mm. So 18 dot multi, cool. Like, that's cool. Yeah, I guess. You see, it's, it's weird for damage. me when I hear guys like Steel Mage who are like, okay, so for this build, I need to get the plus three 
to uh to max cold res or max fire res relic okay so i could probably do like 60 70 sanctums and i'd probably get it by that point and i'm sitting there going like fuck that i'm i'm <laughs> not i'm never gonna get it i'm like i'm like with you on that i'm never gonna get it so don't build it yeah. into the build at all if i find one that is conducive for a build i'll probably just build around it at that point because again they're not tradable they're rare finding yeah. a good one is rare uh, out of curiosity yeah. enki you haven't mentioned your relics at all well, do you have any good relics uh Sanctified? yeah so i i did find um aura effect but that was together with like overwhelm or so so it didn't really matter to anything i played and the the other only good one i only found at like level 99 that was 30 spell damage and 12 cast speed which is huge for me because i use annihilating light so i'm missing out a lot of those stats on on my weapon but yeah it's normally not really something that you'd really be happy about right like it's, it's very it's generic really basic yeah yeah it's like stats that you could easily get elsewhere i mean it's numerically it's a buff yeah. right and you could, there's no level restriction on sanctified relics right you could just pop them in no this one requires level 60 never mind i was gonna say at least you can use it for leveling a new character but... yeah that's also the thing yeah. that's like why like you could have like relics that are wicked for leveling right for your speed leveling stuff and that's fun but no you, you can't use them until level 60. I don't yeah, know. Like the, the, the really cool stats are just so rare. Like I haven't seen anything like your lightning damage can freeze or like stat stack stuff. I, I think I the most rare I got was, was the aura effect. I understand that the like super special ones A are rare and B are like raising the level requirement of the things. But why a relic with 30% increased spell damage and 12% cast speed needs to have a level requirement when they're not even like they're not they already said they're not going core, right? It's only for this league. We know that for a fact. So, yeah. It's a little bit lame. Yeah, we should be more positive because the idea of them is like everything I love. Right? I, I just, that, that shit is awesome. Like an extension of your build that can be like transformative and you can also swap it between characters. Like everything about them is like really cool. The keystone, the evocation, it's, it's, it's really, really nice. I mean... I guess we could at least say positively that the invocation is not like a count bound that you can actually trade it and the invocation is already like a big chunk of the power of the sanctified relic so if the base relic that you're using is not that great but you got the invocation yeah. that serves your build then it's still a massive boon it'd probably be more likely for me to farm the invocation i want than the relic i want though why is that well, because invocations, you can re uh, like you target have them. like a, a pool, and they're not weighted, and you can you can pretty much target farm them, yeah. In a way, because like you use the relic, and you get an invocation, and there's a set amount of them, yeah, and they're not yeah. weighted. So it feels more realistic to me to get like an MOM invocation than it is to get like um I don't know a relic with like frenzy charge or a relic with uh damage can freeze or ignite or whatever. Well, you may get the relic on the way to the invocation. <laughs> I mean, I, I did. I just didn't get the invocation. I uh, mean, I, I, I didn't get the relic. Sorry, the other way around. <laughs> Pretty much got like every invocation. Just never got an actual good relic. That's fair. Uh, you said that that's your only like big criticism point 
So Pretty you've much. kind of gotten over. I remember when you were on the podcast with Grim, you said that you don't really appreciate like that it forces you into a sort of degen playstyle if you want to do as much Sanctum as possible. Have you gotten like over that, or is that still something that annoys you? But that you feeds bit? into the whole relic thing, right? Because it's so hard to get a good relic that you have to go fast and play degen. If that makes sense. Because like it's well, like, but even uh, if the relics weren't a thing, like in order to do the the maximum amount of sanctums that you can do in a given time, you'd still have to play that, right? Yeah, I suppose. But the big the big payoff for that was to get a to get a relic, right? Like it's it's not like you're making that much currency doing it. So it was sort of like, um, yeah, you're doing them fast because you want to get a relic. But then as soon as I started be, becoming like, I got, I got used to the idea that I'm not gonna get something that I want. So then I stopped caring. And to be honest with you, I even then probably like actually stopped running it because I just did it too much. You know, I was doing like one every 40 minutes for two weeks straight and playing like 10, 10 to 11 hours a day. So after that, I was like, well, I'm tapping out, boys. <laughs> this is enough for me. I guess it's yeah, a quick way to get saturated with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, then itself already says that it's a pretty good mechanic because other mechanics I probably would have given up earlier. It's a lot of hours that I put into it. Yeah, I mainly, honestly, mainly try and get as many Sanctums as possible, not because I think it's a good return or uh, because I want, like, specific Sanctified Relics or Invocations, but just mainly because it's the most fun that I'm having while playing it's like I, I just want to do these sanctums and i want to get good at them yeah it really was a lot of fun when i was getting into it for sure i think it's like yeah. pro probably one of the best mechanics because like if you compare it to like any other mechanic right like um it, it just has so many more layers to it than anything else that they've added in recent times and i think that's really mm -hmm. good i think the thing that comes near to it is possibly like um heist. yeah like heist right but, I mean, I think most of us can say that, like, nobody actually likes running heist. It's not like, I mean, like, some people like running heist, obviously. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't hate it, but it's, like, definitely not as fun as Sanctum. Yeah, it feels like I'm doing, like, my homework or something whenever I do heist. It's like a chore. <laughs> I kind of like... Some people like it, though. What I like about heist is that not everyone likes it, and so it's automatically, like, it has a space where it is, it can remain valuable to do, right? It, it can be more rewarding than other things simply because other people don't like it as much, or not everyone likes it. I think but it's rewarding everyone... because it's rewarding, right? It's insane the amount of stuff it drops. And sure, it's it's even more rewarding because of that, but... Yeah, what I'm saying is, like, if everyone was running it, they'd have nerfed it, like, three times already. Yeah, that's probably true. But I think most people that do like it, they don't necessarily enjoy the mechanic itself. They enjoy the currency from it. Yeah, right. And the, the, the having to run the mechanic is not as bad for them as it may be for other people. So it's like a, you know, unbearable <laughs> pain. <laughs> for sure, yeah. But there are also people who really like it, no? Or is that like a very, very small minority? Well, I mean, I think it's a... I think there is a subset of people that do enjoy it. For sure. But I think it's because it's one of the least effort um, 
like you don't truly need to invest a lot of uh, a lot of your attention and effort into actually running heist if that makes sense. Like it yeah, sort of is at the end of the day that. once you have a build that's good for it. It's just a running simulator and then looking at items, which is fine. Like you can, it's good for like people that just want to chill, watch Netflix and and hang out or whatever. Like make currency while doing that. Um, so I'm yeah. I mean, like, yeah, just to crack up because Lizard and Chad said heist is the Walmart of way class. You're ashamed to be there, but the deals are undeniable. <laughs> Remember endless heist league? Remember that people leveled to 100 in endless heist? Didn't uh, we have someone on the podcast recently who played to 100 in endless heist? Oh, I don't remember who they were giving was demis, it. right? So I mean, True. that's a carrot and stick over there. I mean, yeah, yeah. selling your soul for a demi though. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I I think I got to I don't remember what I got to, but it was even before they they buffed the XP, but it was horrible. Holy, it was so bad. It's probably my least favorite event they've ever done. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really say much because I played Endless Delirium because I was so starved for content. Because again, I had just gotten back to being able to play PoE. So I did Mayhem did delve and then i did delirium and oh my god that was so painful what a pain i i wanted a god slayer but you know what it was not worth it wasn't yeah, worth engaging in that one. kind of cock and ball torture <laughs> Legit. i did the first one and then i knew exactly when they announced the second one that it was just gonna be the exact same shit and i was like yeah i'm not logging in for that one boy <laughs> I'll, I'll probably see you next least start dude i'm not it's crazy at like all. i finished playing that and then i went outside and i realized there's colored green did you guys know that there's green in, out there wow <laughs> behind enki right now let's see the world not in grayscale that green for behind enki is like a juicy green dude <laughs> it's uh amazing Oh yeah, we a big question. How many divine altars has everyone seen? Divine shrines None. are the shrines that make you invulnerable. You, you mean the divine altars from Eater, right? None. Zero. Three and a half million <laughs> kills. No, no. Mostly on Eater. Zero. Mostly I haven't on seen Eater? Almost okay. all of it on Eater, actually. I've done 35 or 40 Eaters so far. I think 40 now. Ooh. Um and haven't seen a single one of those altars or the exalt exalt altar either i did find the exalt altar but it was like literally the last pack and i didn't get zero like i, I got nothing at all oh boy that sounds that sounds even worse than not finding one yeah i got a few but i, I as i said I, I was like power farming um when i was power farming i was i was i was running eater i think so I think I got like uh, four divines and like five exalts. But I think this was during the period where I ran like um, 32. I was probably running like 300 maps a day more, I think, around that. So statistically, like every day and a half, I should have had one. So it's about, it about right. Because I did that for like a week straight. So it's about right that I got three or four each. And then I stopped, I stopped doing that and I just went back to Syrian Exarch. But yeah, it should be like a 1 in 600 or so. Get an altar, so if you're below that, then 
That's unfortunate. Far below that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just farm uh, Exarch all the time to save myself the potential disappointment, right? <laughs> and I got ashes, though. True. Ah, uh, awful. Yeah. I love ashes. Such a good unique. It really is. Now, if only I could find it. <laughs> In BPL, I did get an Exarch altar with uh, annulments, and I took like okay. 13 whole annulments out of the map. That was good. I mean, sure, they're not worth as much economically speaking, but they're still fairly rare currency. And if that happened in SSF, I would have been pogging out hard. That way I was just like, you know, I posted it in global chat and dumped them into the guild stash. Man, Harbingers are, are crazy, yeah. Like if you farm Harbingers for a week, you'll have like 400 annuls. Yeah. And like one fracturing orb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, if you're using the sextants, you get a decent amount. I wouldn't say, like, decent, like, a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I went from 99 to 100 doing harbingers with the sextant, and I got three and a half. That's, That's pretty decent. Bad. Yeah. And I hear that the, the Atlas memories are even better for it? Uh, I hated them, personally, but they they often do give, like, one or two. I think, like, mapping is better, honestly. Because okay. the the memories themselves are, they're just uh, like tedious to set up because you have to like orb them and whatnot, and you're better off going in with MF because all items are converted to splinters. But generally, it's just it's just doing harbingers and maps is just far better, I think overall. Um, mm. Even with a specific setup, where you, like like you said with the MF and potentially going in and a duo. I mean, potentially trio. not, but there's a lot of opportunity cost to running things outside of your atlas compared to on your atlas you have like altars you True. have like all of that kind of stuff right that, all the other that, mechanics yeah yeah and plus i'll be honest it's just the effort of buying the buying them buying the orbs to set on your maps then having to roll everything inside of the little, little square um i don't know it's just it's just because like i like running maps where i i roll like a few hundred of them and then I don't, I don't think you just you just spam right and that's how i managed to actually run hundreds of maps a day sometimes because they're, they're there they're set up and all i have to do is grab them put them in my inventory and put and, and just and just do it right yeah uh, but if, if every time i have to stop i have to grab an orb i have to roll it uh that completely breaks the flow and then i just i just get like frustrated and do something else and i, that I always consider that as like one of the major factors as to whether uh, like a farming strategy is good is if I can just do it seemingly and uh, yeah because that, that affects so much um, how yeah. much currency you make from it obviously and obviously how much fun you have with it too yeah it makes sense you want to like minimize friction basically yeah hmm. but on that note um, I do need to head off for a little bit I probably uh, should go try and farm some eater altars. And, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I should grow, grow grab some food and stuff, though. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Congratulations on episode number 100. Uh, congratulations on the BPL win as well, by the way. Congratulated for that one. Uh, I didn't do much. Uh, you know, it was Rise who got the disfavor. I can claim that he, he got my streamer RNG after I went offline. but Still contributed. Um, but thanks so much for having me on. Again, I can pop on whenever you guys need me. Um, I'm around most of the day and I'm around tomorrow too. So 
I'll be here. So if you guys need me to pop in sure. later on, let me know. But in the meantime, I'm going to go grab some food. Yeah, Thanks again food. so much. Destroy that food. Get that, that uh, ashes. Oh, I will. <laughs> Take it easy, boys. Yeah. Bye, Rex. Have a good one. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Balor Mage was supposed to be here, but he's just letting me know he needs some more time. So we'll just need to stall for him. But you guys both have been on for a while. So if you need to go, I could also like run the thing solo for a little bit. I could uh, get get one of my mods in and have a conversation. Or we could play a, a fun game. I wanted to test out this new Discord game. Like Discord recently Shit. added like a, uh, you know, suggested activities here. There's a, a game called You Know What I Meme. And I have no idea what it's about. Uh, it probably would be funner in a bigger group. Uh. But Valor is not coming for uh, another 30 minutes at least. Probably more like an hour. So, yeah. Uh, I asked you earlier, Enki, whether you have any pet peeves or anything specifically that you're passionate about with Path of Exile. And you mentioned the Sanctum. But is there any anything that, like, annoys you about the flow of Endgame or about the leveling, about build making? Any Anything sort of that... You know, lends itself to a substantial discussion. What I kind of dislike right now is how we kind of get back into this matter of where every build becomes either an ignite build or a poison build. I d I don't like that at all. I mean, I know it's not really every build, but it it's for for many skills. It seems like the the solution is make it make a ignite version or make it a poison build, and I'm I hate it. I, I'm not a fan of it. Hmm. Not sure I see that all that much. I mean, certainly that what I see is definitely that damage over time is just always so superior because it ticks while you move around and you don't need to stand still to deliver it. And that that's yeah. something that I, I don't even know how to solve properly, right? It's like that old thing that Balor always brings up where how can you even make melee better than, than range? Is it possible? Probably not. Mm. And full circle from double dipping. Yeah, true. Back in the day, double dipping was the, the, the thing that enabled yeah. and made poison and ignite the, the best thing. And now we don't have the double dipping and still they're, they're incredibly strong. Especially now yeah. with also things like original sin. Although that that's of course a really expensive option for like that's probably out of reach for most people. Yeah. But yeah, that that's pretty much only the like the only thing that I have that I kinda dislike about the game right now. Other than that, I feel it's in a pretty good pretty good spot. Like uh I mean the the stalemate we've already discussed that. I think, despite the still meta, there's still like a really huge variety of builds that are decent or good. Just gotta like set your expectations that you probably won't have like hundred million DPS, but you don't need anyway. And maybe you only have like I don't know ten million, twenty million, which is still more than enough, I would say. Like for for me, that's that's more than enough. What what is your benchmark? Definitely more for than enough. Builds? Una, when you plan a build, for how many start? millions do you go for? 
for league starter, you don't need much. I think like if you're league starting, four mil is like the sweet spot where things are not uncomfortable. Like, because like realistically, like what yeah, what do you need to do on league star, right? Like if 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 I was look, going by my standards, is I need something that maps well, um, but can do its bosses, like its tutorial bosses, because I need my washstones, right? And that's basically it. And and four mil is more than enough to be able to do that. And then past that, it's just more pumping into quality of life and making the build cheap. Um, because damage always comes with currency later on if you do want to eventually scale it. But it doesn't matter to me that Seismic can do ten times as much damage because it, it to me it feels like shit to play it. So it's just as simple yeah, as like yeah. my mapping experience would be diminished and my enjoyment for the game would be diminished if I play that over something else. Um, so I don't play it. And I just plan my build around quality of life, mapping efficiency, and fun. Yeah, Does that make sense? It's the same. Like for me it's more about how does the build feel? How many buttons do I have to press? How many buffs do I need to like manually keep up? If, if, if it's like, I need, I need to press five buffs before the boss and then I don't know, like put out 100 billion sparks first. So, so that I then kill the boss in like one second. I'm, I'm, I'm not really interested in that myself. So for me, it's really more about how the build feels rather than if I deal the most damage possible. I mean, that's true for, like, general farming situations and getting through maps, but uh, I, I do see that if your goal is to unlock the, the Void Stones, as Tuna said, and there's a certain amount of damage that you want in order yeah, for yeah, those definitely. fights to not be definitely. absolutely painful. Yeah, but I mean, you can really get away with almost no damage on those bosses. Yeah, You'd be surprised, the, like, if, the, you're, the if you have, like, bosses. decent recovery, even, like, Rislata Pantheon, you just, <laughs> you can do that on, like, two mil, man. It's fine. Yeah, one mil, two mil for the non non pinnacle bosses is definitely enough. Yeah, I think the only thing you might struggle with is like early Maven. But yeah, because that that's like really you know it's really punishing if you stay in there a long time. Um, but in trade league, most of the time, unfortunately, this is how it is on league start. But uh, like the, the the invitations and stuff, they're really really expensive because people carry people in them, right? So like the price of, of them are like dictated by people who can basically extract like twice as much of their value just by carrying people. So most of the time you're just better off getting carried. Just buying a carry for like 40 to 80 C and then you got your last two watch zones. And it's also kind of liberating in a way because that means that you don't have to plan around like, oh shit, I got to do Uber Elder and Maven as well. So I do have to play this kind of build. It's like... I kind of ah, like the... The first two void stones are so accessible via the quest invitation that you kind of get get them for free almost. Like I mean, they're they're easier versions of the bosses and they're easier to obtain. Like you get them yeah. faster than the regular and in, uh, invitations. And even if you fail them, you can regain them quickly. We talked about that very quickly. Also, um, yeah, you get three or four maps and you get it again. So that that's basically what Balor is asking for when he says he wants to have like loot lootless free versions to practice the bosses on at least for those two bosses that exists right yeah or th four actually because if you if you don't finish the uh the black star and the and then and never ending hunger endless hunger endless hunger then uh, you also get them back really quickly it's just when you finish them then you can't get them again yep 
It'd be cool to have like challenge type bosses um, that you can spam. I don't know. This is just like more of a thought, but it's I, I find that like really fun about certain certain games, like you know, like Dark Souls. Uh, like Enki would probably agree with this in Dark Souls, like where you find like you know you put yourself through a challenge run, and it's nice to be able to just spam a boss. Sometimes, um, it's the same in Terraria, right? Like, and and that sort of allows them to make design bosses that are like extremely hard in certain scenarios. Um, I think I think I don't know. It would be cool to have sort of like a challenge version of certain things that you can access but not give any rewards, potentially. Where it's like the reward is beating it. All right, we got uh, we got another guest joining in on the fun. We got a fellow baldy with a, a lovely voice, uh, very known community streamer, long time around in Poe. Please welcome on the cast Aphelion. Clap, clap, clap. Yo. <laughs> We need to we need to stall until Aphelion notices that he's in here and <laughs> and then and the, yeah are you are you affiliated with Twitch Kappa God there we go uh, welcome hey, how are you doing are you muted oh yeah I think I think you're muted did I mute you shit no it's I'm muted on our end too that's am I good. Oh yo, there it is. We we're hearing you a little bit, a little bit silent. Is there is there something you could do on your end to? How's that? Oh, yeah, that's lovely, much better. wonderful, perfect. Cool. What's up, guys? Yo, Catmaster, seven hours in. How you feeling? Uh, actually, I was like really. The, the thing is with my sleep schedule, I was like really having a super hard dip like three hours ago or something like that when like just half an hour ago i looked at the time i was like oh we're already six hours in that's already 25 percent through the 24 hour cast then i got a little bit second wind and i think honestly from now on it's only gonna get uphill it's like i i really got tired the last couple of days early evening like 8 9 10 p.m my time that was really that's when I got went to bed, and then I woke up like really early at two, three, four in the morning the last couple of days, and like, uh, yeah. You're going to bed at nine p.m. That's not very gamer of you. It's really gamer. It's like because then I can get up really early and start gaming before <laughs> everyone else get those hours in, right? Now nah, it's like honestly, I just struggle to keep a consistent schedule, and it's also kind of not desired to keep a consistent schedule because I need to rotate my schedule around all the time for the different podcasts at different times. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of good to to remain flexible and to be able to. much but the like being being awake being energetic that doesn't work yet i have to figure it out but your sexy sweatshirt is making me want to take off my sweatshirt to reveal oh, oh it's that kind oh, of podcast shit, I don't all have right the shirt on oh, that boy. i was oh god i don't have my pure shirt i'm gonna get my pure shirt uh Aphelion, quickly introduce yourself to chat and, and say why you're here and what you're doing hey what's up everyone i'm Aphelion, or you can call me adam that's fine too uh i'm a smaller poe streamer i play ssf softcore uh Mostly just uh, poking around, focusing on delaying challenges for as until I stop being lazy and actually get to them. Um, yeah, but I've been around PoE for about since Essence League, and uh, it's it's my hobby. I, I love this game. Look at this guy, Fall Fall of Oriath. Wow. Oh yeah. Look at that flex. 
There we go. Nice. Ah, so now of that expansion I came out. Uh, that was actually like, Earth? yeah, that was that actually was like when I got in. Yeah, when I was even introduced to PoE, because I'm not like really like a long time player, but I didn't even know PoE existed. It didn't do a really good job at advertising itself, to be honest. So, uh, what but did in, you play before PoE? Wow. Uh, uh, I played uh, mostly like uh, music production <laughs> and university. <laughs> so, not, nice. not much games. I was working a lot as well. So, uh, and then I got back into gaming when I got like uh, in my master's degree because that was like master's degrees are like not much work, mostly just like doing nothing. <laughs> so, then I just like gamed a lot during then. And so, yeah, when I got back into PoE. I was like dipping my toes here and there, but yeah, I think around like incursion is when I started pretty much no life in the game. Was Pee Wee the first game you've ever no lifed? Mm, no, no, definitely not. Uh, I mean, like, uh, I, I was like no life in games in high school, um, and I was like Counter Strike one point six and Dota, uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, sorry, World of Warcraft as well, but that was a little bit later. But yeah, Dota in Warcraft three, of course, because. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> like I was basically like we'd go to the we go to the net cafe on weekends and stuff. That was uh, that was my weekends. Were you more into like Warcraft three co op or were you like against your friends and like talking shit and all that? Yeah, that. But in uh, in Dota, basically, it was like oh, you know we have like five boys there and then we just queue against other people in the net cafe. It was like much like a really like community-based place we all knew each other and it'd be the same people every time every time we go so yeah there was it was mostly like lands just a lot of playing land cs dota and stuff like that never got old and i did that for like five years <laughs> damn so you started in 3.0 i'm curious dude when you started in 3.0 between 3.0 and now 3.20 that's 21 leagues What's your favorite league? Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. I would have probably it would have had to be in Legion and the league after Legion, but not because of the leagues themselves, because of basically because of delving. Uh, I think that was like the most fun delve metas, and it was like it was just too good for me. It was like everything I ever wanted from from a game. <laughs> So, yeah, those would have to be in the best leagues for me. That was when I was, like, pushing, you know, like, ranks in Delve, and I just couldn't sleep. I'd just wake up in the middle of the night, like, I got a Delve. I mean, in, in my head, the, the, name, the name Tuna is still very, very closely associated with Delve. I'm just, you know, <laughs> surprised that after all this time, it holds up so well in your, in your memory that there hasn't been another league that overtook that. Yeah. And I, I hate to PTSD you, but I remember... Uh, my my first time ever watching your stream, I was like, dude, this guy is like the ultra Delver. And I remember one clip of you on, I think it was GFL, where you dropped a mirror and then died right away. Oh, that wasn't <laughs> me, man. That wasn't you? I could have no, sworn no, it was no. you. No, I never, I never dropped a mirror. You never thank, dropped a thank, mirror? Thankfully, oh. also, in that situation. No, I never dropped a mirror. I would have expected you to have dropped a mirror as like a, a power gamer who kills so many thousands of monsters all the time. Yeah, it is a bit weird, but I mean, it is so rare, right? Never, never really 
expected. I've dropped like all kinds of stuff, but I'm kind of unlucky when it comes to like T zeros. Like I've never dropped like a headhunter solo, or or a mage blood, or I've I've dropped like a bunch of fucking fishing rods. So <laughs> cool, I guess. <laughs> oh man, you reminded me of something. Uh that's gonna haunt me forever. I successfully repressed the memory already. But during Parandas League, do you remember there was like a end of league two weeks race? Like Parandas HC, I, th I don't know, was it HC only or it wasn't SSF, was it? But it was terrible because I played a build. I think it was like a poison trapper. It doesn't matter what I was playing, but I was looking forward to getting <laughs> a lightning coil to be able to survive. And then I met Kadiro and he offered me a song of the sirens. And I would have been able to afford it, and I didn't buy it because I was I need those coins for the lightning coil if I get the offer. And I never seen that fishing rod again, and it's insanely rare. Feels bad, man. I still never fish. I saw reef beans only. What? Cheap? No, I saw reef beans. I've never seen a song of the sirens myself. Yeah, I think I think that was before Reefbane was even introduced into the game, right? I mean, I'm I'm 100% sure it was Song of the Sirens, even if Reefbane was around then. But I think it couldn't have been Reefbane because it just didn't exist back then. It was the only mm -hmm. unique fishing rod. I'm actually googling Reefbane right now to make sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. When was Reefbane added? 2.6, wait, 2.6 is... Do you think they make balance passes, uh, passes on fishing rods? They're like, ah, oh, this one's too strong. We have to, we have to nerf it a little bit. I mean, have you seen how much cast speed reef pain has? Yeah, it's crazy. Imagine, right, so like, that in the I'm... hands of a competent fisher. Yeah. 40% cast speed. Man, you know one thing that, like, I don't know, it's just, like, thought, like, uh, also because 10k, like, implanted the the Torchlight Infinite stuff into my brain earlier, but one thing Torchlight Infinite does with, like, corruptions in that game is it elevates mods on uniques. Some shit like that would be so cool in PoE. Like, imagine that, being able to, like, corrupt, like, uh, like, a special kind of corruption that would like bring a bring a mod to do something different. I don't know. Sometimes it even like modifies modifiers in a certain way, where like it it, it even changes what it does. It's it's and it, super. It cool. makes the item worse in ninety percent of cases. Sometimes it makes the item worse, but in in most cases it actually makes it better. Um, well, in pretty much all cases it makes it better. Like corruptions in a game are like because you can't divine uniques. In the game, so like corrupting something is just like, oh, I'm just gonna do it, it doesn't matter. And the only opportunity cost is that you sell it for less because someone else can't corrupt it themselves, right? Because it's like it's like a gamble, right? It could be insane if you hit the right corruption. And if you corrupt it and it doesn't, then then it's like, oh, it loses a shitload of value. I'm sure anyway. something like that could be like a mechanic, like a league mechanic going forward. I think I that's was about something. to say that. Yeah, yeah, like uh, you, you go ahead, thank you. Yeah, that that that's probably like I, I can see that happening with like the next Val, Val themed league. It would be would be like the next logical choice after what we got so far. It would be really cool. 
Because like, think, what uh, else are they gonna do? Triple implicits? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like <laughs> implicits are definitely cool. Uh, but yeah, it'd be it'd be insane. Like the amount of things that it could open up to, to like. Yeah, like like imagine like oh replica lore weave or something like it would be absolutely insane in terms of power level obviously but like instead of it being like seventy max res it would corrupt it to seventy five or some shit like that it's like it's like absurd right the amount of power level but uh, how rare it is to hit something like that as well would almost make it like yeah it's like giga chase I think it'd be cool I've always. The... The biggest problem with that would be like it has to be balanced per unique, like the, the yep. specific outcomes. And there's like what 1k uniques in the yeah, game, too many, yeah, for sure. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be the infinite to, amount of work for them. Work. I totally agree, but I mean, they did make alt quality gems, true, yeah, yeah. That's crazy if you think about it, like all quality gems and like every league when they introduce new things that interact with like gems in some way or gem quality, you have to check basically all of them to make sure that none of them is crazy overpriced, uh, overpowered. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward the ne to the next league when we get something like crazy overpowered like that. The, I mean, those... We shouldn't have leagues like that all the time, right? But like something recombinator level where it's like, oh my god, everybody get in here, play this league. It's going to be insane. Those come around every once in a while and they're always really exciting. Yeah, man. Recombinators were such a feels good man league thing. Can't wait for them to come back. Even if they don't come back as items, but just as a form of like a reward for a league. Right, like like a you know similar to a crafting bench and betrayal or something like that. Just allow us to do that same thing that recombinators do, maybe at a at a lower rate, at a lower success rate even. But like just just allow us to do this thing because it was so cool. It enabled so many fun things, and it made people actually look at items, which yeah, not not a lot of things that they change about the game make people look at items. Which is kind of sad in a, in a in a game where items are so tremendously important. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. loot-based RPG, and uh, we spend a lot of our time figuring out what items to not pick up. I think that's okay, though, right? In a way, that's like that's fine. I mean, there's like a lot of terrible items, but I don't know. I, I think that's. It's okay, but they're they're going moving away from that more and more. Like you're seeing them not add any like any shitty uniques in recent times. Like none at all, actually. Whereas it used to be almost a <laughs> what tradition. What about the oppressor? Yeah, but the oppressor was was the only reason it came. It was designed was because at the time Trash or Treasure still existed, and they they didn't want to make it like so you could guarantee you get a squire right that's like literally mm -hmm. the only reason it exists yeah they had to scramble on that one yeah aside for that like i can't really think of any uniques that they that they added that are like completely useless in recent times there used to be a tradition almost like every league it's like oh how many one elk uniques do they add Mm. I think the rework to uniques has been fairly successful as well. 
I mean, a lot of them didn't really change all that much, but some there's some really standout ones, man. Cloak of Flame, man. All that that incoming fire dam, uh, incoming fizz converted to fire, and not just the hit, but also the dot. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah, I'm in love with the Alas. I think it's the best item in the game. Uh, yeah. Diala's malefaction, the the chest yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's like legit the best thing in the game because it enables so much cool stuff, and that's solely because of alt qualities, right? But it's the only way in the game to be able to get that much additional quality on your support gems. So it's it's just insane the things you can do with it. It's just it's it's really cool. What's an example yeah. of something crazy you've done with it? Or are you seen done? Okay, so uh, a friend of mine like proposed like uh or like showed me like an interaction, right? Um there's basically like a storm call gem which gains AoE per quality, but also gains reduced cast speed. So when you stack quality on it, and I had like a level five enhanced link to it, you could get to the point where like your storm call cast time is over a minute. So it's like a minute and a half to even cast one storm call. But then you have uh like two hundred and fifty percent increased AoE on it. Um, and what I did is, uh, to circumvent that, I used cast while channeling Cyclone to, yeah, to be able say, to, just trigger. to to counteract it, exactly. And on top of that, I use alt-quality Cyclone because when it has that much quality, it actually gives you increased movement speed rather than reduced. So the character ended up having like 300% increased movement speed while Cycloning. And then it was using Spell Cascade on top of that to just cover the whole screen with um, Storm Calls. Damn, that sounds fun. I'm I'm sure your GPU loved that build. <laughs> it was basically like a two-link build, but you know, when you pump enough currency into something, like I had an annihilating light in Mage Blood, it didn't really matter that it had only like four mil DPS, because it's like you just map with it, you hold right click, and it's like <laughs> and that was just so much fun to play. And that's the thing that the uh, the Alice enables. And there's all the cool shit you could do, like um even just like raw power stuff, like getting alt quality cast on crit to give you like 55% more uh, damage to attacks. So it just becomes like the best attack skill gem. Um, or even like, uh, gonna be playing a build soon with uh, Flicker Strike and increased teleport range. So basically you right click and your teleport range is further than your screen can see. So, so basically the whole goal with the build is gonna be uh, clearing a map with one click, hopefully. <laughs> It's just it's just such a fun item and I just like I just like stuff like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be like the strongest or most powerful build, but it, it spawns like fun concepts that are only viable with that's uh, with the chest itself. Flicker strike teleporting you off the screen. Ruthless players have entered the chat. Oh, Ruthless true, actually. <laughs> they could use that as their movement ability, holy <laughs> Is there any like anything where you can summon an enemy that you can flicker to? No, probably not, right? I I, I was thinking no, like similar to not. the the chain hook memes that people are doing because you have no access mm. to proper movement skills. I I heard people are actually like throwing out hydrospheres and then chain hooking to them. You can't chain hook to the floor. Uh no, you can only chain hook to walls and obstacles and enemies. Oh, right? again. And like point to the floor and chain hook there, but you can put a hydrosphere there apparently and then chain hook that. Jesus. <laughs> it sounds so horrible. 
I mean, oh, I just need to go somewhere. Let me just cast the hider sphere and talk to it. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> that, that's what uh, being deprived of actual dash skills, blink skills, uh, makes you do. I mean, you just, just make a fast movement point. speed character now. I guess, like, <laughs> yeah, Quicksilver is also, like, short, but Jesus. Yeah, Quicksilver is short, and it's like, I mean, getting actual boots with move speed and ruthless and other useful stats. Mm, yeah, yeah hard. that's true. I mean, you could go for, like, Gucci build, like, Queen of the Forest evasion stacking. That's probably what I would do if I play ruthless. Some, like, ghetto Queen of the Forest stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I think if you get a Queen of the Forest, you'd be very happy to already have that, but... True. And getting the evasion to actually utilize the movement speed bonus completely sounds like pain without actual access to grace. Yeah, see, I think, like, for example, I think Ruthless could be pretty fun to play in, in like, trade Ruthless, not SSF. Where it's, like, <laughs> it's already limiting enough to... Yeah. It's, like, man, playing that in SSF is just too far for me. Yeah, but like, even if you were in trade, like, I think you overestimate how available these auras are. They yeah, really did overdid it a little bit with the scarcity. But like, I remember that it took right uh, took one week for the first determination to pop up or some shit. <laughs> yeah, and then it was listed for a mirror or something like that. <laughs> so ruthless sanctum. So this is like softcore ruthless trade sanctum. Grace, just grace gem, right? Okay, looking, looking. Cheapest grace. Oh, only 11 elks. <laughs> 17 elks. Oh, okay, yeah. That sounds doable. How much is an elk? It's like I mean, an elks are divine and ruthless, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Elks are kind of like scarce as well. I think someone posted on the subreddit like they traded an Omni for like 73 elks or something in Ruthless. Yeah, yeah something like that. I don't know whether it's 73, but it was a. I just pulled that number out. It was like 70-something. Was it? I have no idea. The thing about Ruthless is that, like, uniques are fairly accessible in a way, right? So most people would just be running full brown, brown like, unique builds. With the exception of, like, a couple things. But, yeah, I mean... Like, if you want to, uh, like... If you want to get, like, a Dvarin diadem, you can get it in Ruthless, like, fairly decently. And it's like such a powerful unique. So I, I would see myself just like basically like farming bosses or farming whatever to be able to get some uniques and then build my character off the off of whatever I get. I think the real challenging part though is the skill gems. That's definitely uh pretty bad. Yeah, I feel like you have to like have played it too. It's and it's an acquired flavor, so I, I, I'm sure it's not for everyone. The ruthless thing. I don't even think it's for me. I, I was really hyped about it, but like for the most part, I don't think it's like. I mean, I, I'll play it when we do the fun end of league, private league, or something like that, right? For the. For the fun aspect. But uh, it's not going to be my main thing. Right, like in the beginning, before it came out, I was like, eh, maybe this is my new main way to play Path of Exile. I'm gonna be, I identify as a ruthless player, but <laughs> not really. I mean, yeah. it, like I said, it's fun to dip in and to see how far you can get, how, how far you can stomach it. But here's something I've wondered about ruthless for a little bit. 
Shoot. How would you make a build guide for Ruthless? You oh, know, God. Can't. <laughs> yeah, <you> <laughs> like, no let's way. say, like, a friend of yours is like, dude, I heard about this, like, new game mode. It sounds really cool. Like, uh, do you have any, like, build guides you can point me towards? Like, how do you, how do you, like, guide someone what to do? And you'd recommend them to do the the, the strongest SSF uh, leveling setups, right? Like, I mean, doing something like armor brand cremation probably still like will carry you to maps. You just have a lot fewer support gems. But do you get you, do you get like quest rewards? You do get quest rewards, but I don't think support gems. You okay. only get skill gems and no auras. Except for, uh, there's very few auras that you get. Most of them are drop only. I think you can get yeah. the, the flat reservations or something. I, I don't actually remember. But certainly not the big 50% ones or the heralds or anything. Mm. Those are all, yeah, if you find them, you find them. Which, I, you know, what I really like about that is whenever you do find something that's good, it's a big more multiplier for you. Like every time it's Pog Champ, right? You get like a good support gem that's like 20 to 30% more damage. Log in, dude. That's amazing. True, true, true. But, I mean, I don't think the main game does a bad job at that either, to be honest. I feel like there's already like such a huge scale in how a character starts off as the beginning of a league to when it's like min-max that I don't ever really find myself like starved for upgrades unless i'm at the point where i've already spent infinite amounts of money if that makes sense but i, I do i do get that completely because it's like it's like it's it's i don't know i think th there's a fine line between like for example if i was to get a really good relic now i don't even think i'd be happy i'd just be like because it's like oh it's due time you know like sure cool <laughs> too whatever. little too late <laughs> yeah and I, and I think I would get to that point in Ruthless as well, like if it were me. But that's more of like a, like a how I would feel, I guess. I don't know if it's like that for everybody. Well, you feel like entitled to have a certain state of the build at a certain point in the game? It's or, not entitled, uh, but it's like... Yeah, entitled it, it, is like, the wrong word uh, because it sounds so derogative, but... Like, if it's completely up to chance, and, and then 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 it's not like, it's not as satisfying for me to get an upgrade, if that makes sense. Because, like, Trade League kind of, like, circumvents the, like, the fact that it's, like, there are things that are up for chance that you will never get. Like, you will yeah, never you drop a mage towards blood, them. but you can, you, you can still work for it, like, if that makes sense, right? And it's still extremely satisfying getting it and working towards it. Um, Whereas, on the other hand, if it's completely up to chance and then you get it, you, you can't even feel rewarded because you didn't like actually actively work towards it. It could have just as well not happened or I mean, could have happened to someone who didn't put in the work that you put in. It still feels pog when you do get it, but if I'm being realistic, 99.9% .9 of the time you don't get it. Right? And when it's something as like simple as like a determination, I... I, I that's probably why, like, I think that game mode is just not for me. It's just, it's just like, <laughs> it's just too much. It's because it's, it's crumbs, right? Well, it depends on what aspect of the game you enjoy playing and, uh, or, or like, you enjoy playing the most, right? I think yeah. Ruthless is really good for the people who like to solve things differently, like to be 
you know, basically handed a, an unsolvable puzzle, like a puzzle with like a couple pieces missing, basically. Here, make the best you can make of it. Kind of. Yeah, fair enough. Like, it's, it's basically like Uber SSF <laughs> in some way. Because that's what I always found fun about SSF is like, I can't make the optimal build that my build guide is suggesting. I can't use the optimal, you know, support gem setup or the optimal chest piece or the optimal helmet. I have to work with what I get. And, um, and Ruthless is even more so, like, far less than the optimal. You get, like, something that's completely inferior. Yeah, but I feel like still in SSF, like things are achievable. Like if you you can still get there, it'll just take much longer. Yeah, much totally. Much longer. You can you can lay out strategies for a lot of things that you would want to acquire, and mm -hmm. work towards them. Whereas in Ruthless, well, it kind of feels weird. Like we're four people who don't enjoy Ruthless and who don't play it <laughs> <laughs> right now, and uh, and we're still talking about it. But it's like it's a cool thing. I, I like that they did it. Right, like I like that they give this sort of game mode to players who enjoy the game in a little bit less generous way in a little bit more punishing and restrictive way and yeah for I, sure I, I don't think it devalues like the regular game experience no definitely um, not no absolutely not i actually enjoyed ruthless i played the i guess you could call it the beta just whatever it was they released before 320 came out and so i i saw everyone playing cold dot and i was like well i'm gonna be hipster and i'll try playing I don't know. Let's go with uh, splitting steel. Uh, don't recommend. But uh, I had a really fun time getting to Act Five and just like enjoying the slog. I was. I didn't find any support gems that were good for me. I found a bunch for Cold Dot. Uh, but <laughs> I really enjoyed the experience, though. I think the the scarcity actually made um, things that actually did drop exciting. I mean, as someone who's you know no life D two and it uh, you know when I was a teenager, it kind of reminded me of that. You know, the not having rings for a long time. Or that sort of thing. Um, I mean, as far as whether it's better than the, you know, the base game mode, I definitely enjoy the base game mode because I'm a gambling addict and I like crafting. But um, I can definitely see like the appeal of item scarcity, especially in, like you said, Catmaster or group setting, if you were to do it in like a, a private league and, you know, you're both farming for something and you find something that your friend can use and you guys are just kind of sharing and just kind of weathering the, the storm, I guess, of uh of uh, you know trying to find things for each other. I had something to say, but I completely blanked after when you started saying the. I started visually imagining playing with a friend. I was like, oh, that would be really cool playing ruthless as a sort of like duo group found. You know the way that Zizarin and Steel Mage played this league in in HC Trade, or was it HCS? No, they played in HC Trade, but they only had each other to trade with. Right? They they said we're only doing duo. It looks bro like so much fun what they're doing. Yeah, bro SF. The, honestly, I've I've heard a couple of people talking about wanting to do that next league, just like pairing up with one other person and just, you know, being, you know, being attached at the hip with them for the whole league. It it sounds like a lot of fun. Especially like if you were to, you know, play it with someone that you're like guarantee like you can guarantee each other that you're not gonna like, you know, migrate out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think they should let the that at the on the login screen. Because cause right now, like you have to pay for uh a private league, which I guess it makes sense from like a business standpoint, but I don't know. It's like could be cool if you just like have like a like a group Iron Man type thing like they do in RuneScape. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, you you could encode it or like enforce it via the client, but like, yeah, I mean, where, I mean, because like you think like oh, you could just like 
you know, commit yourself. But there's, it's a lot different when, when like, there's like a barrier saying like, are you sure you want to, you know, like, uh, like break this commitment and as opposed to just like being able to do whenever, if you know what I mean? Cause that's what it's like in RuneScape, right? Like yeah. you're a group Ironman and at any point you can just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna become a normal Ironman or whatever. Right. And you could like break free of like the group or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. Could be, could be like a cool, so yeah, I'd much rather that than <laughs> ruthless <laughs> for me. Like, uh, I think group, uh, like grouping with your friends would be like way cooler. But I mean, the only thing that's ever stopped me is the fact that it's like, yeah, you have to make a private league and running a private league, all league is not exactly like the cheapest thing ever. It seems to be how a lot of people are enjoying the game these days, though. I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like, there's there's a lot of private leagues, you know, a lot yeah. of like smaller scale action popping up. At least, you know, from what I've seen on Twitch, and it seems like people are kind of enjoying that more than trade these days. Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm the other way around. I usually play HCSSF, and I'm really enjoying trade for a change. I don't really fully utilize trade, but just being able to like trade with my group, uh, being able to like help each other out to, to do some, uh, you know, some some group XP farming and breach lords domains and all that sort of stuff, that is really I don't know like it's a social element to the game that I don't typically experience a lot outside of say BPL, right? And uh, that that's been extremely uplifting to my game experience personally. Like Enki, I think you were doing a private league for a little bit, right? How how'd you find that? We've been doing either like I've been either playing Soul Surfer or Group Hunt leagues for like two years straight now. Actually, this time I'm back in trade for once because I wanted to do a few guides, didn't and didn't really end up actually doing that. But yeah, it's definitely been a really different experience again. Like in trade, I actually think about like. Should, should I run these breach stones or should I just sell them like um, pure breach stones and shit like that? While well, well, in like group hunt or trade, uh, in group hunt or SSF, I, I just do them or I just give them to someone that needs them because they, they're leveling or whatever. It's definitely it's a very different experience. You, you think about everything you do in the game very differently. And I forgot what I wanted to say. Well, let me quickly say that uh, I could totally relate what you said earlier, uh, Aphelion. What you said about enjoying the pace of Ruthless, like being happy about smaller drops. I don't remember specifically what you said, but I remember what I re how I related to it. Because back in the day when I started playing PUE, you actually had to plan out your vendor uh, quest rewards properly because you wouldn't be able to purchase gems after you get your quest reward. The quest reward that you got was like, you could select one gem or support gem out of the selection that the vendor offers you, but afterwards you wouldn't have like a vendor. You would only get to buy gems later in the library. And that was- okay, Chaos uh, Multi-Strike. Was that even, no, I think at the time that wasn't even in the game. No, you, you weren't able to buy gems in the library, I think. Yeah, you, at you least could not only buy from players. And you could buy them from other players. So uh, there was one quest where you could get Echo and Multi Strike, and those you you typically you grab the one that was worth the most and sell it. 
when you got there because people were always looking for it. Spell Echo 5C, Multi-Strike 5C, or whatever they cost. I mean, that's the price that I remember. Um, of course, 5C were worth a lot more back then. 5C actually like buy you a solid C. piece of jewelry. <laughs> it's more like 20C now. Yeah, crazy PoE inflation. But no, what I was trying to say is like I actually remember vividly like trying to plan out my league start because there was a certain build I wanted to play in endgame, but I didn't think it was efficient to level as. So I, I needed to kind of do like a middle ground, like I needed to do a decent leveling build, but at the same time I wouldn't go all the way on that leveling build because I'd still want to use the vendor quests to get the, the support gems that I needed for the other endgame build. So I, I kind of tried to, to do like a middle ground where I could transition into a spectral throw endgame build. But I was actually able to level as a trapper, and uh, yeah, that was, uh, I remember that vividly. And some of that comes back up in Ruthless for me. Some of those feelings, like, like this extreme gem restrictiveness, and actually having to make decisions, like not being able to get gems at a basically insignificant cost in unlimited amounts. Are you? I gotta hop out. I do appreciate. You know, I do really appreciate you, Kat. <laughs> I appreciate you Thanks too. Thanks for man. having me on. And thank you, Felion and Inky, as well. And good luck, yeah. boys. I hope you have a good night. Catch you later, Zuna. Hey. Thanks for hanging out. It's almost 2 a.m. here, so yeah, I'm just going to jump yeah, out. Yeah, I'm, I'm also uh, right, sort of tired then. again. <laughs> Thanks to your chat as well. Thanks, boys. Yo. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye bye. Guys, check Peace out so. that blasting tuna. One and only. I appreciate you. Kiss it. Bye bye. <laughs> Hey, and Balor is in chat. Home, need to change shirts oh and boy. make coffee. Oh, hey, we're going to get Balor in a second. That 24-hour cast is a crazy idea. It's a crazy idea. It's been brewing for so long, right? And, like, I think we've done relatively well so far, considering that out of the things that I prepared, I haven't had to use a lot, right? Like, we haven't had to actually, like... I was like, if we run out of things to talk about, we could just react to the old announcement trailers, or I could pull up some PoE trivia questions from uh, from someone, or we could do this new Discord game, and so far we haven't had to rely on that. Um, God, PoE trivia questions. Yeah, terrible, right? <laughs> There's this, this German dude who's been hosting like a um, Jeopardy-style PoE quiz that I was going to poach questions from. <laughs> but uh, I already asked this question to uh, Enki. Aphelion, do you have any like pet peeves with PoE at the moment? Is there any Anything that like pops up every time you play where you like feel a little bit annoyed or that, that gets on your nerves where you're like, eh, that could be done better? Or is there anything that you have an exceptional amount of fun with that you're enjoying a lot? Well, pet peeves, how long you got? <laughs> I guess 24 hours. <laughs> Look, like, I I play this game enough that, like, things are bound to start to, like, bug me a little bit that really aren't that big of a deal, right? It's like when you spend... Same, yeah. You know, it, it's like when you spend a long time with, you know, I don't know, maybe, like, your parents or your siblings or whatever. Like, eventually, you guys start to butt heads with it, right? So I'm, I'm butting heads with a few things about the game uh, that really aren't that big of a deal. But, like this one really random one lately okay and this is going to sound like completely ridiculous to everybody but this one really random one lately is i really want them to put like a storage location for sextants on the atlas i'm i'm getting annoyed at having to like open my inventory and like 
sextant the watchstones and then like grab one with a surveyor's compass and then like sextant the watchstones again and i don't i don't really want to put them in, in my inventory because that's just more clicks too like it's just this like random silly little pet peeve that like actually isn't that big of a deal but like lately because i'm like in you know in the flow of mapping like i've got my tornado shop build um I you know I dropped Omni a couple of days ago, so I'm I'm playing Omni TS, and blasting. Uh, yeah, and I'm blasting, and I'm like you know trying to keep up with you know sextanting you know four maps in a row, and it's just like, uh, please I have to open my atlas again. I don't I don't care. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't see, that, that. that's exactly the reaction that you know you should have. It's like, eh, <laughs> I mean that's not the. Okay, I'll smile and nod. Yeah, no, I know. I can I tell know. you my, my petty little, my petty little thing, and that's I, I think people have asked for this for ages, but I I just want to be able to have what people are asking for a currency pouch in your inventory, right? Like like five slots next to your inventory where you could put your your scrolls and your your currency and whatever. And the reason why this hasn't happened, at least I, the reason I assume it hasn't happened, is that GGG doesn't want to inflate. The inventory space they want don't want to give you more space because they think that the space is a useful restriction which great okay fine i'll take that but then let me split off spaces from my inventory let me take five spaces from my inventory take them away and put them somewhere else so that every time i get out of a map and i dump my items i don't accidentally dump all the things that i actually want to have in there like remnants of corruption like how many times do i run into a into an essence that i want to corrupt in the map i open my inventory and the remnants i go oh shit oh click them out of the inventory going back picking them up leaving them in this time i'll i won't forget them this time i'll keep them in and then next next map i run into an essence that i want to corrupt oh shit they're not in there anymore every single time right so like i understand that they don't want to give us more space because it really doesn't, uh, you know, it's not a good idea because the game is balanced around the amount of space that you have and they, they want to rather fix the whole situation with loot another way, right? They want to rework loot. There's, there's the loot 2.0 update coming at some point, anytime soon, uh, maybe only with PV2. Yeah. But uh, we could all agree that there's a lot of useless stuff on the ground that no one needs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you like what any... you just described with the uh, with the remnants has been me with orbs of alchemy lately. Because like I'm I'm getting good. I'm getting pretty good at not putting the remnants back in the inventory. I slip sometimes, but you know, I'm I'm working on it. But right. lately, I'm like I'm running strong boxes too, and I'm doing operative strong boxes. And you know, I don't like opening white operative strong boxes. So I'm trying to carry Alex with me to just quickly throw one on uh as i'm running but somehow those always make it back into the currency tab like it's it's just like an automatic reflex like oops i clicked on it yeah yeah especially when you like because as a streamer you often don't pay full attention to the game you have like different modes between like paying attention to the game and then like reading chat reacting to chat and then auto piloting in the game while you uh while you do that and that that's always when those things happen for me yeah, I was gonna ask. Do you do you so far away from the center of the tree that you can't you can't get the all corrupted rare, or you just don't want your strong boxes to be corrupted and rare? Uh, my tree is like so stretched thin that I had to get rid of those nodes. It's like I'm I'm looking for some very specific things right now. So, and I'll I'll bore you with the details. So, uh, I'm trying to finish out my well, not finish, but you know, keep working on my build. And one of the things I need right now is a corrupted searching eye jewel with corrupting blood in it, because I have this like 
awful corrupting blood jewel with like crit chance and that's it. And so I'm trying to spawn as many abysses as I can while doing betrayal, while doing, uh, I forget what other two things, but there are two things that take a lot of points. I can't remember right now. I should open my tree and look, but yeah, I'm so stretched in that I can't, I can't do it right now. Oh yeah, Alva and shrines and strong boxes. And farming you're running on a tree. Yeah, so I'm kind of like all over the place. I'm trying to imagine the tree right now. You can't put the corrupted node in there. Well, it uh, makes sense if I showed you. But quick question: Have you played BPL at all? So, I played it. Uh, I played it like a year and a half ago, and I really enjoyed it. But I haven't played it since, even though I, I really did enjoy it. Um, look, I, I need six hours of sleep a night, and <laughs> and B, BPL. Okay, um, BPL just like makes you blast so hard that I just go like the entire weekend, like you know, gaming with everybody, and then I like I'm I'm dead on Monday. I'm so dead. I could I could relate to that. Yeah, I've, I've definitely didn't have more than six hours of sleep at any given point during the BPL. It's a fantastic event, though. Like, tons of credit to the people that organize it. I, I genuinely think it's one of the best events in PoE, if not the best. Like, the people that organize it are talented and, uh, you know, I can't, I don't have enough nice things to say about them. They're just, like, they're incredible. And running out of adjectives. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to blow too much smoke up their asses, but uh there it, it's a great event and no, it's like un undisputably it's like i i called it in the podcast or like in the podcast description when we had send and lilicious from the organization team on i i called it the the most fun and most like um inclusive community event which i think i can say that without doubt right like gauntlet may be more fun to watch for some people but it's definitely not the most fun to play for for everyone and certainly not inclusive because Gauntlet's always hardcore and like a lot of people just for whatever reason don't want to play hardcore. Like bad computer, bad connection, bad gameplay skills, real life obligations, right? If you have a toddler around and you, you anytime you could have to go for, away from the computer, it's just not practical to play hardcore. Have you done Gauntlet and Key? Played Gauntlet, but I haven't really gotten that far and any time I played it, like last time I played, I, I don't know when it was. It Did was you play Arc Elementalist? No, actually not. Uh, last time I played, there was like multi-project and everything. And I just got like, you, you know, the, the Maligar, the, the first map you basically run the, the one in act seven. Right. I, I got, I got stuck on like a bridge. And just got shotgun blasted by like all of these lightning projectiles. Oh, that sucks. And then I was just then I was just like, well, that's it. I go play other really games. Awful. But yeah, Gauntlet has never really been for me really because I don't know. Just not really my thing. Yeah, there's the responding here. Yeah, uh, go ahead. There, there's a lot of like anxiety and like butt puckering, huh? Like it feels like every single encounter you have is like uh, potentially the last one, and you're having to like focus up and play super intensely and 
Like there's a lot of stress. I remember I, um the the first ever gauntlet is the is the only one that I played like for any length of time. Um and it was <laughs> it was actually my first like real hardcore PoE experience. So it was kind of funny like running through gauntlet and getting like you know steam achievements, you know, first level 60, first level 70, you know, first uber lab. Um then I remember just like it was a week straight of anxiety. I think I got a like a butt workout almost every single day. Like I, <laughs> like I was, I was just like so tense all over my body every time I'd play. I and basically like, I mean, usually I like making my own builds, but I just gave up on that and I just like had Ziz's profile open on my left monitor and just like kept f fiving whenever I was trying to decide what to do next. And uh, yeah, it was just a week straight of that. And I remember like at the end of it, I was just relieved that it was over. Uh, I. I got number ten trickster, and I think I'm 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 just gonna like retire on that. <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good from here. I'll just watch you know whoever else do the you know take the pain for me. Yeah, I, I do actually enjoy if there's something on the line and the fact that you constantly need to be sort of alert. But if that constant alertness turns into anxiety and into like you know you're just essentially enjoying the game less than you would otherwise. Then, uh, yeah, that's probably not something I would recommend. I mean, everyone should try it once, but if you made it to rank ten, trickster. I think that's a uh, that's a that's huge. Yeah, I mean, like the I think the the important thing with events like that is just you know don't take it too seriously, right? Like it's not a reflection on you as a gamer or as a person if you don't make it past mud flats or whatever. Like shit, I. I died at Mudflats, I think, like ten times, and I ended up naming my character like Mudflats Final Boss or something, <laughs> just because I was so frustrated. Um, but like for me, like I didn't take it seriously at, at you know at that point. I was just kind of you know and like let's just see how far we get. You know, I at least want to make it past Mudflats. I'll be embarrassed if I don't. And then you know I was making it past X six and X seven. It's like oh, like it started to sink in. Like I should probably start taking this seriously. You know, but like. It's okay to just joke around and have fun with you know gauntlet or whatever other event for a little bit until you find that you're you know getting somewhere or enjoying it and then you want to take it more seriously. Yeah, I used to do like the the race seasons back in the day. What wasn't really like extremely good at it, but uh, I think like my best result was like rank two of like um my my class. Like back then we only had the classes, no senses. And I I got like this constant feeling of improvement with it, like every single race I I noticed I did something better, got better, and then also saw that in my ranks. And personally, I didn't really never really got that feeling with like Gauntlet, for example. So for for me, that's just like I I, I like having that. I like having this, you know, this sense of improving my gameplay, getting better at things and stuff. And I personally just don't really get the feeling with Gauntlet. But I mean, yeah, totally fair, right? Yeah, the problem that I'd have with Gauntlet if I like really wanted to be consistently better every single time I play it is that it just happens every three months. And if I wanted to get better, I'd have to play Gauntlet outside of like Gauntlet happening. Like I'd actually have to do Gauntlet yeah. practices. Right, I have to practice runs and ideally do it like exile, like play the main league for like two weeks and then directly start gauntlet practice and practice gauntlet until gauntlet happens. 
and there's also always the different modifiers so it's like not really like different modifiers and different states of the game right balanced states so yeah not, i not suppose really, i suppose but like it's not, it's not really consistent yeah but like it's still fairly consistent like the modifiers is, add a little bit of variance to it but it's still like not really. you know a very similar every single time Sure, there there is a little bit of a different twist, and especially stuff like added projectiles or like increased AOE massively change how some bosses work. Yeah. Didn't have a gauntlet last league. Yeah, it was the first time since the gauntlet started that we didn't have one last league. Uh, that's even worse if you want to try uh, and practice, right? <laughs> that's another private league that you need to pay for. I think I think paying for private leaks is fine. Ready, beam me up. Oh.